and welcome back to the only show that breaks down, cracks up, skews, and reviews each week's DC Comics. I'm the ruler of Beast World, Eric Shea. And I'm Jim Warner. And this is the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast, episode number 517. It is the last episode of 2023, Eric. I hope that 2024 finds us, I don't know, in a better mood, maybe. Uh, maybe some better books. We had a really good week last week. Last week was one of the better weeks we've had. I think that we're back to... Uh, not so great this week, but we'll see. Still a pretty positive week in my mind. Well, we have. Do you? Because I don't yeah. know. I'm look. I'm looking at the books and knowing what we already. I, I disagree, but I guess we're going to disagree on a lot of these books because I did not find many of them enjoyable. But that's why you're here to be the Mister Positivity to everything. But this is 517. Keep on keeping on, and if you want to hear more from us you can find us over at twitter at weird science dc follow us we'll follow you back go to our website weird science dc comics.com where you can get written reviews over there sus gabe then yeah. go to our youtube channel which is weird science comics and finally if you want to get more comics podcasts including reading groups at the patreon over Ooh. there is the patreon.com slash weird science where we have a ton of shows Exclusive shows and one of the big things we do each and every week is a two book Patreon only spotlight. Two books picked by the bad asses to get fresh crew, and they uh, they picked some bigger ones this week. I mean, Action Comics Annual 2023 number one, the end of Phil Kenny Johnson's run, the finale there. So that was big in Power Girl. Number four, which was Power Girl number four. It was the end of the first arc, apparently. Yeah, you, you were a little surprised about that, and then we get Ridiculous. a streaky story next, and then we get, you know, this. It seems like an and odd play. We get Supergirl and Power Girl in medieval times, and not the fun kind with the restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. I, I wish there was some big, giant, you know, Henry VIII drumstick. Uh, you actually thought we were going to just go right into Kalex being Why wouldn't evil. I think that? Well, because at the end it said, maybe you'll see me down the road. I'm like, I don't maybe. know. He could jump ahead a few weeks. Whatever. He jumped out of the car, ran up real quick. But I don't know that we'll ever see it. I guess we will see it. But I only think that it's going to ever be referenced in that Power Girl book. So you better hope that that continues on. But we're going to streamline this beginning because we got a lot of books that Eric said he loves. He loves every single one of them. Shit. So we're going to have to get to that. So here is our shout out to those badasses that picked those two books. This is a badass roll call. Ah, uh, Eric. Uh, We're going to start off with David Fink, Trevor, Dad Nation, yeah, Eric K, Jeffrey Greek, Zach Walker, The Annihilator, Ted Probes, I Love Punchline, Stork, Michael S, Cam, Matt Razor, Niels Tewart, Stephen Baum, Jason Colby, Sue 42 to you and me, Michael G, Michael G hasn't read comics in quite some time, so I hope he's oh no. still listening and enjoying things, Ken Halleck, Comic Boom, Rocky, Scary Potter, Still scaring it up. Still scaring it up. It's like the idea where people are like, is Gremlins a Christmas movie? But they're also saying, is Scary Potter for Christmas? Maybe. Maybe the year as well. Mark Jager, Bill Beer of the Bad Pod, Ruben, Carlos, No Wolf, Marv, Matthew Rapier, Luke Hollywood, Drunk, Simon, Luis, Man Ship, Andrew Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh, Million, Batman Beyond, Mark. I just did a cartoon show with him doing the spectacular Spider Man episode one. Brandy Murray B. Mirror, that is Brandon up there in Buffalo, Canada. 
and then doxing double A runs ass final in the Minnesota. See, it's perfectly timed, Eric. And perfectly. shout out to my man Reginald Drinkwater and our man Rob Lewis. Uh-uh. I said uh-huh. I didn't realize I started way too soon that I did need to you know throw some sort of things in, and and this week we found out. That Michael G. hasn't been reading comics lately. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him the shout out. That's why. I scary Potter's for all seasons. The boy scary who never Potter lived. For all he spent seasons. too much time reading comic books and watching horror movies. And me and Batman Beyond, Mark, did a spectacular Spider-Man. And at the end of that, I said, I don't think Eric would have watched this one. Because it's a very, like, kid-friendly, like, really no, kiddie no, version. Show. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, what's it? Matt Razor hated it. He thought it was garbage. But. It was okay that first episode. I say that there were two in like the two thousands ish that like felt very similar, and I get them confused. This was two thousand and eight, and it ended so, up being uh very kid friendly. Yeah, the first episode that we ended up doing, the only one I ended up. I think I like both, but I, I get them confused. You, you start off, Peter. You don't have any like the origin's already done. Like you get in there, you don't retell the origin really. So I know you appreciate that, oh, and yeah. it's a vulture. Story uh, going against Norman Osborn because he thinks he stole some tech from him. But you get a lot of name drops in that. Like everybody just gets name dropped all over the place. Uh, Flash Thompson pulling people's pants off, stuff like that, you know. Oh, Fun good stuff. stuff. But it was 2008, so you can look that up. But like I said, we have a lot of books. We have more than a plethora, I'll tell you that. I believe we have plethora plus three. But we're oh. going to get off and we have some mail. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to go off right now start off these books with what is kind of the beast world section plus detective detective what's the batman over there in, in the beginning of that so we're gonna and he's kind of a beast in that as well right Bar- he's, battle. A wolfman. he's kind of a beast he's got wolfmans uh, in there yeah that is true there are wolfmans and in that i love the idea that two-faced he's yelling for the wolfman he just has to Bring wait or however the time play is you, you just have to go into the beast Bring world your full moon ass over here wolfman what do you think the animal would be that they? Because they always want to play that fucking game. So Two Face has do to they? be. What would it be? What What is a Two Faced animal besides maybe Scary Potter? Man, <laughs> that is true. Oh my god, the most dangerous game, Eric. But we're gonna go off right now to those books. See a star who's green Not wings and moon Jake Garrick in the boom boom Long in the When I think to myself What the hell is this world? I don't have a clue But it's not right Watch out for Lois Lane, that bitch might bite. And I say to myself, what the hell is Beast World? What is Beast World, Eric? And it's funny because we still really haven't seen much of Lois Lane. And then this week, it doesn't look like Nightwing's going to turn into a cow. Not at all. (laughs) Looks like he's going to be another cat. I so don't know what's prediction. going on. Well, you know, it rhymed, Eric. Does this rhyme? But yeah, we end up having. I was telling you, Hedgehog events. Say Nightwings in blue. Just say blue. Yeah, but he's always in blue. That's not anything special. I needed My to make a, a joke about animals. Well, <laughs> I mean, 
is Lois. Well, yeah, Lois Lane can be a bitch, but that's Stop just it. besides the point. And Jake Garrick and the Boom aren't even in it, but they belong in a zoo. See, it all works. They're out. doing stuff. It all Central works City stuff. Out. See, well, this is what happens when you decide to make parody songs before the books come out. But you have to because we start talking. We may find that out too in the Neil Before Sod book as well. I, I might have done some, you know, kind of fudging of that, but we'll see. It works. And, and I do believe Maybe. that that the the whole play here, the badasses, I know they're going to screw me. I'm not going to be able to play that song, so maybe I'll play it at the end of this episode, Eric, if I remember. Or the end of next episode. And the next timely. episode. And the next. And the next. But I don't think it'll be on the next episode. That'll be on the Patreon, just as a shout out if you want to get involved. It. Yeah. Oh, I can play it every week. I can play Nassau right now if I want to, Eric. I you can wanna? also even play some Sammy Hagar, but I won't. We're here <laughs> no, to talk about the whole deal. I may later. There's one book I have, you know, Sammy Hagaring it up, if you know what I mean, Eric. You know what I mean. But we end up having the big. I do. <laughs> Nobody knows what we're talking about. Ah, oh, but isn't that our podcast in a nutshell, Eric? Isn't it? Oh, it's the end of the year. Look at us. And I did have a bunch of people ask. Oh, when are you and Eric going to do your best of the year show? And I said, well, maybe some other year. We'll see. We'll see all the plays here. We do have an annuals week in January, so all bets are off, I say. I don't know what that means either, but we're going to start off, and we have the big events going on. This is where I think that you're going to be a little more positive, a positive Peter, than maybe me. Not that I don't like it. We've really enjoyed this Beast World, actually, to the point where it kind of feels silly how much we have enjoyed it compared to other events. And the whole basis of everybody's furries seems goofy, but we've been having a good time with it. I don't know. I think that this really shows that it's a middle issue of the event, but that's me. Eric, give us the credits and we'll jump into it. Titans Beast World number three, written by Tom Taylor, with art by Lucas Meyer, Romeo Fajardo Jr., and Wes Abbott. In this issue, we continue to fight off the forces of the human-animal hybrids as our heroes try to figure out what the hell we going to do. Everybody's turning the animals over here. We're kind of screwed. What's going on right now? And essentially, that's where we leave things, where everybody is just fighting in their own spots. And, like, you know, we figure out by the end, like, hey, Amanda Waller, she's doing some stuff too, huh? Okay, that's the review. How you like them apples? I, I love it, Eric. I think that you were playing with me earlier. The, the idea of this is one thing that worries <laughs> it's me. It's fun, though, still. <laughs> well, it's fun, but one thing worries me is that you have a lot of pieces, you know, all around. Because what happens in this, Amanda Waller says, hey, get this. I want to make everybody in the world scared of the heroes. I want them to yep. see the monsters that I see. I'm like. Just like my hero Insomnia. Yeah, all right, Insomnia. This is just what. The, and here's the play. If you said, and if somebody, probably somebody's thinking it right now. Well, that was the Justice League. Now she's working on. But she wasn't doing that before. And that's what worries me about this. This doesn't seem like it possibly could have been a plan of Amanda Waller. I like Amanda Waller jumping in and taking advantage of things. Oh, my God, this is happening. Let me kind of get involved and kind of twist and turn. But if we go through this whole thing of how, I mean, how could you ever say this was a plan that, you know, you have Beast Boy decide to be Starro and he just decides on a whim even. And I hope they don't because just say the Tamaranian came down and took over the cult of blood or the church of blood. And like, I worship a necro star that I'm going to unleash. Hear that, Amanda Waller? I'm going to start doing this. So you better start hedging your bets about Beast Boy becoming a star to fight that Man, necro star it's off. It's so weird. And the overall narration seems to really point to 
she really set this up. Well, I don't even know about the idea of setting it up. I think she has seen what's happening right now, and she still wants to p- fulfill her plan of making the world turn on the heroes at but large. But that's the weird place she said at, at the narration, which could be Lex, maybe? Or it says, it's strange to think that this is what she wanted. The chaos, the death, and, and really plays off this play of she actually set this up. And I hope that, I'm just saying, I hope it's not the case, because that's ridiculous. But I was going to say, if somebody says, well, the whole night terrors, that worked out because everybody's afraid of the Justice League, even though it was all the heroes. But now this, the problem is, is if you're taking too much time, like what ramifications have we seen from night terrors? None. We really haven't seen anybody being afraid. But the more you get away from things, then it seems like, well, that was bullshit. So why are you trying? It just ends up not hitting as well as I think. And just that play of, Oh, yeah, we want to show. Amanda Waller has been on that game of, I want to, you know, the heroes suck. It it got twisted and turned in the whole thing after Death Metal when we ended up having the Infinite Frontier. We had the play where all the other multiverses, they were pissed off at at the heroes and they didn't want to get, oh, my God, everything resets and the heroes never have anything bad happen to them. Then it got twisted to Amanda Waller, Earth 3. That kind of never went anywhere. And now we're here. I don't know. It just and then we're back. Amanda pushed. Waller, she, sometime, she somehow came back from Earth 3 and she's doing stuff again. But we're not going to deal with that. She's done with Earth 3 stuff now. And uh, some people have brought up, and I'm not so sure it's not the case as we go forward, even in the Green Arrow book of maybe this isn't our Amanda Waller. Maybe it is a weird play that this is the Earth 3 Amanda Waller. Now, the funny play Wouldn't is. she be a good guy? That's the thing. Would it be a, a twist of all twists to actually find out that our sus Amanda Waller is the good one like it's just that's a, the honestly, three, that is right? a great twist because the whole thing you have amanda waller who's constantly like crossing the lines that everybody else can see but it's still her line she's not like you know she has her own line that she won't cross and what she's doing for the right thing almost like a peacemaker i will kill everybody i can in order to get peace he believes he's doing the right thing and he's acting for the, the betterment of mankind even though he's doing horrific things to get there I could actually see our Amanda Waller being the good version of an Earth 3 and stuff like that. So, like, vice versa like that. So, this could be an evil Amanda Waller who took over and says, I'm going back to your Earth, bitch. I'm going to go take over things there. And I'm going to do some crazy stuff. And then where we get this big event that now includes them having to go save the actual Amanda Waller, that might be pretty cool. We'll see where it cool. leads and where it goes down the line. I don't think anybody and, needs and to that. go and save that, the real Amanda Waller because, like, you know, that's we got true. stuff to do here. They're heroes. Uh, that's there the hero three problems, thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, that is true. But when we start off this issue, we continue with the bit in conduct. You end up having uh, Black Adam, the lion. And he's, I don't know, it, it, he's there. It's the wow moment. He ends it up is. winning Starfire. And then he's like, oh, no, he ran away. What happened? Oh. You Fight know, he's still, Animals. he's more animal. And that's where I think maybe I was talking to you a bit about it before. Uh, but I kind of wish that there was this time limit thing of, oh, my God, if they wait too long, that parasite ends up, you know, really you getting that. the I host. I wish there was any explanation about what's going on, except for even though Batman's a wolfman, he's still in there and he's still a good boy. Like, I don't know what the rules are to this whole thing. Animal, human hybrids. It just is for whatever it needs to be at any given time. Well, and they call him Dr. Clancy. Cool. Dr. Clancy comes in, See, right? Clancy. I am so disappointed because you are bringing in Nightwing characters like the former landlord of Nightwing, Dr. Clancy. Now, you're bringing her kids along like she is doing stuff to try to figure out a cure if there is any for the animal-human hybrids. When you have people like Dr. Midnight, Mr. Terrific, just look, I'm, I'm sure Dr. Clancy, she is very good at what she does. But in this situation, you bring in specialists that are beyond your former landlord. 
Yeah, it's true. You're going low rent there. <laughs> it would be like me. I'm trying to cut corners. Like, oh, my God, you know, that Dr. Midnight, he costs too much. Let's get Dr. Clancy. And then Dr. Clancy has to reveal, oh, I know you're Dick Grayson, which it is kind of silly, all the thing. But I don't know if I love that. But still. Well, even the reveal of that whole thing, it's like, okay, it's just out in the open. Let's move on. Like, okay, you could have done something more with that. But even the idea of doing something more with that, like, like uh, I think her name's Bridget now. And I'm trying to think. Like Bridget Clancy. Uh, but. The whole thing, she's been, like, from the early to mid-90s, the character was introduced, you have this whole thing that's not any really relevant anymore, so I don't know why you need to have this I don't here. know or either. Or even the idea, like, here's the big reveal where she figures out it's Nightwing and tells him about it, like, it does nothing for anybody for how far removed this character is. Like, I think Tom Taylor brought her in previously when he first started his Nightwing run, but it has, she hasn't showed up since, and it has doesn't mean anything. These are the same things as when the police came to talk to Nightwing and he just name drops or Barbara said he was a cop at one point and then they just move on. It's just, uh, hey, remember her? Oh, I remember her. You should, too. The thing about moving on, though, is weird because they have good boy Batman the Wolfman, right? He's there. The Wolfman. So they start to try to figure things out. and like, oh, my God, there's nothing that has physically like changed blood-wise DNA. It's just this parasite in there. And then they're like, man, I don't know how. Get them on an operating table and get that shit out of there. They don't say anything. Almost of, like they did with Prometheus. Yeah, they can't even say in this. Like, you should say something like, you can't grab it out. Like, you can't just rip it out. Almost like a rip thing. Yeah, but they don't say that. Because my ass is grabbing a plunger, putting it over his mouth and starts pumping I'm away. Saying. Well, what you said, though, makes even more sense where there are a lot of different heroes. That could phase through and grab it, phase out. You, you could do right. a lot of things with this. With Hell, Thunderheart's doing shit here. She's been really good at that, apparently, in the Flashbook. Yeah, or you have Raven kind of, you know, think. Now, also what I wish they would say one thing about, because I think that Tom Taylor's already realizing, you know, Beast Boy, this Beast Boy star deal, I still think we're going to go and reform him from that missing sure. tentacle. So... There's no real mention. Yeah, they'll say, hey, everybody, these are actual people. Don't hurt them. Nobody said don't hurt them because these are pieces of Beast Boy. And Beast Boy has spelled out that he can't lose too much of these. Look, I don't even care about himself. that. Look, he, he knew the sacrifices this operation would have a world conquering thing. We need to do whatever we can to save the people. The good of the many, Jim, not the good of the Beast no, Boy. No, what I'm saying is you do that because Raven says, listen. I could end up woodjawoodjawing this Garo, but I, I, I'm afraid because I don't know if Beast Boy, whatever. But that should be the excuse of why they're there. well. That should be why they're not going in and just ripping these things out of people, or phasing, or burning, or whatever, because they can say we're still worried. We don't know what this means to Beast Boy if we can save him. And or not. even if we we destroy all of these spores, and we want to talk about the idea, the more of Beast Boy he loses when he does this stuff, the less of Beast Boy that there's left to remain. I'm thinking to myself. Motherfucker grew an eyeball back. He'll be fine. I mean, this seems like it's millions of these things. So to me, I, I don't even care if it makes sense or I'm just saying, say it so we have some rules of what they're well, doing and why they're we, not doing more, why they're when not, you we go you know, back to the coldest part or boom tube our way to the coldest part of a galaxy that we set the Necro Star and that little limb of the Star Obese Boy. We grab that thing, we throw Beast Boy back from that like a thing. We get his mind back because it's still attached to that and separated from the rest. He's just, he'll, he'll, he'll come back. He's all messed up. We can put him in that Bacta tank right next to Deathstroke because that's where he's going to be for the rest of his life. He's going to be drooling on himself. 
if you end up saying that, then that actually makes more sense of why they're not more actively trying to rip these things out and destroy them. They, they end up like, Batman's just there, and they're like, oh, we got to get these spores out of him, but let's go over here. Like, they're not really doing anything. We have the majority of our heroes here, right, who can't just phase through people and grab things outside of them. How are we ripping these things out of their throats, esophagus, stomachs? For Batman, you do surgery. That that's what you would do if I ended Batman up having is overrun some overrun with an entire Gotham full of animal human hybrids. No, I'm just saying what you want to do at this moment. They want to save Batman. I'm telling you, they want to save Batman though. You don't have to. Don't worry about Gotham right now. You're trying to save Batman. All you have to do is get that spore out. You do surgery like you would do with anybody at a tumor or anything like that. That's all it is. So they don't do it. I wish they explained. Well, we can't really do that because it does this. This they don't. They just move on. Well, the Ashes just figured out it was just a spore that did it this issue. Well, I'm saying, but they, they, we know what's going to, and I'll give you my guess of what's going to happen here. And, and also, with that, they already knew this. We talked about it before. Nightwing saw it jump in and out of people. We know that it's doing that, and he saw people revert back to a normal person after it jumped out. And I have a problem with that later, but I think we're going to World War Z this shit up. We've already been told out of sequence that what you have to do is pretty much almost like kill the host, and then the, they're just going to give them a, a a deadly but curable disease, and then the I imagine you can psychically do that. I just think you have to grab all the psychics on Earth and do it. Almost like the task force, um, what was it, 11 that Amanda Waller? X, no, yeah, I think it was 11. XL. That she had, that you had all the most powerful psychics to go and attack Brainiac hmm. that one time. Make everybody think they're sick. And make everybody think they're on the verge of death, even though they're not, and the spores evacuate. You get that out of there. But then you still just left the spores out there like, Hey, I guess we're okay. Jump back in, boys. That <laughs> <laughs> You zap them. But who knows? Again, I think that at this point, they really want to try to get Batman. And then you, you work your way from there. But they just kind of sit on their hands. They figure out, okay, it's not anything to do with blood or whatnot. So let's move on. That's fine work, Dr. Clancy. I'm going to ask Michael Holt about this first. Double check your work a little bit. Second opinion style. And then, you know, Bobo walks in and you... <laughs> And you have to play that game. Oh, no, ah! a monster. And then he kind of says, no, 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 I'm Bobo. I'm the greatest detective. Well, it, and then it makes sense really to have much. Bobo in here because, you know, the idea that he is a sentient animal man, essentially, like he is just a sentient chimpanzee. So it's fun for the little thing, but there's no reason for him to be in this book whatsoever, except for that little scare moment, That's like jump scare is. out of nowhere for Dr. Clancy. Even that, they're like, oh, man, he figured out how to get through our impenetrable defenses. I'm like. You didn't even explain. He's just there. And he's like, yep. And then you go on. It's just All he's going to do scare. is be like, you know, like uh, Xander or like uh, Brother Eternity, whatever you want to call him at this point. Just show up with another Titan. Well, yeah, well, that's what he should have done. He didn't. But he's there. Then we go off. And this issue, like I said, it's kind of that middle issue. You kind of, you know, set some all things up. All the you time, get, yeah, much. You get Power Girl who's trying to save a plane. And this is where, again, they're saying. Hey, everybody, this isn't just random attacks. There is some coordination to this. They're going after structures. They're they're yeah. tearing things down. There's something more to the agenda going on beyond just, you know, brainless, you know, destruction. Yeah, which is funny because that doesn't really give you the idea of, oh, Amanda Waller wants them to be scared of the heroes, but he's still, they're, they're ripping things Again, apart. I don't know if this is an Amanda Waller thing going on right now. Yeah, I'm saying from the narration, I don't think he's just throwing it out there to say no, even that Even the idea from not. the narration, I was reading it as Raven 
even because of the purple backgrounds. Like it, it makes sense. It makes sense for Alex Luther as well because even in his cell, it's purple to try to give you that connection. I would think you know purple and green are constantly like Luther colors, obviously. But whenever I just see a purple background, I immediately go Raven. Personally. Yeah, it, it wouldn't. She's there, but and and again, the idea she wanted to people to see the heroes as monsters like she did. That's straight out of Night Terrors, and that's the narration. And the narration keeps pulling that idea of. This is all Amanda Waller's plan. She's doing this. She's doing that. Again, when you had Night Terror, remember, she, when Night Terror, she just ended up finding, oh, shit, this will work out well. Like, she thought that that was a uh, convenient type of deal. But I don't know. The narration kind of threw me off. And the narration feels like very deceased. It's that overarching narration of big things. It almost and, feels like telling the story after the fact. Yeah. And it's kind of the weird play with, uh, with Power Girl. Like, it may be what, she, and even that, it says in there for Amanda Waller, it may be what she wanted, but I doubt she fully understood what she was unleashing. So it mm-hmm. feels like it's her doing it, and it, that feels weird. But yeah, Power Girl ends up getting in, she's the fiery phoenix now. And even the idea, like, we, we sent Dr. Hate up there now, this is definitely an Amanda Waller thing to go and wipe out Gar's mind while he is the gigantic Garo in the sky. I don't know which, if she believed that she understood that what that would mean, though, for yeah, the whole situation. It's just weird. I, I'm saying it doesn't make sense, but I think that Tom Taylor now be and this the Amanda Waller stuff to me seems like they're like, hey, remember we have Waller this big play, so you have to get her involved fully, and I think that's kind of forced in. I don't think it makes much sense, but Fiery Phoenix, you, you get yeah, from for Power some Girl. I, look, I understand that you want to say that magical things exist in this world, but just to turn somebody into a phoenix when everybody's just regular animal seems like a weird choice to me. But thankfully. You have Superboy get all lightninged up because we have his ass take on Power Girl and save the day from the people that she's like, you know, she was formerly rescuing from the airplane that she sat down and now has to save them from the fiery phoenix that she's become. I wish we would spend time to understand from the Lazarus Rain electrical blue Superboy. I need to, or Superman, because I, want to say, I still want to call him Superboy. It's a problem that I have with John Kent because, you know, he is a man technically, but he's still a boy in my heart. But like electric blue Superman. I need to know more about this, except for like when he gets angry, he can super punch somebody and then pass out from the energy he puts out. Yeah, and he doesn't really like do much to show you anything. And can you say that he when he's away. when he's with zooming her away with Power Girl, can you say that he might be kind of like hugging her as he's flying? Because that's all he does when he's electric blue. He hugged the Injustice Superman when he t- because it made him fast so he can get that hug in. I'd say it's like a vertical spear like Edge would do. Maybe. It does look like Edge would do that. Uh, and all this is just vertically, not horizontally. It's just, just to remind people that, hey, remember hey, look, this buddy. that I never explained <laughs> cool. but did? Hey, I'm go. telling you, Electric Blue Super Bo- uh, Superman here is just like Bobo showed up. Like, even the idea, like, you know, Bobo, people love Detective Chimp. He's never done anything for me because I always find the character kind of boring. Just kind of like a wow factor for oh, a, a, a wow each group of, of, like, you know, fans. And Superboy being, or Superman being Electric Blue like that. It's one of those other niche things. I think it's cool, but I don't understand it yet. I want to understand it. I just think he looks kind of badass in this form. It's nothing it for looks the story, cool. though. No, it does nothing for the story, and that's where I have a problem with it, because it doesn't go that extra step where you see what happened. You said some, he turns electric blue. He overdoes it. He's angry. He wasn't really angry. He had to stop you know, a page. So he does. Looks like he controls it better than he did in his own and I would series. Liked, you said at the one point he, he passed out. You know, when he does... I wanted to see something like that while he tries to get Paige out of there, Power Girl out of the situation. He passes out and maybe gets taken over himself. Uh, maybe that would have been a cool play. But he just zooms off as Electric Blue Superman. And I'm like, okay. Like, that didn't do anything except, 
oh yeah, Electric Blue Superman. It's a cool look, but yeah, it doesn't really do much for the story. And then, like I said before, you then have you have Corey, and she's fighting the lion version of Black Adam. Then he's biting her, he's fighting her, she zaps him, and then he takes off. And Corey's like, well, what happened? I, I was going, oh, it must be the animal part of him zipping off. I'm like, well, that was a lame way to end that fight. It doesn't even end it. He just runs away. Right and before like, they do up the eddy where it starts raining down spores, moron conduct. And, you know, Corey's all like, hey, Donna, how much flame can you deal? Like, a great deal. And then she just, like, ex- explodes herself by hugging Donna, burning all the spores around them so they don't become infected because that's the biggest concern right now. And I'm just thinking, I should have I can't handle that much. I can't handle that much. <laughs> I, again, when you say that, it's like, uh, R.I.P., Beast Boy, you ain't never coming back. But even when you do that, Again, you said, get all the psychics, get the sun, the satellite, get everybody to think they're dying, and then zap them all. Just burn Again, them. I and- say that, but it's not like, you know, you still have millions across the world and a handful of heroes. Some the satellite. And then you just burn this shit, right? You just burn it down there. Okay. Yeah, I, but I it's know. weird, too, because you, you do have Wally and you had, you know, his daughter Irie there as Thunderheart. And it's a little bit weird for how she's been portrayed lately to see her in her old Impulse costume only. Yeah, that is true, too. Things seem a little off there, but... You know, they're, they're doing, and you get to see a bunch of characters. This is what we like from, you know, events, oh, even crossover it. events. But we get to see, you know, Alan Scott there with Mary Marvel. You get the captain. You get Marshall Manor. That's cool. And they're all bla- they're blasting the eye. When Donna is called away from conduct because Raven wants her help in space because everybody's trying to deal with Garo, who's not all hands on deck on Earth right now. And you've got a cool, like, a group of heroes going on right now where you have Shazam, like, or the Captain Marvel, whatever you want to call him at this point, Mary Marvel, Alan Scott, Superman, Ravens, Martian Manhunter, Cyborg. They're all trying to take Garo down, and it looks really badass. But when Donna's there because she has the last little persuasion, Raven is pretty much done everything she can with her powers to try to reach Gar. because when she tries to, all she can see is the conqueror inside the star that there's there. And she's afraid if she digs any deeper, she might actually hurt Gar if she tries to find. So use the last little persuasion. And I thought the idea was, I'm going to persuade Gar to get his mind back as long as her will is stronger. But I think that the persuasion, though, is to stay away from Earth because that's what they're really worried that's about. That's what it because seems like, to be because it's starting to go to Earth. Uh, and I'm like, I was really confused. At you wanted to go like, one oh, more shit. step, right? I wanted her to try to persuade Agar to get his mind back or just reach down and persuade him that you are Beast Boy, not Garo the Conqueror. But it's just like, I just got to hold the motherfucker here as long as I can. I'm like, all right. Get Wonder Woman up here. We're going to go with the classic Wonder Woman. Shay, I guess it was Shay Fontana, where you get the lasso around and he'll realize his truth and then become Beast Boy again. I love the play of the sequence. You have all these heroes. They are blasting the shit out of Garo. I mean, all of them. Blast, blast, blast. (laughs) Then you get to the next deal, and there's Raven. I don't know what I'm going to do too much because I'm afraid that I'll actually hurt. I'm like, they are blasting the shit out of him. So just just do it, Raven. We don't want to hurt his precious, precious sweet Uh, boy mind. It just made me laugh that she seems to be on the dark side of the Garo, the butthole side. She doesn't realize they're blasting the shit out of him. But, yeah, she it's okay. I mean, you end up in... It gives you the whole play of Donna, and then you get that over-narration again of the, you know, she has iron will, and it's a little bit, you know, hokey, but it works for this, because it's supposed to be fun, and it's supposed to show each character, especially, again, this is a Titans Titans deal, so I'm going to bring up in the Titans book why that ends up being kind of bullshit, but in this, it is a Titans thing. It's supposed to show how great the Titans are, so that's why... And and really, 
making it personal, one of our own Beast Boy has caused this. So they're trying to, and they even spelled that out at points. So they're trying to do it. So I, I don't mind that. It's kind of cool. Uh, I do like when Amanda Waller it heads to Strikers, and it was weird because I see it Strikers, and yeah. I never thought she was going to get. I don't know what I thought because I'm used to like now. To me, Strikers is like a huge giant building, and this is just like the classic. It's a little off, but it made me laugh, and I really wanted these to be the Manta Men. I wanted it to be Black Manta and the Man Man. I'm begging for that, Eric. I'm telling you the thing is, you're not getting Black Manta and the Man Man. We might Man, next you week. You know what? We do have Atlantis and the Beast World Tour going on, so that we might get that. But you do have essentially, I want to say King Shark and his posse because they're all yeah, the shark men trying to take like, them down. They should have like bling. I I swear to God, they're like B boys coming out. Yo yo yo, and they come out there and doing things. I love where Amanda Waller's just walking casually. Hey, Peacemaker, take care of these walking fish. They're a little more than that, Amanda. They, like, I want Peacemaker to say, Jesus Christ, they're not just walking. <laughs> These are sharks and shit, and they're going to town. It's kind of fun. I, I do like that, and I do like... Uh, at one point, I, Peacemaker's like, I don't know what he's looking at. He's shooting a shark while looking at other things. And really, I do at the point, they don't care if they kill people that were people or whatever. No. So it works out. I, I did have somebody on Twitter who's like, I thought that they said they weren't going to get this. Is, this is Peacemaker. Amanda Waller and Peacemaker trying to do their ultimate plan at this point by breaking out Lex Luthor to get something that he stole from Batman so they can kill Beast Boy. And I'm just sitting here. I don't know what that could be. Oh, I know I, what I'm it very, is. What is it? His dignity. You, you didn't oh. get that? Actually, I actually thought that, but it doesn't make sense because Amanda Waller kind of knows about Batman, Bruce Wayne, that it was that secret. I don't know what it is. I really hope. Somehow that they, I don't know how or how they'll explain it. It's that box that Oliver had. But that is how to kill the Justice League that was empty. Yeah, yeah. Well, it had a mirror. It was always you all along. It's inside you. All I, I don't think about it. It's a weird situation. It is such a roundabout thing that doesn't make any sense at all. But after reading the idea, like, I need something that you stole from Batman, Lex. It's time to slay the Beast Boy. And all I can think is at one point when Lex Luthor was just, you know, poking around, waiting matter, telling Batman, I know who you are. Let's sit down and talk about this. He then snuck off to the Batcave and stole a contingency plan for just Beast Boy and Beast Boy alone. <laughs> I, I'm guessing that it's going to be, we're going to find out that it's the suitcase that says Titans on it. You know, you had the Justice League contingency. I think it'll be a Titans contingency. You had many suitcases for every individual member of the Justice League before. Well, this he kind of gets one. It could be multiple ones. But then she's like, oh, I don't need the others. Right? You go, boom. Uh, but it would be crazy if you find out that he had a contingency plan for like a Nightwing. But you, you figure he would. You know, I, I don't. Yeah, it, it opens up. It's the number for Tony Zuko. And, that's and the thing is, is to say that, I would just say that Batman is the contingency for an evil well, Nightwing. Well, it might be. Yeah, it might be. So I think that that's what it is. I think that Batman had contingencies for everybody. You open up the suitcase for it says, I'm Batman on a little post-it note. But it would be funny, like, how, if that, if we're right, which I don't know if we are or not, but no way be it'd be right. weird to, so just, it would be weird to figure out how Lex stole it. Like, like you said, does he say, oh, can I have more tea? Alfred's dead. Batman's got to, Bruce has got to go make more tea. <laughs> runs down into the cave, whoop, whoop, and runs out. That'd be probably pretty funny. But I don't know. Maybe he got somebody like the Jack. I don't know because of the Legion of Doom. But uh, yeah, I, I, it seems like it might be something that leads to being able to take down Beast Boy. But 
we'll, Which we'll the thing see. is, it might be something interested also for Superman, the, the ongoing series of Superman, for where you know Lex is working hand in hand with Superman and Supercorp. Because if he does this thing, end up killing a hero to also save the world, it's not going to put him in a good light for Superman, who desperately seems like he's he's keeping it on his like what he always does. But I desperately want Superman to trust Lex and Lex to actually be on the up and up. He's Lex, so he will do something to kill a hero if it saves the rest of the world. Well, and really, I mean, you see Garo, you can't think that, you know, Lex is going to say, well, I don't think we should kill it because he probably even thinks that it's too far gone and it has to be killed. But we'll see. We'll see what it is. But what would you give this? I think the art's great in this. I had fun with the action. I don't it's like just a the little art. white on the story. I like the art a lot. It's like, it's not, it's not Ivan Rice, but it's still one of the best looking art of DC Comics right now for everything we have for the week. It doesn't do anything for me. And some of the, some of the angles and things are too close in. It just doesn't do anything for me. But you go on. But no, it's, it's all action all the time. It's a little light on story, but it's still a fun read for like the middle part of like, you know, the beast world stuff going on. So I'm going to give it a seven on 10. Yeah, I'm a six five. I'm a six five because you said it's just the middle deal. A lot of couple like the wow moments, fiery Phoenix, electric blue, John. That's not Detective really that Chimp. great. Detective Chimp. But where the titan, but where the titans come in and they tighten it up, they tighten the shit out of everything here. And yeah, and and then you know you get his landlord, you know the doctor. Like you might want to go Weird bigger, choice. even like you said. This is a worldwide disaster, and you're you're getting a hold of the landlord who happens to be a doctor. You might want to go bigger than that. You, you might want to go Ryan a little bit. Choi, Ray Palmer, you get Mr. Terrific. You get the freaking quiz kid and fair play it on this. You get everybody you possibly can except yeah, the former you landlord turned doctor. Maybe, maybe you could have mentioned very quickly, like somebody there. I don't know who it would be like, why did we get her? And just say everybody else. Look, I'll even all, take all Colleen, hands Dr. on deck. at this point. I'm telling you, just mention all hands are on deck. They're all in space. They're all fighting Garo. And you kind of saw a bunch of characters, but you didn't really do that. You just have her there and nobody bats an eye. And then she's so smart. I think that that might be why what Tom Taylor's doing is, but I'll show she's even smart because she knows that Dick Grayson's <laughs> I don't know. He's just wearing a domino mask. What comes into play coming up, too, is the deal where she brought her kids and they're hanging out watching cartoons in the lobby, which will come in that next issue. But I'm, I'm a 6'5", you're a 7. But again, I'm enjoying the event. I'm, I'm, I like it way more than a lot of other events. It's just one of those middle issues that's kind of a downer. But we'll move on to the next book, which is what, Eric? Titans, number six, written by Tom Taylor, with art by Travis Moore, Tamara Bonvalon, and Wes Abbott. And in this one, we get a little background on the day that the Citadel came to Tamaran and took poor Coriander away and enslaved her after making experimenting on her first and making her the powerhouse that we know as Starfire today. But this is the big thing is that our big reveal for this issue is that Brother Eternity is this Tamaranian called Xander who used to work with the royal family on Tamaran, who apparently sold Coriander out with a new little a little bit of new information there, saying that he was the man responsible for selling out all of the pretty pretty much people and Coriander to the Citadel and the Dominator and stuff. So you get more stakes for Starfire to beat the shit out of Brother Eternity. Yeah, it's okay. A- again, it's not anything that's going to wow anybody, but... We we saw his, like, you know, his face paint crack apart to see, oh my god, he's Tamaradian, and then, like, you get the Necro Star with the Beast Force stuff, and here we just have the reveal out of nowhere. Here's some more backstory that you never saw before, and he's the bad guy. It <laughs> It does kind of fill in some... We had the idea that this whole thing started mainly when you had some Tamaranian tech kind of destroying the planet. And then they yeah. ended up getting involved. So that ends up where then Brother Attorney can say, hey, everybody, 
get on my rocket ships. We're going to Titan. We're gonna, and then they go there, but then it's revealed. My God, the Necro Star. Yeah, he wanted to unleash the Necro Star. So then you get that, but then that was taken care of. And it seems like as we Give go forward. Give me back, my God. Yeah, and you're going to have this whole Xander being that you know, other side of the villainy that he wants to get this Necro Star back, it seems. So, okay, that, that works out. But it, it just feels like it's kind of thrown at you here. And while that's going on, the Titans are just kind of hanging they're calling people back. You know, you have all this. And where I had a problem with is that they had the new Titans Tower. And I, I guess you can say that, you know, maybe Aqualad should be. But he never wanted to join. I don't know why he even has entrance codes anymore. But it recognizes freaking Tempest. I guess Get they're the hell hoping. Out of here. But again, it's a new Titans Tower. This isn't the one from before. They built this in, you know, Bloodhaven. It's brand new. I don't know that they would have put that into play, but it they works. wanted Tempest from the get go on this. So obviously they put him in because he's a, a legacy member. I'm telling you, I, I think that he ended up as they were building it. He'd already said that he didn't want to be involved. But and that, even that's the idea, fine. like, look, yes, he's mind controlled right now by Brother Attorney. He's got some kind of mouth monster and that's taking him over like a different kind of spore than the one yeah, dealing with the other spore. It's so ridiculous. Maybe it's a Necro Star spore. I don't Does know. Does he how see rage, Eric? Is it a rage maybe, spore? Maybe. maybe it's one of those mouth monsters from, you know, Arkham Tower. I don't know. I just know that if his ass walked up the Titan's Tower and had to knock on the door, he'd be pissed and everybody would be embarrassed about it. Yeah. But again, they'd be like, you're not allowed in. You're, you're with the Brother Eternity. <laughs> Get out allowed. of town. Yeah. So <laughs> he's upset. Uh, I like the big points where you end up where we realize why Bobo ended up being here. Detective Chimp has to be there to say, I concur, Dr. Clancy. That's his line. Thank you, Bobo. I love it. The idea of this was like a, a TV show or a play. After that, he just like, is that it? And he goes off and gets drunk as he does. But like his ass doesn't even have the, like the, the sword for Mira anymore. So like even the idea where he goes off a Clancy to protect the children in the safe room when everything starts going haywire, everybody's busting all animal like, like what is Bobo going to do to protect everybody except for go freaking like ape on him? One, shit his pants. Two, sling the shit at people. That's what he's he going to get drunk. Yeah. Oh, he's going to get drunk. I love where after he has the panel, I concur, Dr. Clancy. And then the one below that, he looks very odd. He looks like he's like, shouldn't be there it's just a weird play i don't know what it is it just throws me off but when you have aqua when you have garth come in and bring brother eternity also brings in also brings in a ton of you know you've got a kangaroo and a wife beater you've Uh got a panda you've got some birds like you you got a a giraffe i don't know that these would be that threatening i see like a a hyena that might be well I, I don't like the idea where you have a giraffe. What the fuck is that going to do? Get you this, this the stuff off of the top of the shelf? Like, I could use that, Eric. I'm a short man, but they come stampeding in, and the play is oh my God, the kids. Oh, the kids, David. So they run down. Oh my God, my kids, you said it'd be safe. They go down there watching Teen Titans go. It's kind of a funny thing. Oh, we'll, we'll send you to the safe room. But when all these animals come in, they start to fight Nightwing and Barbara. Why aren't the mouth monsters jumping into their mouths? Now, later it happens to Nightwing, but at this point they should be jumping. They have but to you gauge don't... the power. Yeah, but they would know that. So that thing that just ended up where Batman punched it once and it jumped in, it would gauge the power. They seem to be able to sense that, but you don't do that. That I think that it's very inconsistent with that throughout this whole event with that play of 
jumping back and forth. It just happens when you it wants to happen. You didn't see in the background with all of these animal people busted in, right? You got to keep Nightwing and freaking Batgirl occupied, but you have other ones realize, like, we got a whole room full of us animal fucking people, right? We all want to jump into this sexy-ass man who can kick everybody's ass because he's fucking Nightwing. So you you have people going over there to see, like, keeping them occupied, but you also have a group of animal-human hybrids in the back who are doing rock, paper, scissors, trying to figure out who gets the freaking right to be a Nightwing. It's only because you don't want it to happen here. They, sh- I mean, they're they're so dumb. These Titans, I mean, they haven't even decided. Listen, we got to cover our orifices. We got to have masks on. You know, like a Jason Todd type. You know, his mask that he has that you hate it didn't work then, for him. And then a butt plug. Right, have He's that, a brown wolf. Can. but it, that nobody's even thinking to put a mask on, so they can't jump in. They're just fighting. No, it's, it's very odd. Uh, again, it doesn't ruin anything. It just is odd that you have at some points it happens, at some points it doesn't. But it and does when you're up fighting to six the Titans, by this point, where you have Batman already locked up as a Wolfman, and by the end of this, Nightwing turned into what looks like a a cat boy. Yeah, it looks like another cat boy. They're going to go and I don't know what they're going to do. Eat kibbles and bits. Is that what cats do? I no, have, they don't do I that. Have, I have two cats and I feed them and I don't even know. Uh, but another play is that brother Eternity or Xander. He uh, he sees Batman. He realizes it's Batman. And then I started thinking, why didn't they at least try to take his costume off? I guess you don't want him to wake up nude. Well, but. Are you seriously, though? Like, who wants to try to take his costume off? No, he was knocked out right at now. one point. I don't care. We have bigger things to worry about than taking off the clothes on but a wolf. But just in case somebody comes in and decides to eat, that's the only way that you have Brother Eternity realize that it's Batman. Maybe somebody should have thought that. He got Detective Chip and he's supposed to be smart. But there's Nightwing and Barbara. They're kicking. They're having their dialogue of, man, this is crazy shit, hey? And they keep going and trying to protect But everybody. ultimately, and they have to save themselves from Garth, who is still mind-controlled by Brother Eternity, who floods the whole Titan Tower, at least the floor they're on, with water, which allows a sport to jump down from the ceiling to go in Nightwing's mouth. Yeah, I think it could have jumped down anyway. I mean, you, you have that, and I'm like, where did all that water come from? But yeah, he gets the mouth monster, and, and now he has, a, he has a cat eye. And uh, yeah, there you go. And then you have Corey show up late. She just blasts the shit out of some spores again. She's got a taste for the spore burning now. And then she goes in and sees, oh, shit, because at this point, Brother Attorney's like, eh, fuck it. I don't need to do this, guys. That was really not really a great guys in the first place. It really it was a great guys. What are you talking about? Well, it put all that attention at him. His his human look, though, spot on. He did not look Tamaranian in the slightest until, until he got angry a bit and his makeup started to crack. The the play, though, is while you didn't know he was Tamaradian, he was sus from the beginning and they knew it. And so it was weird that he just didn't come down as like Fireman Joe, but that he turns into his normal deal. And then Corey's like, oh, my God, it's you, Sander. With the orange skin and stuff and the bright green eyes of the Tamaradian and stuff like that, when he does start to crack, he almost looks like Blight from the Batman Beyond cartoon. When he gets angry, he starts seeing that green glow behind the makeup. Yeah, yeah, and he's, he's, you know, he hears a boom tube and he wants to use that. It seems he's going to try to grab Cyborg because he wants to go free. Princess, I want my god The Necro Star, and that's his big play. He was trying to free the Necro Star. We didn't really get everything that was happening, but again, it makes more sense than that when those astronauts got to the moon of Titan, he ended up, hey, you know, pipe me through and started yelling Tamaranian bullshit. I think he was talking shit Release at codes. the Necro Star, and then it released it, but then that got spoiled. Uh, 
because he just he seems to be one of those guys who just wants to just destroy shit because i don't know what he thinks or what's going to go on with this necro stuff but that's what he wants but it's okay it gives you that little connection it it does feel a little forced like oh by the way it could have just been it's a straight up continuation to a degree just focusing more on titan's tower from what we had in beast world number three but it's a lot less what's going on from that like you don't get the feels from this as you did from beast world yeah maybe maybe it could have just been a tamaranian priest or something i mean to have it be oh my god the one guy that was taking care of me and then oh my god you sold me to slavery I, oh my god you're here it just uh, seems that's the thing. out of nowhere you have to have this personal connection to starfire for when she was a kid and the worst thing her, her ever happened to her and it's the same guy i'm like yeah I, I don't need Starfire to have a personal connection beyond the fact that it's Tamaranian. That's yeah, all that's I what need. I'm saying. I wish it was just a Tamaranian priest who was pissed off and wanted that god back, and it would make more sense overall. But like, once the Citadel went was was like you know taken like would take over like Tamaran, we have a rogue priest who never who like you know pretty much decided the hell with you, Exile. I will not worship you anymore because you weren't there to save my people. And exactly. then came across something else that he decided to worship and take on something You say that, lines. you're almost setting that up because even... And then I say that too, because this was millions of years ago when the Necrostar happened, so I don't even know Xander's connection to this fucking Necrostar that was, you know, destroyed before he was ever born by millions of years. But maybe that's he's, you know, he was, he was doing that black magic stuff. But even Corey says but when something. she was captured, she was yelling out, you know, Zal, help me. Ah, uh, she didn't listen. So maybe the play could have been that. Like, oh, he went and started looking at all the old texts because he thought this was bullshit and they shouldn't have been taken over. When we saw his name was Xander here, he's always going to have that apostrophe R and stuff like that because it's Tamaranian. But all I could think about was that Kluin, exactly, the Kluin yep. guy who hung out with Supergirl named Xander. I'm like, oh, man, what happened to him? He was cool. He was like a Kluin Han Solo. The weird play of it is, is I'm looking at it, I'm like, he kind of looked a little like <laughs> I was trying to make it I'm work. I'm telling you, I, I saw the name Xander, and I know it's a different character, and all of a sudden, I, my mind went sideways. I'm like, is it the same? No, you stupid ass. I'll just think a little bit. If anybody knows the character we're talking about, he was so good. He was like a Han Solo Star Lord guy. He was really yeah. cool. And, and he's from Brainiac's race. And remember, you couldn't really do much with him because Bendis was kind of commandeering that book at points and making that. Remember at one point, the Supergirl book only ended up being, hey, this is what has been happening in the other books and it would repeat shit. I forget who was writing the series at that point, but I feel bad for them. Yeah, yeah. I, for some, I, I had an idea of who it was, but now I can't remember. But what would you give this? Ultimately, I like the art in this issue as well, but it, okay. I, I don't think this is as strong as the Beast World issue. I like the colors more in this issue, though. The colors do pop a little bit more, I'd say that, because, like, you know, Corey Anderson, and, like, even the blue on Nightwing and stuff like that just really pop off the page. But it's just, there's not much going on here besides for Titan's Tower stuff, or, you know, Nightwing becomes a cat boy, but you don't even get to see it, really. You've got big things happening, but. By the time they start happening, the issue's already over, and all the interesting things seem to be in the next issue and not this issue, so a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to go 6 out of 10 as well, and I think it's one of those where you're kind of just, you need to give this information about Xander slash brother to make it, because I think coming up in, like, say, issues 5 and 6, maybe even 4 of the Beast World, will deal more of that trying to get the necro star back like, and- i know it's not for everybody and what like not everybody's gonna read the uh the tales of the teen titans that we like who are reading titans right now but if you would have had the backstory with coriander and xander and there we introduce him and they're like to what she's talking about cool. you know her backstory it would have been a little bit more synergy to like you know follow up here for this you know out of nowhere character that like oh yeah i was a part of the family i worked with you guys members well you know what would have been great about that eric and he'll tell me if i'm wrong and i'm not i'll tell you that 
you could have started to play the guessing game of who maybe Brother Eternity was. The idea, oh my God, well, he did this. And went, maybe we could have played along, but you couldn't. This just really is thrown I, out. I don't of remember what nowhere. happened to him. Like, is it going to be like Ryandra out of nowhere, her, her brother? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to play this, how we're going to go. Is there sisters no, it's in the Sandra. show? Or, it's Sandra. It's just, it's just Sandra. Sandra. Yeah, some people were confused too, thinking it might have been her brother. But when and it's when weird he too addresses the mother, he, he seems like it's just a I like. You it know, seems like Starfire's like you know background keeps changing because I swore her father was a part of the United Federation of Planets, but like again, it says that he died here during the invasion initially. So I'm like, I don't even know what's correct anymore because it does seem like through every person who writes the Titans or the Starfire General, they change they're always them. switching up the backstory. So I'm, I'm just yeah. left wondering, like, this is what I needed that Tales of the Teen Titans to do to be the contemporary or of the character for a new readership to say this is what the continuity is now this is what we're dealing with but it decided now we're not doing that we're gonna tell a goofy story now you got me thinking about having that as the tales of the titans because when you do have this reveal it doesn't hit you know why it doesn't hit because we already knew that he was bad so this just ends up being more personal to Corey instead if we would have actually seen a background to see oh my god he was so nice he really helped them out. And then, oh, my God, this is such a Stabbing betrayal. But we don't really get that. It's too quick to ever think, oh, my God, this you have no idea. And then throwing in the idea that he ended up, you know, hey, I was the one who put you in slavery. It's like you're really trying to make him a villain really quick. And he already was. Yeah, you so. start the issue off. Here's this new guy you never saw before. By the end, I'm that guy, huh? I like them apples. It would have been really neat to see. Maybe what led him to that, maybe he was treated like shit. Maybe he blamed the royal family and, you know, for what happened. I just imagine it's one of those things like, you guys, like, we treated you like family. You were always looking your noses down at me because you were royal and we had to take care of you. And it's one of those things. You see that story a lot. I would like to see it where we know that that wasn't the case, though. If we had those, like you said, the Tales of the Titans were like, wait a minute, they did treat him good, but he just didn't see it, Eric. He was a jerk. He wanted to live the high life. And then at one point, they're like, man, I hate you to eternity. And then we realize why he said brother eternity. <laughs> yeah, I have to imagine at some work. point, he'll he'll find a fossilized or just hibernating spore that he'll breed out and find out about the Necrostar, use those spores to control people like Garth and along those lines to go, like find out what is true God is since Exal was never there for him. Maybe, maybe, but we'll see. We'll see if he has legs, Eric. I don't know. But we're going to move on to He's the... He's standing. He is, but is he standing for the right things, Eric? I don't think never. he is. We're going to go with the next book, the last book of this section. It is Detective Comics, number 1080. It is the end of the intermezzo. intermezzo. <laughs> what a pretentious prick. You end up where I like this intermezzo a little more at the beginning. And then it started like, okay, it didn't need to be this many issues. What's going on with the whole Batman and the Ocean's Eleven trying to get him saved, not hanged and all that. So when you get to this, you get a reveal that I think lessens the heist a bit. I thought that the, you know, Catwoman and all were kind of smart, but they had an inside guy, maybe. But. The whole play of this is, uh, yeah. is Prince Arzen working with Catwoman? I get, he's not working with shit now. He's dead. So there you go. I think he was. I don't think he was. I don't. Th- was there anything that led up to it besides the fact that he had a little narration to himself or just talking out loud to an unconscious Batman? Like, Man, I wish I didn't have to kill you, Bruce. We're kindred spirits, but you know what? You still got to hang, my boy. To me, what he said in this, even when she was talking back and forth, because he doesn't say much, but I do think that he came up with the plan with Catwoman to listen, 
We don't really. I send it all along. We have to hang him, but we don't have to kill him. Yeah, you didn't even have to have like put somebody else in that suit and hang up. You didn't need to have it be Bruce Wayne, but you end up having that, and he didn't want Bruce Wayne to die. They were going to spirit him away. Everything would be fine. Nobody would know. I think he was involved, but not knowing that, and now finding out, it lessens. I think what Catwoman and the others did. I think he was the one who came up with what Azrael well, yeah, was it's, doing. It's not right? Catwoman's plan. It's his plan. Isn't it funny? He's like. The only thing I want to say, I don't know about your plan, but can you please have Azrael in a truck and it, it like it gets in an, an accident and then he blows up out there and does uh but by the end of this, going back into the Batman book, I'm like, I I don't know. And it's funny because some people were saying, Oh man, like this isn't gonna be good. I don't want to have a detective comics where Batman's not doing anything. And I said, Well, according <laughs> to Eric Shea, that's been <laughs> happening for two years. Because that's all that's happened. Yeah, that's all that's happened. And and it continues. This will and and it was announced by Ram V. The on one Twitter. issue where he actually did anything was when he was actually in the organ place and it blowed up on him. Yeah, he did that. I liked when he was like running around to the different Hey, I'm gonna go to that ice cream shop. Because I need well, to remember things. I, I I don't know why I like that more than the others. That was the beginning of this intermezzo. But yes. as I was saying, Ram V had announced that uh, he is going to be on this book till 10,089. Or 1,089. Yeah, 1089 yes. is when he's. So he is nine. Forever. The funny <laughs> thing, when he says that, people are like, oh, and he's like, I will finish our one long story that's going to be almost 30 issues. And people Oh man, only nine more issues. I'm like, oh shit, nine more issues. Shut up. I thought that it was like nine more issues. People get six issues for an hour. Two more issues, please. I I don't need it. But you end up having this, and we're going to get things thrown at us again, like the Thalamus engine, the reality engine. At least it's doing something now that Batman's been hung. Now, is it? Because it almost feels like what it's doing is just that people are moving on with their lives. It doesn't really feel like to me. That, because at one point, and I we'll can get understand to this, that though, because in the background, the Thalamus engine, the reality engine, is supposed to create a Gotham the way that they want it without a Batman. And now that the people have seen this, the reality engine is working its would you would you magic on them. They're thinking that yeah, like you know, it wasn't a big deal, almost to the point where Batman was a myth. But there still are these stirrings, these people saying that they do see people in bat suits, like a Batgirl and Asbat, who are proud of the knights. And why would a man wear a bat suit? To me, Thalamus engine on the right hand. And the idea that people watch Batman get hanged and died, I think both work the same way of, hey, ain't no Batman. And in that, you have a play, and we'll get to the full deal. But when they say, oh, my God, the bat signal hasn't been lit. Now, no shit, he's dead. They think, why would you light it? What do you think, a fucking ghost is going to show up? Well, There's you, no you, reason you to light it. city of bats out there, a whole bat family will show That's up. That's not what GCPD do not deal with them. They deal with Batman. That's the bat signal, and they're not going to deal with just random people who they kind of see in bat suits. I don't think it works that way. And uh, even with it being this kind of non-Jim Gordon deal, they, they're so against Batman. And again, yeah, who, who's been really lighting the bat signal this whole time for the like the like the way that R- Renee Montoya has been running things? They shouldn't. They shouldn't be. There, there wouldn't be any reason to. So that's like the wow moment that didn't wow me. Got to get back in that no face mask. That's the way of the world right now. Yeah, there it is. she has a question to answer. Uh, this is the uh, Batman uh, 1080, written by Ram V, art oh, by now Jason, Sean Alexander, and Mike Perkins, Dave Stewart, and Ariana Mayer. You have two artists on this, but Mike Perkins' style fits the Jason, Sean Alexander yeah, as well, so it works out. But I love the play here, and it almost reminds me of like a Neil Adams deal. 
anybody who shows up, they are like losing their minds. Like any sort of emotion becomes elevated by 7 million. People are screaming. They're losing their mind. And we do get two-faced. And that was something that you have been wanting to get. He's so badass at We only get a little bit of him, but the freaking like two pages that he's on, he is stealing the show as far as I'm concerned. Well, and I, I know that everybody right away when you start out where, okay, they're trying to get Batman out of the city. They're trying to get Batman to Talia. They're trying to get him to what looks like is going to be taken off on a boat. Gordon's driving. He's running into problems. They're trying to stop him. They end up kind of getting, they, they crash. They end up getting hit. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, my God, Niang showed up. Like, some of these characters, I still don't know. I swear this guy just showed up for the first time last issue. Yeah, and the only reason I know, because at some point I'm like, is that just Gail Tenclaw with a different mask? But then in this, you have Two-Face mention, you know, Niang, but then also say, if that Wolfman is around, I, I want a piece of him. What the fuck is he doing? The Wolfman. And so you have that where... He's licking his wounds from being blowed up by Azrael. I guess. And you have, you know, Two-Face say, you guys screwed with me. I'm going to help out. I wasn't going to help Catwoman, but I think that this works out. I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and does mention that there's no Harvey. This is all just two-faced. It's okay. See, when the Catwoman asked me for help rescuing the bat, I thought to myself, why should I? Goody, goody, Harvey isn't making the calls anymore. Besides, I already pulled Batman's shit out of the fire once. I'm out of good deeds. But then she reminded me how things went down. And I said to myself, I do have a bone or two to pick with you and your family. Look at us. A bit to reset. You should like you should have stayed hidden dead. My name is Two Face. Yeah. Oh, he loses his mind, and maybe like a lot of spit. You know, seriously. He's there with his boys against the freaking Oregon's boys right here. He is keeping a blockade so Catwoman and Gordon can get Batman away, and even blows up the bridge behind them to make sure that their escape is covered. Man, it's weird because I didn't get the lay of the land where they were there, and I'm like, okay, were they on the bridge? Were they before the bridge? After the bridge? He just blows up the bridge, and they're able to go. And I, I don't know. I, I would think that they'd have more people around the city, but they're free and clear. But it's all narration. It took me a while to get through this. Well, they're going to get to the docks again and give the body of Batman to Talia. And uh, I don't know. I didn't like this part. I'm telling you, it's like anything that Selena says to Talia, she's going to twist to be something else. And it just keeps going back. No, and forth. I agree. I think it's, I hate their interactions between each other because it's just like, you know, both vying for Batman's affections at this point. Who loves him more and how how is he going to love them back for what they're doing right now? It's just this whole back and forth, like you said, that really goes nowhere. But Talia just takes Batman and moves on. We, we fill up with some panels, maybe a page or two, and it doesn't matter in the long run. Yeah, and, and so, like, the talk is matter. like, are you going to go and heal him? No, he's going to heal himself. Uh, uh, okay. Right, uh, cool. Is he going to come back to the city back to me? No, he's going to come back to the city for himself. <laughs> like, oh, even this whole thing here. Fuck up. Catwoman starts out. He's still alive, but we can't wake him yet. Do you think he's okay in there? Do you think he's still fighting it? I have never known him to be the sort to give in. Yeah. Okay. And, like, okay. Uh, and they broke him. Will you make him better? He'll make himself better. Oh, uh, okay. It's like All each right. time. It's like, you, why are you agreeing with me with a little side swerve to make it Gordon, seem like I'm not involved. So fuck you. Gordon shows up. They're still coming after us. Talia says, they will never stop. <laughs> Actually, what it is, Talia has to get the last word. She is a bitch. She ends up like, they're like, oh my God, this was the craziest thing that ever happened to Gotham. No, it's the craziest thing that ever happened to the world. Like, shut the 
And then they go so up. Selena jumps and- in. Selena jumps in. I brought him this far. And her subjects here. But you can't take him no farther. You cannot come where he and I must go. Yeah. Tell me you'll bring him back to me. I will try to bring himself, like him back to himself. <laughs> Why are you doing this? It's so crazy. Let me give you a hand. Shut up, Talia. I need a foot. Oh, but, Jesus but even the idea is okay. We load Batman's ass into our boat. They sail away to go do whatever Batman has to do to put his ass back together again, Humpty Dumpty style. Then all of a sudden they're attacked. They get freaking shipwrecked. All of a sudden they're castaways trying to float around on a, on a life rope, on a life raft. I'm like, you, you're just going to wind up on Oliver's Island where you have to nurse him back to health and you're going to save yourself while you're doing it. He's nursing himself back to health. That, that, that's all that will happen. He'll just be everything that happens. Also, they're like, what the hell King Kong get here? You have all this shit going down. But yeah, in that, you, like, she's fighting off everybody, the crew, ninjas, then there's a storm. At that point, I think that the boat this sinks rocks. because, yeah, I think that the boat sinks because she's the only one steering it. Like, everybody else is dead. And then she's on a, 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 a crazy little raft. And, and out of nowhere, where, where Gotham has been changed and people have, like, you know, forgotten about the Batman. It's not only, like, you know, myth and legend whispers at this point in time, besides for the other extended Bat family, trying to keep the name and the memory alive. You just have Flamingo and Dr. Hurt this fucking lounging around there. I got to get that Batman. Talia's taking him to an island or some shit. And you know what? I need to make his ass into a Barbados, you know, like I want. Which Thanks, he's kind of there, and it looks like, you know, you see that he is still taken over by Barbados. But you ready to go face eater? And then, and then, <laughs> so weird, but in that too, you end up having, you know, Arzen and his mom, and they're sitting there. The minute that she starts saying, let's celebrate and drink, I'm like, don't drink that drink, Arzen, you're in big trouble. As soon as he takes a sip, I killed your father, you know. <laughs> and she says it. Once she says, ooh, you remind me a lot of your father, I'm like, oh, he's screwed. He's done. Dead. This scene, besides the play of Arzen seemingly helping with Catwoman and the plan, whether it is or not. And I don't get confirmation and it kills me. It's just his mother saying, you had to have helped them. He doesn't say no. He doesn't say yes either. And he's also like just bubbling shit out and. Uh, but it's an okay done scene. I really hope that he had nothing to do with it and she killed her son yeah, for no she reason. She doesn't care. She even says, I could have more husbands and children. I'm, my ass lives forever. See, so I have that. And if it is real, I, I just think it is because you don't really fight it. Uh, it does lessen the overall deal, but it should. I think that the play is ours and. He always seemed like he was destined to not really last that long. He, he seemed like he had a little too much feelings and things like I that. I know this is the, the last of the intermezzo, and we have to move on from here, but I would have liked him to last at least one more issue to the point where, at least in this last issue, we could have a thing where he's thinking back to when Batman said that your mother killed your father, and he thought about it, and like he realized that the thing was true or did some research, did something, to the point where he decided, yes, I'm going to work with Catwoman, because for, we have no real reason besides for you know, crazy it, Batman and his fucking Asmer mind saying something about his father and Rachel Gould and it's not what really happened. That's the only thing that we said, you know what, you might be right, guy, besides for us being kindred spirits, if you being a rich boy and me being a rich boy who want to help the city. Yeah, and then to again, to make it, I guess Ramsey wants to make it bigger, also says, Oh, Arson, you didn't know? We have these reality engines, this Salamis engine everywhere. We have it in every city. We could do all this. And I don't know why you even have to do that. I think that Gotham was fine and that was their target. I only get maybe the play, but I don't think it'll happen of why are why is the rest of the country letting the shit go down anyway? The government and all Got, that are just letting it problems. go. Yeah, just they just stay away. They're letting they're letting 
foreign dignitaries come into a city and hang people. I don't know where that's happening except Gotham. But you have that. But the idea of this, oh, we have reality engines all over the place. But then, like you said at the end, you get this play of well, mommy, mommy. We have them, but we haven't done anything with them. That you're, they pretty much they have them in storage. And we have to go grab them and put them in, like, maybe, you know, Star City, Hub City, some not big places like that. And I'm like, you're naming Hub City as one of your big places? Get the hell out of town. Maybe years ago, maybe, but anymore, get out of town. Yeah, so at the end, you do see that even while people are, yes, they have, just that Batman's dead, I think is fine, but they're forgetting about the Batman. Uh, we have the Bat characters. You end up seeing Cass. You see Azrael, they're going around doing some stuff, so... It's kind of keeping it a bit alive, but that again, that almost feels to me like it's like not going over fully what you want to do. But when you have the one, mommy, mommy, tell me why the Batman dresses like a bat. I wanted the mom to just say, because he's a crazy asshole, or how the fuck do I know? Everybody has their reasons. What's a Batman? Like, yeah, he's like, oh, I used to know this, but I forget. I'm like, what, what did you used to know? What, what did you think that people are like talking about of why Batman? Dresses like a bat because it would just be them making shit up in their mind anyway. They wouldn't really know. So I forget what I made shit up before. And and then you see the signal. And I, like I said, the bat signal to me, like it hasn't been put on for it hasn't been put on because the whole it's not set up that way anyway. So that doesn't do anything for me either. But there's Barbados Batman. He's in a rowboat. Row, row, row your bat. And then you end up at the end where I thought we were done. And then I'm like, oh, God, now we're at Wayne Manor grounds. And we have Renee Montoya. She's going to question the shit up. And she's got to figure she's out. She's also investigating who killed the, like, the uh, officer, Henry Fielding, which was the most interesting part of this book in my mind at one point when he just realized that Bruce Wayne was Batman before his partner it was killed the beginning him. And of the killed him. Yeah, but again, if she's going to figure out, oh, shit, the Orgums did it. Like, okay. Like, we'll see. like that, that doesn't seem like that big of a reveal or surprise, but she'll find out and maybe fight back. But I would wonder why, you know, as the police commissioner, she's like, I, I don't know why these foreign dignitaries are hanging people like Batman. But she goes to that. And then we have a backup. And the backup just feels why, like, why okay, do we have a backup? Why? So we can charge. Why is Dan more. Waters giving us this bullshit where all of a sudden like, when Damian Wayne was a little boy, Talia told him a story about this man who found a skeleton of a woman who was his wife. And for some reason, the skeleton lady in his mind really scared him, gave him nightmares. And Talia's like, no son of mine's going to be a pussy and wet to bed because of his nightmares. You need to get over this shit, son. So Damien decided he's going to read up all he can, control his dreams, and fight back at this monster skeleton woman of his dreams. Until one day it comes to, like, you know, to be a real thing in the waking world as well and scare the shit out of him. I don't like it's such a weird thing that doesn't matter at all because even when this is happening, is Damien Wayne when he's ten it's years in old? The past. It's years ago. Like it doesn't matter. It, all this is is the intermezzo's done. You already did some things before. Maybe, maybe what would have been a better play is to have a backup and show a little more of Arson. Maybe totally. working the deal and Greece and, and helping Catwoman. Maybe that would have solved some of your questions Works and you would me. have seen that. But having this and awful art backup? to me, this art is just awful. And it's a bullshit backup of a 10 year old Damien scared of the skeleton lady. Got skeleton ladies in the mind. I'm scared shitless of the skeleton lady right now, Eric. If this skeleton lady showed up, I'd be like, what the fuck? And then you, you just get well, around here would be a crackhead. The well, well, yeah, be afraid. The, I'm like, how the hell did I get to the bush house there? The, the deal here also was like, ooh, we'll have a wow moment of him dressed in the Batman 666 outfit, but the, the art's so bad, you, you barely pound. would see it. You yeah. don't care. You barely see it anyway. 
So it's really bad, and it's nonsense. It's just to up the price. They need a bet. They don't need it. And again, extend the deal and show us some of that ours and stuff. Or, but or no. t- exactly. I'm saying not even extend the deal. If you want to have a backup, tell a relevant story to what we're dealing with. Yeah, this is so out of nothing. Uh, to me, it's this might have been – this couldn't have been written just for this issue in my mind. This has to be – Hey, do we have anything that would connect to Talia or hey, anything? we got any bullshit? I'm telling you, we have Talia in the issue. So, oh, let's throw this in. Because, look, Talia, she was kind of mean to Damien when he saw fucking skeleton ladies of the dream world. I'm like, all right, that's bullshit. <laughs> what do you give this overall? Overall, I give us a 5.5 out of 10. I love the two-faced bits in this, but overall, the ending to the intermezzo does nothing for me because... Batman gets out of town and becomes a castaway on Gilgan's Island. Talia Al Ghul, as far as I'm concerned. Dr. Hurt and freaking Flamingo shy, show up and does nothing for me right now because it's just going to make him into that bar battle. It's just like I always want to do. It's just, it's a weird story. And Talia in this is just the worst. I'm telling you, when you brought up the idea of her and Catwoman talking, it just gave me flashbacks earlier today where I just like wanted to do anything but read Detective Comics. There's still some fun stuff to be had here, especially if you're like, you know, invested in Ram V's freaking long ass Oregon story. But it just it's just more of the same where it doesn't really move forward anything for the story. And again, Batman just looks like he's incompetent at everything he does here. And he, when you get to the end, you have Dr. Hurt, you end up having You're right, I'm going down to a five. Well, I am I'm a five. And you the have Flamingo shit as well. <laughs> because when you have this, uh like all of a sudden you start getting that idea of like, all right, like now you're obsessed with Grant Morrison, just like Chip Zdarsky. Where you, why is Flamingo just becoming like such a huge thing? It, it is like everybody. Uh, but just to throw that in. Anybody who's writing Batman has to Grant Morrison the shit up at some point. Even Scott Snyder had to do it. And yeah, yeah, it's true. But it, when he did it, he actually had Grant Morrison join him to do it. So that was a little bit of a crazy play. I just like where I'm like, okay, Dr. Hurt, he's doing like, like those crazy vert push-up deal while also doing mind What <laughs> the fuck is going on? Le- leaping around, tucking to the face eater. Let's go, face eater. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. But yeah, five out of ten for me. That's not a fuck you five, right? Eric, I, I can't No, that's not a fuck you five. Uh, Two-Face was way too sweet in this I issue. I thought maybe Sammy Hagar was going to come in and, and join you? us, Eric, but he is not. But that's it for the first section of Book do you have that? Do you have that one-part clip that you could use? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay, so maybe later. Right now. I do have it now. Yeah, I do. No, not maybe later. Let's just do it now. Fuck you five. Why not? It was worth it. (laughs) I'm a a fuck you five too, Eric. Take that. All right, Sammy. He don't like it. it. You don't like the book, Eric, but you like that. I, I was hoping you would like that. We had a little discussion about a full I didn't I never wanted to do a full song. I just wanted that clip. So there you go. There you go. But we're gonna go off now to some mail. It is time for the mail, and if you end up wanting to email us in, I would suggest, and this is just me suggesting, that maybe get it in before Thursday. Like, Thursday would be a great time get the mail in because sometimes we end up recording different times like we did with J-Man, who we're going to talk with in this section. I just want to make sure that people understand we're not trying to diss you, but we're going to start with our man Ryan, who I kind of dissed him. 
He ended up oh, sending no. a mail, and it was months ago. And he ended up sending a mail and saying, hey, you didn't read my first mail. I didn't know what was going on. Maybe you were mad at me. Maybe all this and stuff. And even I think even said maybe thinking that you had to be on the Patreon. And that's not true. Anybody who no. emails in at Weird Science DC, Weird Science DC Comics at gmail.com. We do them out, but sometimes I end up missing some. So if we don't end up talking or even referencing the idea, hey, we got some mail, but we're not going to do it this time. We're going to do it now. Just email me again and let me know that you sent something in because I get a ton of spam. And I wish it was the edible kind, Eric, because you know I Gross. love that. But not the bacon flavored. That's too much. We talked about yeah, this one point, right? Teriyaki, yeah, teriyaki is really bad. You don't need that nonsense. If you want to put teriyaki on it, you put teriyaki on it. But in that, I get a ton of these, like, check out your SEOs of this and do this. And we're going to amplify this and that. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And sometimes I get overwhelmed by those. So if I if we don't read your mail, let me know, you know, a week or so after. And we'll definitely get to it. And I apologize for missing out. We're going to start with Ryan. I says, howdy, Jim. What's up, Eric? What's up? Brian, <laughs> you're ready. You always said, "Jay, man." I did. I got. I got really like you know set up here. I'm like, oh, yeah, no. the, I always love hearing you guys talk comics or just whatever daily nonsense or story you guys bring us along for. I did. I tell you, I had diarrhea today. I have a mild uh, bone to pick with Eric, as oh, no. he as he mentioned Kilowog being dead in the ongoing Green Lantern. Which, sure F, if I would have known, so when the big reveal happens in the last issue, I'm like, all oh, rats. That's not even surprising now. Now, the whole play of that, I, I've been saying it as well. Shut up, Jim. You didn't say nothing. You know, I even said it when you weren't even here. But we thought right away that something was going on with that. Uh, but that's just us guessing. You know, it wasn't like we knew, Eric. We, and maybe if we still get the review copies, you could say that we looked at it. But we, we don't, Eric. They don't, DC doesn't like it. But now you guys are the real dynamic duo coming back to suck. The bad comics and rescue the poor underperforming superhero stories is what we're doing. I do. I just got one question, though. Where do you think it goes? The copyright clock is about to strike midnight for some of the big properties like Batman and Superman in the next decade, I believe. And then it's just dominoes through the other remaining tent poles until the only thing not in the public domain is the all new, all different Justice League. Should we be worried? Definitely. I think is I don't understand how any of this works. Like I was just finding out the other day, like how Mickey and Minnie are gonna be public domain. I'm like, I have no idea how something that is this popular for so long that a company is still making money for it could lose the rights to their own creation. It just seems crazy to me. So I have to always imagine in the next upcoming years, since we are still dealing with a lot of these properties that are still very popular, that something has to be changed. I uh, I'm not gonna reveal who. But there is a copyright lawyer in the uh, Get Fresh crew, even in the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. I, I don't know why I'm going to set it up like it down. What are you doing? Just stocks his ass. It's a mystery. Uh, talking to them and even looking into some of the things at points, there is the you know public domain, the copy. But then you also have trademark laws that might actually cover things as well when things. It's, it's a weird play. And also when you do have this. Uh, to me, if you have, okay, Eric's going to do a Superman story because he can do a Superman story. Well, first off, right away, so you're not going to, he couldn't fly. You're not going to have like Lex Luthor. Let, it's not it. going to be the big deal. But in the same moment, DC Comics has Superman and Action Comics come out. I think people are going to read those. I, I, I oh. don't want to diss you, Eric. 
but Aww. the distribution, things like that. And you know, I'm just gonna do like everybody else does when something becomes public domain. I'm gonna make Superman into a horror movie. Oh wait, Brightburn already did that. Yeah, Brightburn did. And I was gonna say the idea that everybody centers on Superman when we talk about this because that'll be the first one. The idea we we've had kind of different versions of Superman, and they're not as good. And you're not, but. When you do end up doing this, I just don't know that I'm going to care anything but. So when Shazam becomes public domain again, because he was right there along Superman, can I call him Captain Marvel again? Yeah, if you want to. But again, just imagine we're doing the podcast at that point. I'll be dead. I'll just let you know. And if not, maybe by my own hand, Eric. I didn't want to get this dark. But when this happens, I could just imagine. Say it happened tomorrow. The the clock strikes 12. Well, hopefully. Uh, the idea where I'm like, oh, Eric, now we have to do this guy's Superman book. You're like, well, fuck you. Like, there would, we'd still just be doing the DC ones. And no, I agree. The big play, Winnie the Pooh. That was the big thing. Oh, my God, the Winnie the Pooh horror movie. Really? Like, how, how crazy big was that? I don't know. People talked about it. Nobody liked it. I still haven't watched it. You know it, what? People talked about it like they did Snakes on a Fucking Plane. They talked about Ooh, it. Nobody saw it. They loved it, it right? Yeah, um, no. No. Fucking uh, say this. I haven't even seen Snakes on a Plane yet. Cause I'm like, I'm not watching a movie for a gimmick. So I still haven't watched Cocaine Bear. Did you see the Winnie the Pooh? No, I haven't told you before. I haven't seen that yet. No. Do you think it affected any sort of the sales of Winnie the Pooh? And, and I think where the trademark laws do come in, again, I'm not exactly what you would call a small town pizza lawyer here, but the idea, the idea, <laughs> or educated or handsome uh, or smell good, you end up where. You still have all that swag and stuff like that, and that kind of ties in. It's a weird play. I, I read something that said, like, there's not really anything to worry that much about. It's funny because, like, you know, I came across this by, like, a tweet saying, hey, Mickey and Minnie are going to be public domain at some point. I forget even when. I'm like, oh, huh, that's weird. And it doesn't affect me, so I moved on and didn't look any further into it. And again, is that going to, yeah, like, if somebody came out with, oh, my God, like, Disney's not even putting out a Mickey Mouse movie. So why the fuck would you want to watch? Oh, my. It's it's the puppet master Mickey. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's Steamboat Willie. Who wants that? He's hopping around, that fucking motion they're all doing. Oh, my goodness. But I'm not that worried. I'll be dead. Or better yet, should we be worrying about infighting over last year's superheroes and if they are being done justice when they could very well disappear as we know it very soon? I think what you're having a... Just as an aside, Eric Shea here, he's very interested. This is, I'm not even joking. You're always very interested in the idea of like, well, why would you be able to consider Nightwing your character when it's just Dick Grayson going to the deal? Like, maybe that's what we're seeing. They're twisting and turning characters so that they actually then own them different ways or something. I don't know. The thing is... There is, like, you know, things that, like, from the past, you can, like, the idea when we're doing identity, can I, I, uh, Infinite Crisis, right? Superboy Prime came back. He was a big fan of that whole thing. At one point during that series, we just had to call him Super uh, Superman because of the idea, like Superman Prime, because the Siegel Schuster family owned the Superboy trademark, so they couldn't even say they couldn't use the term Superboy anymore. And that's why we killed Superboy as well, so we could get rid of that. And if it's the trademark, that's beyond the copyright. This is what I'm saying. There's a lot of twists and turns. Again, I say trademark and copyright. I don't know the difference, honestly. There so are it could the be different one or the other. things. So the one might still go that you can't. I don't know. You might be able well, to have they worked Superman. the deal out so they were able to like go back with the Superboy name. And again, again, at points, you might be able to have Superman, but you can't call him things just like that. But what I think, and me and you both agree that this whole play, kind of bullshit. 
that that we think that people who created the characters that can continue doing the thing that these whole copyright laws and public domain maybe it was just set up because they're like yeah 100 years they're like that sounded like it was real long from there or whatever forever back in the but day. I, I actually feel bad for you know you just as an insider because you're, you're a wreck you're a wreck of a man but i also i do feel bad for like siegel and schuster the families of these crit like they might have to go get jobs now, Eric. And I, who wants to do that? I mean, they're like, what? Oh, hey. That's going to go. But yeah, it kind of is, is a shame. We'll see. We'll see what happens with it. But uh, it's just, it's one of those things that when you really sit there and think about it, but Mickey and Minnie, huge. And it seems like that's going to happen. So what does it mean? And are you going to be able to avert it or something like that? But he continues, should we be focusing instead? This is great. R- Ryan. You don't know my man, Eric Shea. He says, she'll be focusing instead on things like Invincible. You like Invincible, Eric? I've never watched it or read it. Okay, we're, we're on our book of the month. Me and Stork are probably going to end up. I hear it's good and people love it, but it's Invincible. not for me. We really like it. And on our book of the month, this uh, coming up on the Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, we have a book that gets picked by everybody each month. And we threw out a lot of the things we already did. And I think we're going to continue on to uh, volume four. Of Invincible, so we're getting along on that. But he also says, and this is the best: Should we focus on things like Invincible or Erratic? Should we do Erratic here? The hell is Erratic? He, he would have no idea. It's an indie deal uh, that is uh, completely original and outside. I think it's Kari Andrews, if I'm not mistaken, but I might be mistaken. <laughs> that are completely original outside that looming deadline that have plenty of room to grow and evolve, or is it worth still fighting? That Batman, Superman, etc. You fight the a good fight. Same consistent voice. It's you know they've stood the test of time. It's because they're really good characters and people are invested in them. And that's the investment. If you're there and you're invested in a, a DC Comics Batman, I don't think you're going to jump ship to oh Image is doing this Batman, but he's there without the Batcave and he's with punching a bunch of gangsters with guns. I I just don't think that it's Honestly, going to be we say as that, I might be there for the spectacle of that though, no, when it first it comes out. I'm not saying I'm cool. staying, but I might just want to jump in and see, hey, what's all this hubbub all about? Here's the thing. If anything, and let me twist it into a positive there, right? Anything with that, it might actually light a fire under DC's fucking ass that they have to put out some good books because if you do have three other Batman, but bigger writers or bigger companies, you're going to have to convince people to stay with yours. But if they I'm going to do a bullshit story with Bill Finger's original concept design that sucks so bad. Not Bill Finger. I'm sorry. Freaking Bob Kane. I don't know. Bill Finger's one who gave us the one that we have right now, but Bob Kane's original design was so horseshit. They're like, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I, I, I'm just going to do a Slam Bradley story. The, in, warts included. Come here, Shorty. Let's the racist <laughs> story ever. Hey, Shorty, let's go down to San Francisco. You know what we're after. It just goes down there. Right, knocking heads there. Let's go to them hash dens. Ew, in there. <laughs> oh, the hash the, dens. The, yeah, you know, they were there. They were doing that. The hookahs were out. There was one point where uh, Slam and Shorty were just going through like this crazy seedy like warehouse, and everybody they were just so drugged out, and it was so racist. It was terrible. But Shorty, I I, I like to think Shorty's less racist than Slam, but he's he's pretty bad himself. Poor Shorty. That's what we need, a shorty deal. What's the real thing about shorty? He's not able to look down on anybody else because of his size. That is true. That is true. That, that is true. Uh, if, and again, that was a Patreon show. I ended up doing the detective before Batman, and it was all the Slam Bradley stuff. 
Throughout that whole deal, all Shorty wanted to do was to have some Dane smooch kiss him at the end. He wanted to smooch the ladies. But throughout the whole play, Slam did shit. He'd always send Shorty off, and Shorty would get kidnapped. He'd get caught, but then he'd get him. Oh, Shorty was the real hero. Uh, but that Just like is, Shaggy and Scooby. Yes, that is the deal. Uh, but, Ryan, yeah, I said it's I'm sure that they're working up things right now as we speak to try to figure out how they can finagle so. it out. But it's about money. No one's going to figure it like that slide. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it is funny because he always had that play of, Oh, they have to keep doing this one story. Like, why did they do this? Oh, that's to keep the trademark. That's to give them what happens with this. But then so, you got the I idea, too, going forward. The idea, I think even Rob Liefeld came out recently said, like, you know, DC Comics will be done in 2024. But also the idea of, like, you know, Paramount merging with Warner Brothers and, like, you know, maybe they'll just shut down everything. Who knows? Yeah. At one point, we were even uh, told. That And I actually was told from kind of people involved uh, a little bit more than, you know, most saying that they were just going to put out like anthologies each month to just keep things going. Oh, they're going to have the like an urban legends for Batman, then a action comics with a big deal. And that's all we were going to get. But that didn't happen. And again, there's the big talk and the big fight going on about if comics are dead and whatnot. They're not. They're kind of in a weird place. It doesn't seem like they're doing as good, but they're still. It's got growing pains for what it wants to become now. Well, it is trying to change things up, and it maybe they tried too much. Maybe they tried to veer off a little. But as I was told, the marketplace and all that money is what drives it all. So I think that we just got to get over this, and maybe 2024 is when we do. I'll tell you, I was going to do a video. The thing that I think is uh, the most thing that hurts everything, and we, we talk about it a lot, is that they don't seem to let people pitch stories. Like an Eric Shea can't just go in and say, hey, I have a great Wonder Woman story. They don't seem to do that. And I think that they miss out. Well, I think they miss out. Do you have an appointment? (laughs) I'm here to talk to Mr. DC. Uh, Mr. Where is he? But you end up not having enough writers on characters that they care about or are passionate about. Because I would love for old Eric Shea to be able to tell one of these stories that you've had brewing in your mind for years because you, it means something to you and you're really going to give it that oomph. Whether it sucks or not, that's on you, but at least you have that passion for it. A lot of these minis that the we read... The first four issues of a six-issue mini is all about continuity trying to make things work, and then we get to the story for the last two. <laughs> I will tell you, you know what? It's kind of what Philip Kenny Johnson has done, and it's it's kind of to his detriment at points where he tries to work everybody else's bullshit and then by the time he gets out of it, it's trouble. But I just, I want to have stories where people care. I don't know how this deals with trademarks and copyrights. But that's a copyright to my heart, Eric. We're going to move on. But thanks, Ryan, for writing you, Ryan. in for that. I'm sorry. And Ryan, I ended up missing one of Ryan's emails from a while back. But if that happens again, like I said to everybody, just let me know. And I'll tell Eric and I'll yell at him. Next one's J-Man. J-Man says, and now you can do it. Hey, Jim, what's up, Eric? What's up, J-Man? <laughs> I, I wish you would have said, what's up, Ryan? <laughs> I hope this email finds you guys festive. Just, just have an awkward, what's up? I, I will Pause. say, J-Man was a little upset. This email was sent last week. This is like the crazy mail section, but we were already recording when he sent it in. That's why I said at the beginning that if you do have something, it might be best. If you, But this is kind of a festive season still. I think it still works. I hope this email finds you guys festive and excited for the holidays. I'm reading some good comics. Sure were. I was. I was reading some old, I said even later in the podcast, I'll mention I ended up reading a older Spectre comic that I thought was pretty cool. I was looking for 
because somebody brought up what is the best New Year's Eve comic book story. I'm like, I don't know. Like, uh, it's New Year's all, Eve. It's, it's always the idea of Christmas stuff and things like that in the comics. Uh, and I couldn't think of any, and I couldn't even find a list of best New Year's Eve uh, deal. But yeah, New Year's Eve. I'm pretty sure that is a, uh, like a comic story that came out during that time. I think it was like an anthology nonsense. So maybe it was, but it, it. I think that the problem is, and I said, when you end up, you have that one issue that comes out in December. You're going to probably, you know, center on maybe Christmas or something like that. Hanukkah, not New Year's Eve, because that's just like there. But. He says he has a week and a half break from work, finally, and I'm trying to catch up on my DC Comics reading. I'm way behind, two to three issues on my personal DC faves right now. He likes, as I will say right now, oh, I said that, Green Lantern, (laughs) right? Green Lantern, you Uh you digging that one? Shazam. Shazam. I don't like when you have to write that exclamation point at the end of Shazam. I always write it. He didn't, and I don't either. And when I end up putting up a video review, it drives me nuts because I think that nobody searches it with that exclamation point and it ruins it. So I get, I'm really torn. Uh, green Arrow. Green Arrow. You, you love that Green Arrow? It's that a little wonky, really right? It's a bit wonky. Yeah, and World's Finest, which is I get it. Good. Yep. Hopefully they are maintaining. And it didn't say the Jay Garrett Flash. How dare he? Hopefully they are maintaining. The same quality level above what I would call middle tier DC series. Do, do you know of the Erection Cream Maintain? You ever use that? Why, why would I know about that? And why would I tell you if I know about that? I, I'm just saying, just sent me a note. I ended up my buddy Jamie that I talk about Fuck, sometimes. I will say now and say Jim. She'll be like, who? Yeah. Oh, my. That's not nice. <laughs> she ended up texting me a couple weeks ago when you ended up losing your power. So she, at least you told, I told her. her but to. I, I ended up being nice to her. I said happy anniversary, things like that on there, I think. I don't know. I don't recall. My buddy Jamie used to use that, but not because he couldn't get up, but he wanted to make sure that he stayed up because of the idea where yeah, it, it was like he didn't want the ladies to know, though. He wanted to really impress them. That's what I heard. Here's his mid-tier DC series. Maintain there. Action. That's action comics. That's what people call action comics. Just action. Okay. Uh Are you on the? Are you on the? (laughs) The funniest thing at one point I said, I hate when people say tech, and you pointed out that when we have rooms and things, you you always write tech. I have never written it again. Since (laughs) that day, I I refused to anything I said to you. Have that Superman Penguin. And Blue Beetle. I disagree. With, Superman, uh, I like. Penguin? Penguin's middling at this point just because it doesn't want to do he anything. He says it's mid. So at Blue but Beetle. Like, even the idea, no. like, these are falling fast, though. Like, they're very lower tier for me. Blue Beetle's down at the bottom. And well above bottom of the pile series, like Wonder Woman, Catwoman, God, Harley Ooh, Quinn, Power Girl. Power Girl, actually, I, I have to I admit, the, the amount of things that I talk shit on it and get upset. It's we talked about it this week on the Patreon spotlight. That's on Patreon, everybody. Patreon.com slash weird science. But I do agree it's like a nothing book, so you can kind of like shrug it off. Uh Birds of Prey is a weird book. So weird. I need to get out of this first arc. I think that it has the potential to be something really, really good. I agree. It's nowhere near that, and I'm scared. But also says, geez, DC does not do a good job of putting better creators on their series focusing on female heroes and villains. I li- I'm one of the few, I guess, who likes Kelly Thompson. 
when and but she's very uh up and down. She's very inconsistent with things. You like the bro doc. <laughs> you say that. No, I did not. <laughs> He's made for hugs and kisses. Uh let's talk about some things I'm caught up with though. Kind of. Much like Die Hard becoming my all time favorite Christmas movie, unlike Eric's Critters, Batman Santa Claus Silent Night, yep, Critters has become my new favorite Christmas comic book series. So far, the series is giving us, uh, in my humble opinion, the most badass and most tolerable version of good old St. Nick. I disagree so much with that because the Klaus version of Grant Morrison is a million times better, though I do uh, like I just love Santa, Santa Claus. Claus as a whole. I do like, I, I always love the badass Santa Claus. Like Santa Claus would knock you a block off and then give you a present and kiss you right oh, on the Giles lips. Oh, Giles St. Nick. Yeah. The reindeer. Do you like the guy who's like on the Coke commercial, like the big old fat Santa? Because he's non-threatening to you, right? He's there. He's, he's got Look, diabetes. If a man is going to break into my house and I have to give him an offering to make sure that he's happy, I'm going to want to make sure that he's the nice, cuddly kind. That is true. But then he turns around and it's like that that uh, that lenticular cover of Jack Frost, the movie. Like, oh, God. I don't need that. <laughs> it was so scary. The reindeer. Naughty. Big spot like the Prancer. Prancer Vampire Hunter. Pretty cool. Santa's elves in the true meaning of Christmas. Like I said, if if you did like that, Jamie, and you haven't read Klaus by Grant Morrison and Dan Mora art, by the way, it's really, really good. And even if you don't like Grant Morrison like an Eric Shea, I think you'd still like it. It's Santa Claus year one. Which is weird because I'm currently reading Grant Morrison's JLA run. Me and just, I mean, just as an aside, me and my man Gray. We're going through some one shots of the Grant Morrison Klaus because there was a bunch of those. They're pretty good. I love the feeling of joy and hope that Mr. Klaus brings or Claus brings to various main members and support members of the Just League. I liked the series. I thought it, but it's not my favorite. I like the first issue and I like the thing. It's like the, you know, opposite of the Star Trek movies, Eric. I like the odd ones, not the evil ones, right? I get it. Yeah, I like the first and the third issues. The first issue was incredible. I thought it was great. Second issue, not so great. Then all of a sudden, Michelle, I think it's Michelle Bendy, her art, she kind of couldn't keep up. We got other, it just kind of fell apart from me. I love the feeling of Joyce's, though, and the various main members. I like the relation between Klaus, Claus, I, I, that kills me, and Krampus, and how the folklore makes sense with their dynamic in general, and a lot of that is folklore. The story is organized enough to tell us why people are doing what they are doing. The jokes hit in the series, and there is awesome action throughout amidst the story unfolding, but not taking itself so seriously. The art is amazing here as well. I disagree. I like the art at the beginning, and then you had Trevor Harrison jump on for a bit, and that didn't fit, and then you ended up having full-out villain artists for the last issue. Why can't we get back to having a good ongoing Justice League series? We will eventually. Yeah. Even Jeff Parker can write a passable arc or two. As indicated by this Christmas special, I, I don't need that. I don't want to have a new Justice League thing and we have that nonsense that we did after Scott Snyder left the book and we had like a fucking writer of a bunch the month. of fill in writers. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Parker, the thing that I liked of his was the Aquaman. He jumped on the Aquaman book after, after Jeff, Jeff Johns. Johns yeah. yeah. And he ended up one of the big plays was when, uh, Arthur's I was mother just came say back. Oliver, Arthur, mother came back, but one of the better issues was when he went to his, uh, class reunion and it was kind of a fun little play uh but yeah i i don't i like jeff parker i i would like him on a couple books i'd like to see him do blue beetle he has blue beetle in this it's not the greatest of blue beetles but i think that he has that light touch 
that might be good. I cannot have the same say the same thing for Titans Beast Wars. Other than the amazing art, Beast he says Beast Wars then it's kind of funny because yeah. uh, I kept saying that as well. I have none of the same positives as Silent Night going for it. Trying to understand what is going on in the story makes my head explode. Now he's going to say that. He will mention in a bit that he doesn't read Titans or Nightwing. Mainly Titans is the one that you kind of get led into it. But it's just trying to understand what the characters make certain decisions. Makes me want to pull my hair out. The jokes are ridiculous, not in a good way. I don't find it that jokey. You? No, not really. No. And in general, I see Tom Taylor, as usual, uh, a better out-of-continuity writer than Jeff Parker. I feel like he is kind of laying a turd on this one, but I do love the art. I'm telling you, I'm just it's, it's in the minority because so many people like this, including me and I'm, you. I'm not saying that Beast World is the greatest event we've seen, but it might be the greatest event we've seen in the last, you know, six years. Yeah, it's so funny because I thought you were going to say since Death Metal, and I was kind of like, "What?" Yeah, it's it's been a while since. And would you say what would you would you consider Dark Side War an the event? The last great, yes, Dark Side War is an event, and in that my wasn't mind. that others, great though, right? The thing is, it had a really it had good moments, it had a good thing, but, but like a lot Forever of other events, evil. I think that the tie-ins really bag like bogged it down. But people love that as well for the different gods that the superheroes like became and stuff like that. And the little inti- like you know individual issues. Remember when How was eating pie? No, no, that was that was Superman. Oh, but How was actually doing stuff with his ghost dad and contract. That was the How book. He's the god of with, will. And that was uh, that was Tom King, I believe. But the thing, uh, but the thing the about day. it is, Dark Side War. I think the the main story is good because it acted as a sequel to Forever Evil, which was the last great event that we had in my mind. Yeah, I think that that was the last great, and then even before that would probably be Blackest Night. Maybe yes. I mean we haven't had a ton of really great events. This isn't on their level, but I do think that it's better. Like you said, I think it's better than a lot of than things. Most. And also. It's way better than it deserves to be because of the concept. Well, hopefully, it does end up ending well. All right, people hate me for saying this. I think it's already better than Final Crisis, but personally, I hate Final Crisis. No, I, I thought you would like Dark Crisis. You know, no, like you even you crisis. even skip over that shit. Yeah. So we'll see. But he says uh, he continues here. Uh, let's re- he says let's review Beast World further. Now, disclaimer, I have not followed the current Nightwing run or the early current Titans run in any way. Okay. So he's going to try to work your way through here? Somehow, someway, Brother Blood, which is not Brother Blood. Brother the smooth-looking ginger is Brother Blood, right? No, he isn't. He's Brother Eternity. It's a whole different character, including he's that we Tamaranian. find out. He's Tamaranian. He has built up an Andrew. interstellar spaceship on its maiden voyage to Jupiter's moon of Titan with two astronauts to save humanity from itself. And why Titan? Oh, because it's the only planet-like thing in our known semi-closed universe that has oceans and seas similar to Earth. Now, with that, he didn't have any plans of any bullshit like that. He no. was just trying to go there to Where's get my the macro star. Uh, he says that the things and why Titan because of that uh, when the astronauts find a temple in the moon's surface with Tamaranian hieroglyphics that Brother Blood can understand, he chants some Tamaranian dialogue of his own to awaken and unlock a thousand-year-old Cthulhu-like imprisoned being that he somehow knows about. Well, how does the temple hear Brother Blood? Brother the comms. But he says to go the comms. Is there a speaker connected to the spaceship that he's broadcasting to from Earth? And it seemed like there yes. was. 
Well, now the moon is rumbling and the Titans watching the live news feed need to save the astronauts. Apparently, Cyborg can open up a boom tube to everywhere in the solar system because a select team of Titans are off the Titan to save the day. Do they have the, the knowledge can, of... They can open up freaking boom tubes across the universe. Uh, do they have the knowledge of what they will encounter from Starfire? No, because she has no clue. They could be walking in anything, and they look very underdressed for walking around in space. I thought astronauts wore spacesuits to protect them from the extremes of space, like extreme cold heat and radiation. Now you're you're going to have an issue with almost every comic. I mean, half the time they don't even have breathers on. Uh, but he says, I all this and not just for oxygen. Why do Donna Troy and Starfire get little high-tech oxygen masks while Cyborg gets a full-on clear helmet and Raven gets nothing? Whoops, the astronauts are already powers. dead. I'm saying their, their, powers, their powers alone allow them to do that. Cyborg has a full thing because he has human skin that would be affected. The other two are goddesses, like, you know, goddesses and, well, demi goddess, but like, and also aliens that can, like, you know, deal with that kind of, like, vacuum of space. Yeah, and says, uh, astronauts this, this are already dead. Already. Or frozen or solid stoner encased in carbonite. Wait, a massless raven senses a heartbeat. Here comes Audrey to Cthulhu. Let's retreat. No, wait. First, we have to get the Tamaranian archives. Then we can run. And that kind of seemed weird when she went to grab those, but it, it must have something to do with what's going to happen. She she wants to get the, the the archives. Okay, I'm pulling my air just discussing the absurd start of this well, one. The thing is, you're issue. discussing this whole thing and you're poo-pooing a lot. It's mostly because you don't understand what came before and you just jump to conclusions that it doesn't make sense just because you don't know. There are some things, though, that maybe they should have, you know, explained it a little more for people who weren't following the others. But here's where I think that the big play, where it's a misplay. This shouldn't have been an event the way it is. It should have just been a crossover event with Nightwing and Titans, and then you'd know you'd have to read those. It's not a huge thing with all these tie-ins and this and that and the other thing, which you still should have. But uh, one thing I would say to J-Man is there's not that many issues of Titans, so it'd be easy nope. to read Six. those and kind of get on. But all you really have to know is that Brother Eternity ended up being a Tamaranian who wanted to free his god, the Necrostar. That's really the setup of that, and then it makes a little more sense. But he says, I'm pulling my hair just discussing the absurd start of the first issue. Don't get me started on Beast Boy's ridiculous non-plan that he tells no one and convinces the entire Titans, Just League, and Justice League support team to go along with. It's more on Nightwing. I am ready to burst a blood vessel. The Titans are essentially the Justice League right now. They are the big important team. Nightwing says, I I trust him. I think that because you want to have the big wow reveal, oh my god, that's why you don't say the plan, but he would have or should have before like let's discuss this but so he had to be a whale so let me just leave you with one nugget when beast boy figures out what the plan is as a giant whale with a big brain bursting into a misformed mess and turning into a giant star to face the necro star why doesn't he just become a giant necro star himself uh i would go with the idea that he hasn't really looked or knows what that is and also the thing that can defeat a necro star was a starro yeah they did play that that the only thing that ever when the necro star first got defeated it was starro you don't need a draw right the necro star that that is what that is what my eight-year-old son said when he heard this absurdity going on but eric's right they said that when the the only time the necro star was just have your kid listen to our review of it he'll get it well I'm done with this series, he says. Keep up the good work, and I'll see you in seven. Yeah, I I didn't love 
this issue, but it was more of just that in between. Let's get some yeah. action out there and kind of set things up in there. But it I think I think it's one of the better things. And it's funny because one of the things that I got from that first issue, unlike JMM, was this was Tom Taylor saying, "All right, I'm going to write in continuity." But I'm going to put that hat on that I put on when I do the out of continuity thing. So I'm going to kind of get that vibe, but keep it in continuity. And I thought that it played out pretty well. So he does I'm not you, the like it. But... about that first issue, like the Necro Star, yeah, it's out of nowhere. To, like we have to do some weird, weird shit to take it down. But it was all intense, awesome superhero action. And then everybody turned into animal people. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And still, I want it to be more, but I'm still enjoying the animal people aspect that the story actually is. But I enjoyed what we had this as the precursor of the story way more. Yeah. Yeah, because that there was it was huge. And that was his play. I'm gonna go real huge and oh my god, that's not even the event yet. And you get beast people. Kinda silly, but still it's what it is. It ends up. I mean, we went through shit like Lazarus Planet, I can deal with Beast World, so We'll uh, go on from there, but thanks. We've dealt with night terrors. I can deal with these people. And everybody, everybody's allowed to like what they want or dislike what they Agreed. want. So that's the deal. Uh, I even the idea later in the Green Lantern review, the Alan Scott Green Lantern, I will talk about how I don't know a lot about Alan Scott. And some people can say, well, get off your lazy ass and learn some things. Just like we said, you know, J-Man maybe can read the deal, but if he doesn't want to, maybe they should have caught him up a little more uh, in the beginning of this. but. That's that. So nobody's at fault. Everybody likes what they like, right? Like, I like you, Eric. But we're going to go off to some more books. We have a three-book section with all the hits. We're going to get into that right about now. Eric, we have three books, Flash being one of them, but of course that's the last book of this section Obviously, as we wouldn't figure be? these things out. Uh, but we end up having a book that me and you have been enjoying way more than what should be the main book in the story. It's telling we also end up having, and that's Amazon's Attack, but we also have a Green Arrow, which I was really wondering and, and interested in. Okay, we get that six issues. How are we going to go forward with that? And then, of course, we have the Flash. Which keeps doing flash things, maybe, Eric. Maybe. Maybe, maybe there's a, a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, 
that there's something here, but we'll discuss maybe. that when we get to it. But maybe a lot. That's the thing. I don't think I'll ever get past an idea of a size for your flash without a maybe, because I half the time I don't know what the hell's going on, but I kind of think maybe I, I know something, but such a weird book to talk about totally. too, but We'll start with the Amazon's attack. And like I said, me and Eric have been enjoying this a lot more than we ever thought we would. This is a weird issue, but you give us the credits and we'll jump into it. Amazon's attack number three, written by Josie Campbell, with art by Vasco, Georgiev, Alex Gamerez, and Becca Carey. And this is a very weird issue of Amazon's attack because it seems that while Josie Campbell is writing Amazon's attack, they're like the side book to what Tom King's doing over in Wonder Woman, which in my mind is somehow the side book's telling the majority of the story. But it seems like Josie Campbell decided. Hey, I was writing, you know, Mary Marvel before. I'd really like to write Mary Marvel again. So let's put them Amazon to a side and let's do a Mary Marvel story for Amazon's attack. And like, I'm okay with that because the Mary Marvel stuff in this right now, in this issue, is the most compelling part of what's going on. The other the bits of Amazons that we get, they're like, oh shit, the Escazita tribe, they're all gone. It seems like whoever is doing stuff right in the silent places, they've wiped out the village. And like, we got to figure out what's going on. Even one year ago, I was like, hey, look, my people, they're gone now. I need to go find them. So I don't really care what Nubia and Faruka say that we should do because I got my own stuff. Stop calling my ass Wonder Girl. And Mary Marvel, she needs to find herself. And the re- even the idea that our big bad that we actually understand right now, like we thought that we had Georgia Savannah and we had Eris that were teaming up for some kind of like weird revenge squad, right? Some like ability ink of some sort. But even in this issue, it's like, no, Eris is out. So get rid of that Wonder Woman connection besides for Gordon Apples. And it's just Georgia Savannah saying, you don't know what's going on yet, Mary Marvel. I thought you were smart of this, which for some reason just means that Georgia Savannah is making fun of me because I don't know what's going on right now or who's behind all of this. So I'm like, it's just a Mary Marvel story. And I'm like, I'm okay with that, but I still want more from what you're doing. Because one thing is, if this was a Mary Marvel book, I like what they're doing because even the stuff that Georgia Savannah is talking about, the idea that she keeps jumping from one people to the other who kind of take her for granted and she doesn't know her worth and she keeps trying to find her place, it works for her, the story. I want to see that explored, but this is a weird place to do it. Yeah, well, that's the problem. And also, Eric, I'll tell you right now. I've had just about enough of your Vassar bashing. A lot of Vassar mentioned out of nowhere with that. So when you're getting into this, this. what is going on? Kind of bashing Mary for not going there. So that opposite way. But when you have this going on, like you said, and we don't know. We don't know how this goes down. Is it that Josie Campbell's like, yeah, you know what? This whole Amazon's attack. I really want to tell more of my Mary Marvel story. Or is it that? Tom King and DC themselves, there's just not that much to the Amazon's attack because we just had a Tom King issue where we're waiting for big things and she's going around Cancer Kid to Themyscira. So, or is it that you can't get too far ahead in things? You know what I mean? It seems like the non story that Tom King's telling might be affecting this. And they're like, well, we have to kind of, you know, put the brakes, pump the brakes a bit. What can you do instead? And you do have a Mary, you know, Mary Marvel stuff, which is fine. It really comes right out of the Mary Marvel book. And not many people read that. But if you did, it's kind of cool. And I recognize what's going on. But it says Amazon's attack on the cover. And so when you get into this, maybe, maybe do something a little more with Yara Floor. You know, it's going to be, it seems like it has to be side things anyway. But the idea that you get Mary Marvel that we didn't even know was going to be in this book and kind of is shoved in, 
it, it felt weird. And when you do get Yara at one point, she's pissed off at me. Don't you call me Wonder Girl stuff. Like, that's interesting to me. What does that mean? What's going on? Is she pissed off at everybody? Does she want to have a new persona? Does she want to go forward? I don't know. I maybe deal with that, but she ends up because she grabs the lady from the Escazita try. I'm going to go take her and have her rest up. It almost feels like every, the, the Amazons get pushed aside to, hey, we really want to tell the Mary stuff. And it's weird. It is very weird for the Mary stuff. But even when you have the Amazon stuff, we're like, you know, Faruka and Nubia decide, all right, look, we got some shit going on. After Hera's exile, Hippolyta sealed away the Pantheon's places of power to stop them from using their temples and shrines to a gateway to this world. But if a temple of Eris suddenly appeared, it would give the goddess power to meddle in human affairs again. While Mary and Yara investigate Savannah, Farouk and I will go to Greece. Well, as we already said, Yara Flora, she she's doing Escazita shots. She's got shit to do. She doesn't want to fucking hang out with Mary and fucking find out what's going on with George and Savannah. But when you get to Greece and you have Nubian and Faruka there... They show up and they realize, oh my God, there's, Greece has become a sanctuary for people who are being like, you know, kicked out of their countries because of the Amazon's attack stuff going on. And she's like, well, where's Eris's, you know, like, you know, temples and stuff like this? Like, you stupid bitches. I forgot you are not original Amazons. So it turns out that you don't know shit about shit. Eris, she was a goddess of chaos. They didn't let that shit have a temple. That would be over there away from people and prying eyes. So you wouldn't even have an actual temple. So, just the idea, like, maybe Faruka I can understand because, you know, the Egyptian gods and goddesses are her thing. But Nubia, I don't care if she's original or new. She's still been on the island for, like, you know, a long-ass time. She should know what her pantheon does at this point, even if she's guarding Doom's doorway for fucking a century. I don't know how it works out. But but for some reason, you made the queen of the Amazons not know shit about Greek yeah, mythology. She doesn't know it. Like, how is that that she doesn't even know the history? Now, you could say, oh, it's she was guarding Doom's door. But- Still, she should know this. This should be something that they all know, especially Such a weird take for them. The Thamascarian deal, like you said, Faruka, I don't think that she would know because that's her deal. And she should say, like, what? You didn't know this? Like she should be pissed. But I will say when you when you start out, there's a lot of times when we have these I'll call this an event, an event within this story and yeah, the Tom event. King deal. And so when you when you get it, how many times have I said, you know, why aren't we seeing what's happening around the world? We never see it. We're always like, if something's going on in Gotham, we don't even see what the regular Gothamites think. It's just centered. You do get in this at the beginning how these Amazons, oh, you get that back. So Nubia said, hey, everybody just spread out because that was a big thing. How are these Amazons in America when there shouldn't be there? Well, you have this book again. It, this book seems to be the place to get the heavy lifting to kind of explain things that again i wanted to explain more because even we have this it's one amazon saying i want to do this to an opposing panel where people were riding at whatever they went to and it's just that over and over again for like two pages it felt like but it's two pages more than tom king tom king just in his i think that he might have done messed up when he did that and now a couple months later they're going to try to explain it here it's okay but again Nubia messed up. She ended up doing this. It's just, I don't know. It doesn't feel right, some of the things going on. But when you end her up off that going, throat, I swear to God. Yeah. I, <laughs> she's like, what? Look at, look at, everybody's praising Dick Grayson in Bloodhaven. He's doing shit. Can I do the same? Why are you against me? Uh, but it turns into a marriage story. And I, I said earlier, like, I'd rather be an editor than a writer, things like that. Maybe earlier, maybe later. Who knows? Time is fluid, Eric, as we'll find out in the book. But when we end up having all this stuff, when you do get the Mary stuff that it does, it picks up from 
the new hero Shazam, Shazam. Deal, the new champion yeah. of Shazam. Why didn't they mention Georgia Savannah's name once? They don't even don't mention know. it. And I think that there'd be a problem with people who aren't aware, not even knowing who this is. You did I mention there's her gonna last be somebody, issue. There's going to be somebody on Twitter who doesn't know enough about like you know, Captain Marvel or anything like that. It's going, who could that? They made Doctor Savannah do a lady boy. <laughs> I thought it was a misplay. I don't know that people even know the character, especially newer readers. And when you get there, just she's just talking smack on Mary. But really, the idea of this is, I don't care. I really don't care. This isn't the book for it. This isn't the, thing the is, time I do for care. It. I think it's I an don't. odd place for me to care about it, though. Like, I care about Mary Marvel. I want to see these stuff that they are talking about. I think it's an odd place to be in this book, well, though. Here's the thing. Mary Marvel shouldn't even be in this. She ended up walking past a, a fucking window, and they and they didn't even know it was her. They grab her. She's in this. And it, really, it Hoppy is the with, one. Like, with the Greek goddesses giving her her power now and redefining her character. Yeah, it doesn't, though, because they're not against. They're against the Amazons because a woman murdered a bunch of men. It really does. And what are the goddesses doing? There's no god or goddess doing shit about nope. any of this. Well, we've closed them off from meddling in the human she, world well, because of Hippolyta. So it doesn't work for me. It, it, she shouldn't be in this book. Hoppy is to get them all around. And then when you get to this issue where I'm like, okay, let's see more of this stuff with the Amazons going. Like I said, I guess there's not enough story because then you just haven't. This isn't exactly the most exciting stuff, especially for if you didn't read the new champion of Shazam. Oh, that's homework. Shit yeah, definitely. Is boring as shit because they're just going back and forth, back and forth. Oh, I heard you were going to go to college, but you ended up doing this and you should join me. And you know, she's not going to anyway. I think it was a misplay. And when I was reading this, this issue took me forever to read. And it hasn't been that for the other issues. I actually ended up kind of being not a guilty pleasure, just a play. I actually thought it was a pretty good book. But not now. I, this It better get back on track the next issue because I think this sucks. I think that this is nothing that you even need to read. Nothing really goes on or happens except the idea, oh, my God, at the end, the, the, the whole deal with Strife or Eris. Oh, my God, she's dead. And we'll see what that means. And somehow Georgia Savannah, with the idea of mixing magic with uh, technology, somehow has her apples of discord that she's using as well. There's not really that much more to talk about in this. You end up having Mary and Belle Rev. That's where she goes to see George Svana, and now she has to get out, but she says, you can't turn into, it's, you know, Mary so Marvel like, this. I'm like, I think she can. When DC started doing the, the Captain Marvel stuff in the 70s, when they took, like, got the rights and stuff, and they tried to make it, like, the, the classic kind of feel to it, like, the goofier kind of stories, like, this to be, like, oh, like, Golden Age. So, like, that's the feel that they're going for in the 70s when they brought it over initially. But in that whole feel of that whole Golden Age of Dr. Captain Marvel, You'd have Billy, you'd have Mary, you'd have Freddie. Whatever thing happened, they'd be standing next to a group full of people. Oh, no, Shazam. And all of a sudden, like, lightning would come down and strike. But nobody would ever think twice about the idea that this just happened to them. And, like, you know, there's Captain Marvel now. What happened to Billy? But this is a cool aspect because now we're dealing with, you know, modern comics. And you want to have a modern explanation, which I, I agree I with. I just run into a that. bathroom. And go but you, and you have cares? Mary stuck in Bell Rev during this breakout where Georgia Savannah says, look, look, you don't even understand what's going on. I actually thought you were brighter than this. She leaves and says... You can actually turn into Captain. Like she knows that Mary is Mary Marvel at this point, and she's like, "Look, you can say your magic words. You can turn into Mary Marvel, but then everybody will know your secret identity. But what you can say is you are and get killed. It's up to you." And it leaves her in a bad choice because she is deep in fucking Bell Rev, where she's being stared down by the end of this by Count Vertigo and a bunch of baddies just looking at her. You know, it's funny. It's the idea where 
in my mind, I'm like, really? Because she doesn't have a mask. She just looks like herself as Mary. But you do end up before. I think that's why you have that setup of, oh, shit, you're that girl that was the, like the Amazons are confused. Oh, my God. You no, are actually that, the deal. That I was guess. so stupid to me. I have no idea why when we have our heroes. I, I'm saying I, I agree. It was a big misplay that you and I freaking just looked at like, what the hell is going on here? We didn't fully understand it because we didn't expect Mary Marvel just to be out there of a window in a previous issue of this. But to have the Nubia, Faruka, and Yara Floor all get teleported with Mary Marvel by Hoppy the Marvel Bunny to the Escazita tribe to find out oh, shit, things have gotten really bad there. Then for somewhere off paddle, it's to say Shazam to turn into Mary Bromfield again, to walk out and Nubia be perplexed about this girl, say Shazam again, oh, you was that girl in the windows, weren't you? I'm like, this. you are making Nubia into the stupidest motherfucking person Are in the you world. saying, and we're, we're agreeing here, that this issue overall, not just that, but makes Nubia really stupid, like yes. really puts a really bad light on Nubia who but the doesn't thing is, know mythology. I like Mary Marvel in this, but it's not a Mary Marvel book, and it feels out of place. Like I said, I like the stuff that we have in here, but that's the worst part about it because it shouldn't be in here, but I still enjoy seeing it. It is funny because when I think about the idea, not many people are reviewing this. We said it already, I think, last issue. I don't think many people are reading this. I really don't think a lot of people are reading this, and we thought, man, we you should. It's pretty good, and if you are reading the Wonder Woman, the Tom King Wonder Woman, that not that many people, it seems, are as many as you would think are reading that as well from the little bits that you can get. But the play is this is doing the heavy lifting. But then I'm afraid, like, people hear us talk about that issue too, and they're like, oh, man, that really has a lot. And they get to this. Nubi is an idiot, and it's more about Mary. And they're like, what the hell were these guys talking about? Uh, but I don't think that many Maybe that's the play. Could it be that they're like, listen, Nobody's reading. Just just do what you want. She's like, oh, I'm going to go back to do some Mary Mart. Like, even the idea that guys are running around with those, like, phones in their chest. People like, what the yeah. fuck is that? But if you didn't know, you, you techno, wouldn't know. It's techno magic powering them up. Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. I did not expect it to become a full Mary Marvel deal. I don't know if it's something you took notice of or care about, but by the end with the idea of George Savannah breaking out of Bell Rev and also talking about the idea that like, oh, they don't know what's coming. They don't know what's going on, stuff like that. And you have Yara Ford carrying one of the Escazita tribes. And in the doorway behind her, there is a shadow of a person looming who seems to be another one of the big bads that we didn't expect. Do you have an idea of who you think that is? I don't know. I thought I that think- was Wonder Woman. I, I even see a lasso, it looked like, but no. We have Wonder yeah. Woman doing stuff, right? She's doing all the Cancer Kid stuff in Tom King's book. The one person we are missing out of everything, because Donna's busy with freaking, you know, for the most part, Titan stuff, but is this Cassie Sands, Mark? Is it a fight of the Wonder Girls? I think they're going to give Yara either a new name or she's just going to disappear. Why not deal more with, we don't even know any shit about shit about the Eskazigida tribe, and yet we get Mary and Georgia Savannah to tie in with the apples. And I I I agree. It's It's a misplay. I actually realized while I was reading this, like, I really don't care about this book because I don't care about Tom King's Wonder Woman. So I don't really care about any of this war. Doesn't seem like they care about it either with this and the last Tom King Wonder Woman book. So, oh, well, but we'll see. We'll see how it works out. But what would you give it? Ultimately, I would give this a six out of ten. I think the art is great. It just seems like a. even though I enjoy the story of Mary Marvel, it feels like a weird misstep. And for some reason to tell the story of Mary Marvel, you had to make the current queen of the Amazons look like an idiot throughout. Yeah, I'm a four. I just, again, it's one of those books that we keep having where you're not really telling the story that is on the marquee, it's on the cover, and you just go, 
a side swipe, which I don't think that Mary, again, you are tying Georgia Savannah in with the idea of this big play, but I don't think after these that it's going to ever continue in anything. So I just worry. I don't think Tom King's picking this stuff up in the Wonder Woman book. And we'll see if there's anything else. And I don't think the Shazam book by Mark Wade's going to reference it. So where are we going to play it out? Just tell the story that you need to tell. You're right. We need a Mary Marvel book. Yeah, but the other one bombed. That, that's what I'm saying. It's no, no. where do you the draw the champion line? Of Shazam bombed. We need yeah, a Mary now you have Marvel Mary book. Marvel, that's really going to do great. Again, Josie Campbell's okay, but I, I forget about you. If we ended up listing writers in two weeks, I'd forget completely about Josie Campbell. It would never even pop in my mind. That's a problem. Uh, but we'll move on to the next book with the architect of the DC uh, universe, Eric. What is that? Look, the thing is, you're going to joke about this, but he is telling you everything that is going on in the DC universe. The only problem with that is if you've been reading the DC universe, you already know everything that's going on in this book. And Green he, Arrow is the only one getting caught us, up. He's telling us everything that happened in this book and then uh, what happened before that and even kind of, you know, fudges some things a little, but... Mm. Green Hour number seven, written by Joshua Williamson with Arpai Carmine, DG DeMonico, uh, Trevor Harrison, Romeo Fajardo Jr., and Troy Pateri. And it's such a weird idea, though, because I'm telling you, he is doing architect stuff. He is laying the foundation for what the DC Universe looks like right now. It is just a weird recap to other things that you've already seen in other DC comic books and Arthur, get, uh, Arthur, Ollie getting caught up with what we already know for an entire issue. And what, what's the, the weird play of this is that, you know, the Justice League, the Justice League's dead. There's no Justice League. All this. Don't say the Justice League dead. That's going to confuse people. Well, that's how it started out. And then yes. he's going back. But that's he all disbanded. Joshua Williamson stuff. Yeah. Why would you have Oliver go through this pretty much saying, because what this shows me is that it's all bullshit. Even Oliver says, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. And it almost points out, like, why would you do that? Why would you have a character say that? He thinks it's weird. He The Titans stepping up, he thinks is great because he trusts Nightwing. He trusts Wally to do the best job ever. It is time they had their, like, you know, be the Justice League level team. But he thinks it's also weird that a team that he's been a part of almost from the beginning has been disbanding because they are the world's greatest heroes. At one point, there's a slight mention. Oh, well, the Titans, we thought they Oh, yeah, yeah, I trust that guy. But really, through this, it almost feels like he's admitting there's no real reason there isn't a Justice League. You know, Batman's like, I'm busy. Didn't somebody tell you? Uh, You know, you end up having Aquaman. I'm busy. You end up having (laughs) Barry. I'm busy. Like, nobody's, like, really spelling out, oh, man, and the Titans have done great since they haven't. And it's just a weird play. It was a weird play. To catch everybody up on things that didn't really need to be caught the up Titans on. The Titans are doing fine. They're not even done their first story arc yet. They have Night Terrors under their watch, Disaster, and now Beast World. That was a Justice League story. Which Beast World, it wasn't though. There wasn't a Justice League at that time. The Titans yes, but they were, were targeting the Justice League. The Titans were in control and did shit about it. The Justice League characters had to jump in and, and try to fix it. And it's, I'm telling you, it's under their watch. The, the Night Terrors was, or not Night Terrors, the Beast World is their fault. They're not doing great. And this so is when the you first get thing, this, really. Well, it is, but they're not, they caused it. And what were they doing before that? Planting trees. It's bullshit. But to me, it is Oliver's like, well, I need to know an answer. Nobody really has much of an answer except, oh, yeah, Nightwing's pretty cool. He, he does some things right. I trust there's, that no kid. Real, there's no real reason. I mean, in that, they even kind of allude, well, it's kind of like a, a down low thing that we do it. There's no real reason. There's no justice league. They're still going to jump in and act like the justice league at any time. It's kind of silly in my mind. You could add both, but 
you end up having Oliver just going so, like, why are we doing a walking tour the last you, year and a half? It's so funny too because the idea, like, oh yeah, the Titans have taken over now. Go see Wonder Woman. Yeah, Waller's doing this. Like, she's back from Earth 3 now. Isn't that crazy? And I will tell you this for the little side bit because, you know, he's flying alongside Wonder Woman's Invisible with Jet being chased by, you know, Which the U.S. Which looks like military. it's armed to the teeth. Get invisible <laughs> jet. Well, as, Holy as, shit. We, as we saw, though, her thing was armed to the teeth in the Wonder Woman book. So at least this is an invisible jet. But the thing is, I hate this new arrow jet that he has because it does it's not straight enough to look like an arrow to me. For some reason, it just looks like a regular jet. And I'm like, I, it just bothered me. But it's pretty much, you know, hey, yeah, Waller's back. She's doing stuff. She's back from Earth 3. Well, I, we don't really know about that. Then you have little snippets about, you know, Aquaman's a family man. For some reason, he wants Black Adam. He's like, who are you again? So it doesn't, I don't even know why we reference Black Adam. Barry's it's a sad but trying to do Iris stuff. Marsha Manhunter's <laughs> doing his Time drugs. He's eating cookies. Stop that's saying his, that. That's his heroine. They they explained it in continuity. I hope that Joshua Williamson never writes Satana again. We get one panel where she has backward magic, and he changes the way that they you know every other writer does it. DC Comics right now, where you have he the does last it word upside up top, down, yeah. and I'm like, it's already backwards. Don't make it upside down and backwards as well. I'm not like the letters upside down. I mean, like she says, get back, but it's, it's spelled out back. Get. Don't do that. Paul McCartney wouldn't like it that way. You end up where I love the Hawkgirl thing, though. I've always been on a team. It's nice to fly my own plan. I'm like, I don't even know if that's a real thing. <laughs> She's going through some stuff right now. I don't Let even go. know what's happening. She's there. She goes off. Where's Galaxy? She needs to tell me what to say. And then there's Marshall Manhunter doing the H. Then he's like, then I, I love the idea that Oliver is like, I really haven't gotten an answer, so now I'll just go to JLD. Well, <laughs> even that, he goes assholes. to Ray Palmer and Ryan Shuley. I'm like, nobody's like, – I appreciate you talking to him because you ne- nobody's referencing the Atoms at all. But like, you're really this desperate you're going to go to the Atoms now? It's another thing, Before too. Before Hal Jordan? What Joshua Williamson seems to do even at the beginning is he has this play. He does it a lot where he is trying to set up where nobody can call his bullshit out. When it doesn't need to be called out, where he goes like, yeah, luckily they didn't declare me officially dead, so I have this money, and then I can buy this. I'm like, nobody would ever question that. Nobody would have ever brought it up. You were barely dead. And the idea, you'd be like, oh, because he's buying a car and a plane, like in a new outfit. You don't have to explain it that way. And when he does Honestly, explain it, I'm like, this is I, I, weird. I, I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know, like, if we would have gone and I would have said, oh, my God, he bought a new car, you would have said, oh, well, wouldn't have his money been taken in escrow right. to go in a plan to do this or Obviously, that? Obviously, I'm not smart enough to bring this up, but you know some asshole's gonna. I have the feeling that I could have said, nobody knew he was dead. Y- you wouldn't. Well, how would you know he's dead? They end up, well, they had that ceremony for the whole Justice League, but even then. And Oliver Queen was gone for a while. Not that long. And most of the people remember when they went dead, they're like, eh, those assholes come back anyway. So it just I don't know why you need to take a, a page to do that. Then you reference you, the thing that. Is, you take a page to do that, but it's still like, you know, that's one thing I didn't know in the book. <laughs> the other stuff I know. <laughs> you, you didn't know that when he came back, he'd have his money. Exactly. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Well, we didn't see anybody else like an Alfred. If he comes back, we know that Dick Gray, nobody had his money. So you end up where he also uh, you have to bring out the oh, uh, Dinah didn't tell me because she would have known and he never brought it up but no they were having sex is what was happening is what he ended up we were doing stuff is is that what he said because i thought she, she had her own thing going on which i always thought was referencing the birds of prey we were dot 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 occupied with other things when i got back 
And uh-huh. now she's on the Birds of Prey. They were fucking. That's all it's saying. When he's like, we were uh, uh, occupied. It's just a joke. And Batman's like, all right, fuck you. And they're like, <laughs> we just aren't around. And even then, you just have that play of like just going to each character and half of them don't even have anything to say. Then you get to the house stuff, which is okay. Where he talks about parallax. You have hard traveled heroes buddies together. That's fine if you just want to play that whole like you know shit like that because it is fan service. But people are gonna love it. But the most important thing about this is that he referenced that parallax from the pre like you know like uh converge uh, from conversion stuff like that. And how's like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that for some reason. But I'll have to look into it. Thankfully, someone's gonna look into this because I've been asking about that fucker for years. Well, and we had him pop up, but was it? And because of the way that that turned out with Merle, like, I don't even know how that even uh, worked I, out. Because I was, it was starting Merle to assume that it, it wasn't, like, you know, but since he was brought up here, I'm thinking that Parallax was actually there for some reason and a part of this. I think it might become a storyline down the line, but we'll see. And also you get Team Lantern mentioned. Team Lantern. Poor Team Lantern. Even the idea where he says, like, oh, that was more of a sidekick for John and Simon. I'm like, was she? Was she really? Like, I know, like, Simon, like, you know, Got attached to her a little bit, but, like, did you even know about that? Were you a part of that story? I'm waiting for, like, any of that Young Justice team to wonder where she went off to and where's Ginny Hex. Uh, but then they end up, oh, no, while they're just sitting there, I think that there's some rogue cuns trying to get some plain stuff. Let's go to it. And then they end up. I, I do like this, too, moment. though, because the idea of the Justice League disbanding throws Oliver for a loop. So as he's going around and talking to all these people, he's also setting up surveillance to this whole thing where him and Connor are making sure that the Justice League are who they say they are. Because as far as Oliver's concerned, the Justice League that disbands. That don't feel like the real Justice League to him, and he's got to figure out if any of these people are who they like. Make he sure doesn't they, even they know that they're they on the right are. Earth. He says, exactly. are, "Are we on the right Earth?" That's fine, but it's not a whole issue worth a fine. It's kind of cool that he did it, and then the mention of Batman's not right because that seems to be maybe the you know Zoranar stuff. So I'll look into that later. Again, who knows? The architect so. of the DCU just letting you know stuff you already know. Yeah, it's like. And and some of this stuff, like when you do, there are some mentions, though, of Wall. Uh-huh. And also, I do want to mention, too, the idea of like, oh, my God, everybody's like, this is going to be great. The the search for Roy, 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 Roy. And I'm like, the fuck's up with Jade? Like, she gets so thrown aside. At one point, I was like, we got to find Roy. It. Dot, dot, dot. It. And Jade. <laughs> look, <laughs> like, look, uh, I only find, like, you know, a, a, a huge member of the Arrow family, you know, speedy, like, like Arsenal. Roy Harper, we deal with that murder that he banged and got a baby out of. <laughs> you know, like, who, who are we going to put in the forefront uh, of who well, we're looking for? Still, though, I'm like, poor Jade. So this is where, when I was talking earlier and a lot and of again, other Cheshire people Cheshire killed talking. you and me in a green arrow issue. I'm not too concerned about yeah, what happens that is Cheshire true. right now. That is true. Well, what you get here, one of the things, and remember, Architect, and doing the main story. So I think that this is the clue. More than anything else, when you do have Oliver saying just the idea that he ended up checking with Connor, the idea, are these the real Just League? Are we on the right earth? And they're doing that deal. And then he says, this all starts with Amanda Waller. What is she up to? She made a deal with Merlin. I want to know why. You, Dinah, and Leanne filled me in, and she clearly making bigger moves than the rest of my former teammates are seeing. She's always hated us, but there's something more going on here. And when he says there's something more going on and the idea that they're oh, checking in, yeah, and they're checking in, oh, are these other Earth Justice League, are we on another Earth? And then going right to that, that's where it feels like he might be onto something, that this isn't the 
you know, our Earth's Amanda and Waller. And honestly, I'm telling you, it, it's a weird part to try to jump into the Amanda Waller's big plans and for the like going further events, but like. I'm really happy that Oliver's the one to figure this out because I just love Green Arrow so much. So when he's the smartest guy in the room, it does feel like like a really cool little aspect of the book. But again, all right, Connor, hit the road. We're going to go find Roy. And it's just like out of nowhere, just looking above them, it's on a monopoeia. I'm like, I know. <laughs> God damn it. That is not the ending I no. need to a book that did nothing. Like you, you started having intriguing things in the last bit here. The last page for you to say, well, I get it. Better go look for fucking Roy. And I'm like, it took that long to say, I better go look for Roy. And then it's just onomatopoeia. I'm like, onomatopoeia. Crash. <sighs> Here, yeah, it all crashed down. And indeed. Uh, again, while they're going, when you even had the play of, oh my God, Oliver's missing. Where's Leanne? They get taken off Connor. It all was even then. Find Amanda Waller. Find him. It's Amanda Waller. And I do think that it's starting to feel, again, I love having Oliver on the case and this book could turn into as you often say the most important book nobody (laughs) and and when he's doing this this might be where we're gonna have most of the big stuff kind of be revealed for what that big amanda waller event coming down the line because it feels like it would fit in this with everything that was going on with what's going on with this family amanda waller the rest of the justly not seeming like they actually care about anything that he's actually been dealing with and seeing firsthand i'm just waiting for the time where oliver queen just basic bitch fucking archer of the DC universe. I say that, but I love the character. Like the idea when you're compared to gods and shit like that. I just want to see him take on the Justice League because his ass is crazy enough to do it. If he believes he's right. Just think of some of the things with Amanda Waller as well. Like when we ended up in the last issue of this and we said, the fuck would Amanda Waller give time travel tech to Merlin? Like that's Agreed. bullshit. It might make sense down the line. It might not be that. That's why I'm saying this Amanda Waller in this book and what they're claiming she's doing. It really doesn't feel like that Amanda Waller. So it might be onto something. And then at the end, like you said, you go and like, I'm getting excited. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, they finally the say, let's page, go get though. Roy. And then you get on him on a pia. Well, it's second to last. What it, what it felt like to me at this deal, when you have that, it almost was my eye rolling. When I saw the freaking Doctor Hurt and, and Flamingo at the end no, of Detective even, Comics, I'm like, why do even we? Even one of those this? previous issues of the Flash where it seemed like the big bad reveal is, oh, the folded man. Yeah, well, you know what's <laughs> funny too? I I pish poshed on a lot of the Mary stuff. I think I got more excited when she stumbled around the corner and saw Count Vertigo there in Bell Rev. I'm like, oh, that's good. When we see Adam on a pier, I'm like, oh god, and, and he. <laughs> People love onomatopoeia, so maybe like people will be all invested in it. It might be cool. It's not a character that like a lot of things that I enjoy, but he's fine. I have never heard anybody tell me that they liked onomatopoeia, let alone love him. I think that maybe he's there to crash the party, and he's there to warn him. You got to find Amanda Waller. She's up to no good. Maybe that'd be cool. Maybe he teams up with him. Well, he's about to jump through the window. I know that. Well, again, he's going to jump through and says hey everybody i didn't see the front window or the front door the front window uh but what would you give this thing is uh, like i really like the like the last the second to last page so but it is very the art's not as good as it has been and the story just lets me know the things that i already know so oliver can know it and it doesn't like i'll tell you there's not much to this but you can still have fun because you're just going through the dc universe you're seeing heroes interact with people that you don't normally get to see like just green arrow like hey i'm gonna hang out with hal for a few pages <laughs> it's a waste of money it's yeah. totally a waste but i don't mind it that bad i'm, I'm gonna give it a 5.5 out of 10 because i didn't mind reading it i was just disappointed this is the first issue of our next arc to deal with the, the hunt for roy harper and we didn't even start hunting for roy harper yet 
And we had those six issues, and that was going to be the end of it. So they extended yeah. it, and now it's an ongoing. But when you have this play like this, I said even last issue, that six issues, whether you like this book or not, they were wonky as shit. And, the and that's, ending, that's another thing about this. Like, I can understand this issue. It didn't get all fucking goofy and wonky to the point where it didn't make any sense. What I needed more of, and I'll point out where maybe I'm wrong, but the idea where it was so wonky, so then it feels like if you're going to explain anything, explain the shit I just read. But I think that what's happening here and why I think that whole Amanda Waller thing and whatnot is it feels like Joshua Williamson in this point, he needs you to be, he needs to make sure that you're caught up on everything that happened because this is going to be the big book. You can't this go is going to be on the test. You can't go forward not knowing all this stuff because this is going to be the book that has the shit that leads into the big event. That's fine. But as an issue of me and you, we read all that stuff, so we know. So yep. it's a down for us. But if you ended up not knowing and you're into this book and you want to know, like, you have to know what what happened before and why the Justice League isn't the Justice right, League and what happened and all that, you're caught up because I do think that. In my mind, he's setting this up to be big, but it's just not big right now. It actually makes it less at this point for an issue where I'm like, okay, let's see what the real story is. Even the play of, oh, man, the search for Oliver Queen, six issues. Oh, what's next? The search for Roy Harper. Like, the hunt for Roy Harper. <laughs> you end up because Amanda Waller grabbed him. Poor Jade. Dot, dot, dot. And Jade. No. That's what I nope. want to keep saying, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a five, five. If she dies, she dies. I'm even going to go, okay, I'm going to give it a six, because now I'm trying to convince myself that it is the big book, and that's what he's setting up. Look, I'm all for it. It's just in a boring way. It is boring, and it does feel like you're just watching a greatest hits recap clip of what well, happened like, in the last couple of years. Just imagine back in the day, before there was any streaming and stuff like that, you had one episode of something you want to watch a week, and like maybe it even went on hiatus after there was a finale, and it would be a clip show of everything you've already seen and not even a new episode. How disappointed were you? Well, you were. I was very disappointed. I'll also bring up, if you remember, and I think you will, when, when Joshua Williamson, which people really applaud that flash run, we didn't love it. Remember at one point that every issue was like the first eight pages were just recapping the issue before and it was driving us fucking insane every time. And I'm like, I think thankfully I've blocked that out. And so you have here, but I do think that these are some big things that he has to make sure everybody's on board with. So that's fine. Maybe, maybe it'll be retroactively. I'll say, oh, I really give this a 6.1. I'm going <laughs> to go six. So I'll give it a six, but we're going to go on to the last book of the section. The mind bender, Eric. It's the Flash. Flash it's number something. four. I still see people like it, this. Became one of those books where it's like the lines drawn. Either you, you like it or you hate it. There's not anybody's like, yeah, you know, it's kind of okay. I kind of dig this or whatever. It's like if you like this book, you're so angry at people saying that they don't understand it. And then on our side, we're like, I don't understand it. But it's written by Simon Spurrier. Art by, it's not Seisberger here, it's Simon. Nope. We have art by Serious. Mike Theodato Jr., Tris Mulliville, and Hassan Atsame El Hau. And we're going to continue the crazy stuff on the Wally side. And I will tell you right now that Seisberger should not be writing Wally. He writes yep. him maybe more as a Barry, but not even that. It's a, it's a weird play. Wally does not sound like himself. He ends up at some points being well, too serious, is, too. I don't want to say too intelligent, but 
but he almost feels too philosophical at times. I, I agree, just- but even the way he speaks with what he's talking about, I want to say that most of it's because he's in this space at the bottom of the vibrations, which is the serene place that makes you forget all your memories. Almost like when you're trapped in the speed force and that you just become one. He is in this place that just pretty much wants him to succumb to like being there, and he's, he's pretty much doped up. So I could see him being not himself. It's still weird, even when you get this, you, you get a you know omnipotent speed force narrator. I even think it's the speed force narrating. If you actually said to Spurrier, who's doing the narration, I think he'd be wacky and say it's the actual speed force doing it. But you get things he, he can't get away from it. It's less. He's doing it a little, but it's like every day. Irie feels the speed force more keenly, like a spider, awoke to every gossamer tremble. I'm like, you don't have to. He he you know, ends Wally. up he ends up making things fancy that don't need to be. And I think that in this issue, where I start to actually glean what he's talking about, but then he pulls it back with nonsense, and it doesn't have to be. This is where I said at points like. You had Ram V do it at point. He's getting a little better, but you'd have the idea that you'll have three pages of this crazy flowery dialogue to explain somebody walking out a fucking door. Like, that's all I need. Just tell me you walked out the door. At one point in this, Wally ends up wondering why the statue are changing in the gallery of moments. And the explanation. When he's not looking at it, the statues change. And he says, you know, what? It, and basically the explanation is while you're here, time is still going on. So when you go back to it, that's what's actually happening. Which then gives you the moment of, oh, my God, Which look. Which doesn't matter to him because he doesn't even remember who these people are Yeah, the and then he part. doesn't know them. But why do you fudge things so much that I don't even know what you're talking about? These explanations. And now he's going to spur it up where Wally's going to be the smart guy and he's going to start collecting his word bubbles. What I told you when I first read this, I'm like, I don't need Until that. he doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't need to belong. Pretty much. What is the name of this place again? Can you please tell me? It the is Gallery the, of the Gallery, Gallery of Moments. It oh, the Gallery of the Moments. Gallery okay. of Moments, yeah. So pretty much Wally in the Gallery of Moments, freaking having like, you know, heart to heart talk with whatever this is and vibrationals about how like it, what this is because it doesn't matter because you won't remember anyway because for where he is, he won't be able to. It doesn't matter. I forgot it, it already doesn't myself. doesn't matter. But you'll have, you'll have Irie. Which I really want to par- like put the Park West thing going on now, which I still it's like Irie West. They're like, you know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. For some reason, I don't think anybody's done the Park West in a long time, if ever. But anyway, Thunderheart is in this issue. She's getting shit done because, you know, Wally's busy, Barry's busy. So she's taking it upon herself. She's pretty much doing more than she should because she's a kid who should be at home doing homework or in bed. But she is teaming up with Jesse Quick. For some reason, we're continuing to call her Liberty Bell from the One Minute War, even though she's dressed like Jesse Quick. I don't know why we're going that. But the stuff we're doing with Irie. It's really it cool in this matter. book. It just no, no. It does matter because no, the I'm characters. No, I'm saying Liberty becoming, Bell. It doesn't matter what they call her. It means nothing. It's stupid to call her Liberty Bell. We're fucking Nobody sporting cares. a goddamn flash symbol. Yeah, I know the stuff with that. I think that is the standout moments of the book. It's just too bad that the Flash book is you know taken down a notch in my mind. Whenever the Flash is there. Well, it's even when you have the Irie and Jesse stuff. It's still convoluted as shit. But uh, just as a point, when we said about. The Wally, and when I'm reading this, there was the one point when I realized, like, who the fuck is this guy who seems to be impersonating Wally when he's in? And you're saying that he's like drugged out almost, that he's all fucking wacky. Seems when, like he's in, when he's in the gallery of moments, and he's like, ah, oh, super speeding kids dying on my beat, condescending gods, rogues sprouting new toys like mold on a corpse. Who the fuck is that? That Classic is not Wally. Wally. That'd be like, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And then he says, Linda. 
eyes full of love, but shattered with doubt. Jay, suffocating in big feelings. Irie, too brave and bold to stop and listen and learn. And Max, lost in a world I can't seem to. Like, this is not Wally. It's not Wally. And so when he's going no through this. Impulse. And he's, yeah, he's grabbing word bubbles. Then you have this entity that's saying, even the idea of like, hey, what is this place? What's bigger than space and time? Concept. I'm like, get the fuck. I want to enjoy this book. And this is not what ends up happening. And I said, one of the things I think that you should have, and you do have with Jesse and Irie, is a fast pace. This was the flash. And now you're playing the idea where, Oh, Wally wants to calm down. He wants to be in the serene place, but almost the idea like he just wants to be on heroin and forget about everything because that's what it kind of plays out. And he has to kind of be reminded who his daughter is. And it's just it it doesn't work for me. It's not working overall. It just doesn't feel like Wally. And even when you mention Barry, it's like, oh, Barry, he's not himself right now. But the stuff at least Irie and Jesse are doing things. You do end up really, I think, OPing Irie, but we love her. So it's fine, but the idea where Wally surpassed Barry, I like the idea of the next generation surpassing the last because the stuff that Ivy's doing at her age is stuff that like Jesse's astonished by. I'm like, it's yeah. just like she's too quick. I thought I, stuff. I don't know. They're, they're aging the kids up a bit now. She's you know, like, yeah, has I don't this really like that either. Connection to the Speed Force, I want to see that explored more and see what else she can do. Yeah, the weird play is like at this point, Cyspiria is kind of playing the idea that the Speed Force is all fucked up, and then you get this, but. Even the play where, you know, she sees Wally. Irie comes downstairs, sees Wally's just sitting there. He's not moving. And then he just disappears. And she looks at, you know, everything on the table. And it's like, oh, Chad, there. And it's like she's now. Was he now, called the Indigo Streak or the Indigo Board? Do you remember? I, I don't remember. I think, I think streak, we even said I'm not that. Sure. But it's like, here it is. Oh, Chad, I'm going to go off to that place that seemed to have. Where then she meets up with Liberty Bell, Jesse, and says, oh, Barry was here, and he sent something wrong, some speed force deal, but he didn't have time to deal with that. And I'm like, that felt weird. And then it's just so they can go, and what it is is that that Chad seemed to have some sort of drug that was able to be injected from to the get powers. The, the speed force. And again, you're trying to fancy up something that we have seen a lot. We've seen this uh, many a time, even people saying that, and I can't verify, but somehow somebody said that Seisberger kind of said that this is more of like the Velocity 9 that we had before, maybe the Speed Juice. And even after that, that, we had the Icarus. And we had Speed Juice and that Earth 2 JLA by Grant Morrison and stuff like that. And it seems that Spurrier loves to kind of grip horse things up so maybe but it's just another drug that seems to be able but when you get there i just think there's a lot of yakety yak it's okay you get a connection between the characters but once you get this girl and she's oh chad oh chad oh my baby i at first i thought it was his mom <laughs> like, oh my god my baby but it seems to be a girlfriend but when yes. she ends up even the art and i don't love the art at points either i thought that she was pulling something out with pliers and then I'm like, okay, no, it's that she's injecting, but it's not played out really well. And I wish that it was more explained. It's a weird injector. I'll give you that. You know what I mean? I, I thought that she might have had some crazy things, but it looks like Forceps. she's injected this deal in. She gets the speed drug force to give her access to the speed force, and that's another thing about the speed force too in this issue because we're dealing with all the wonky speed force. Irie has like more powers than we've ever seen before. Jesse Quick is being a part of the story, but she never once utters the Speed Force formula. And I'm like, look, you might think it's stupid. You might think it's wonky, just even the idea of it. 
but she should be say it at least once. Yeah, actually, that would be a cool thing to kind of remind you of. That's what the deal is. But again, when you have her dressed as Jesse Quick, but then she's at Liberty, it doesn't really make much sense either. And I think that they're just there. And I think that you have Jesse there just to be that other speedster to tell Irie how great she is. I really do yes. think that. I think that the real focus is Everybody obviously else is busy on Irie. Besides for Bart. Yeah, and, and this seems like I, I know that what he's playing in Sysburger has played up the idea that nobody wants to tell anybody, like, oh, you're having those headaches, Barry. Well, oh, he's, he's busy. He hasn't called me. That felt off, too. It just feels like we still have the Flash family, but they really feel like they're, they're not a bit really broken. It is. And, but Irie's pretty cool, and they're chasing this girl. She's just running through cars, things like that. We never really get what. Or why she's doing this She seems to be inspired because Chad died Or looking for him, I don't know but Chad also wanted to take this drug to be a hero Yeah, but she's doing it Just to do it and say Oh baby, I miss you But then you have like, hey, we're the Finn Flash Force I'm like, okay I don't know that she's trying to be a hero like him though She just ran through a car Look, Speed Force is tricky <laughs> Yeah, and, and then you have her come at Irie with a knife. She's all doped up on the Icarus she juice. She is doped up on whatever. It's what? Juice 9 or juice 10. I'm, I'm calling a velocity 10 at this she point. Ends up, like, she ends up going at 10.5. She ends up going, yeah, I'm going to get you. Leave me alone. I'm going to stab you, bitch. And then you have Irie be able to. And again, I think the art could be better here. I know people like the art in this more than I do, but. No, I agree. The art could be better. The little bit of panel, like he's so into these, even when you don't need them. I mean, there's parts where you just have a standard page and he's going to fucking panel it up. Oh, no, I agree. The panel layout seems to be his priority one before the actual art of the book. Like, I need to have a panel style laid out before even caring about what the book's going to look like. The big thing here, it's huge that Irie is able to phase so she doesn't get stabbed. She pickpockets the... Turns solid, like, a part of her to grab a hold of the freaking injector that she used while, like, unfazing at the same time. It's something that, like, it's something really quick that you would just imagine a Flash would be able to do, but it's to the point where Jesse's, like, astonished by how quick this kid's able to do this. And... What I would have liked to have got, if that's that important, because it is, that's Irie kicking ass. It deserves more than one kind of small panel and two real thin panels. You could have done a better job of showing exactly what was happening. Because I actually, when she said, oh, my God, that was so important, I did go back then. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see it. Because some of this just gets muddy. And also the fact that the the girl that she was pickpocketing was also a speedster. So the speed counter that you'd have to do that at is, like, even more impressive than normally. Yeah. And, like, that was, and then I was just fascinating. No, no, I, I was going to say incredible. No, no, I'm saying this is fascinating. But this whole deal, this is where, and, Again, I think things get lost in this whole jumble of shit. This is what Barry would have you know, been able to sense. Oh, there's some weird speed. Yeah. But but if you're Barry Allen and you're there on a crime scene and you really sense, oh, my God, there's some fucked up shit going here. Speed Force, you're going to look into that. Barry, you can't tell me that he's busy at work. The guy goes two days a year. Like he then says, oh, hey, Liberty Bell, you go over and check it out. And then Irie happens to be there, luckily. Uh, it just felt weird. It felt forced a bit. But, but on top of the idea of how cool Irie is with the ability to phase that she has, she's also able to take this drug, which again, I'm going to call Velocity 10, and sense the Speed Force connection around it and figure out where it's made. So that's even more how connected to the Speed Force she is right now. It almost feels to me like these are just, she's now the MacGuffin uh, of doing these things. Because yeah, she ends up pretty much every bit of mystery in this. It's just solved because she can. But even then- 
Thunderheart's doing it. When you go back, and we love her. I'm, I don't want to diss her, but it's just like, hey, what else can she do? I mean, do we have any other questions of the universe? Just ask her because she'll know it. But in that meantime, Wally is forgetting who she is in the whole gallery of moments. And like I said, you have things of like, this is beyond time and space. Ooh, what's what's bigger than time and space? Concept. Like, all right. Then at points, he's like, what are these statues? Oh, statues? They're doorways. And it's just done in almost like a hocus-pocus way where I want to I play along. And then he just then you realize, oh, shit, he could just touch a statue and go to that person. Makes sense, I guess, in what they were saying. But why, why muddy it's it up? It's just a shame that he didn't touch there sooner, though, because – at this place where they're manufacturing this new, like, you know, Speed Force drug, we have a souped-up mirror master there who's about to go and disappear through a mirror while taking all the lab equipment with him, only leaving a shard behind, which it seems that Iri's going to keep with her to find out, like, you know, how to access this in the future. And he's very distant with things because, again, he's more concerned with this gallery of moments. So he says when he's like, what'd you say? I am kind of occupied because he's thinking back. You know, at this whole deal. But again, it's just, I wish that he, I, I see what he's trying to do. He's trying to get real fancy. He's trying to get, you know, kind of philosophical slash wacky in this whole gallery of moments. But I think it's, I think it's a book killer. It, it ends up not doing anything for me. Irie has a shard of glass that she's keeping to herself because even she realizes that Uncle Barry's fucking weird right now. Dad's been acting weird. I guess I have to deal with this myself because the heroes that I look up to and expect to take care of this, they're not doing shit right now. Yeah, so I, I don't mind Irie being the scent, but what's Jay doing? Is he down in that fucking boiler room? He's there dancing around? Goodness. You should be very concerned about that, but whenever you bring it up, it's going to go some fucked up place that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, you know, stuck in the middle with you's plan. He's dancing around. With him. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on down there. There's a gimp in the corner. I don't know. We still have to find out who that fucking guy was. He was, you know, going around. They kind of allude to it. And some of the solicits, it seems wacky. But if you if you dial the wackiness back and just tell a story, you don't. Again, I think that Seisberger thinks that he has to be smart about well, this. Well, the thing is, he wants to ram via this shit up where he's yeah. making the main character, the title Morrison. character of the book. Nothing like the idea of a Ramvee's taking Detective Comics Batman and said, "Well, Batman's not really a part of this. Anything he can, he's supposed to do, he's not able to do." Same with Wally at this point. Yeah, again, I, I think that people are like, "How dare you say that Cy Spurrier's been doing comics for fifteen more years than Ramvee's Ramveeing it? Maybe they're the opposite, but they're both doing bullshit." I'm just talking about what started currently in the DC Comics right now. I think that he wants to look smart, but I think there's a smartness. To telling a straightforward great story. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say that Jeremy Adams' Flash was the most philosophical, intelligent book ever. Nope. Uh, or even, I'll even go with something we like even more, the Jay Garrick, you know, Flash book. It's, I'm not, I'm never going to say it's a mind bender. I'm not going to tell you nope. that it's the smartest thing, but it's good. But it's a story I want to read. That's for damn sure. Yeah, and it's a story that when I'm done, like, it's tough to explain what this book is to somebody if you want them to get involved. We try every month. We struggle every month. I would never tell anybody to read this book because I don't need them coming back at me of like, what the hell uh -uh. did I just read? Because I don't know. It's something that maybe you have to discover on, on yourself. It's just weird. Like I said, I wish that these writers like a Seisberger would realize the intelligence Simon. of telling a really, really good story that a lot of people could like. That, to me, is a tune I could dance to. I mean, it has a snappy well, beat, that we one. Can. 
Yeah, we don't have a soul. That's nope. the problem. We're AI, and I mean Alan Iverson, but he probably can't. We're Caucasian. Yes. Uh, what would you give this? I would give this a 5 out of 10. I would, if Without the Irie parts, it would definitely be a fuck you 5 or lower, but I really do think that the Irie parts of this book do shine further than anything that's currently going on in the Flash right now because I just – it's just so out there and like it doesn't want to tell you what the book is. It just wants to deal with concepts and things that like it that I don't even know that Simon Spurrier can actually understand what's going on here. But when you have a straightforward story about, you know, Jesse Quick and Thunderheart getting down to like with this drug on the streets is giving people super speed. Yeah, like you said, that's a tune that I can dance to, especially that since you're elevating the character that I really do care about. Yeah. So you say without Irie. what i'm saying <laughs> but i'm i'm with you uh the irie stuff it's the best stuff we've had it still doesn't make the book great though because nope. it's still wally it's still that nonsense i'm telling you i'm i'm even going through and i was gonna mention a couple other things oh, that are right said. Now. just give me a thunderheart book yeah but not but by size spurrier because then that would no. be the main character <laughs> and then next we'd have jay and irie would be doing Look, wacky shit cancel this I'm, book right now with the, like just pick up the loose threads of side wrote for irie have somebody else come on have a thunderheart book and we can follow from there while you don't have to do shit he can hang out his fucking garden of statues get all high and dopey you mean when he says things like rogue sprouting new toys like mold on a corpse Oh, man, Wally, you did it. I'm just, even when he's like... Look, Thunderheart will take care of it, Daddy. Sit back. You've heard him right. Yeah, well, she did. He's checked out. He's checked out. He ends up being... There's kind of a, I think, a metaphor going on with that as well. But, you know, I don't like to... That hits too close to home. (laughs) Not paying (laughs) attention to your kids. I'm a five as well. Just a regular five, though. Because, again, the Irish stuff actually was the best stuff. And maybe just... You got... First off, get the fuck out of this gallery of moments. It's a gallery of bullshit is what it is. It's a gallery of me having a migraine. Look, all these different vibrational sideways realities that we saw, they're all kind of bullshit. It's like, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, there you are in the gallery of moments. What happened to the spiky ass guy or those other alien shit of the stillness? Like, where the fuck are they? Doing stillness shit. They're a bit higher up in the sideways fucking reality. They're doing shit. Well, I guess he phased down Horizontal below. reality. He's down below. Oh, my. Where's the, reality. Is the there upside down man anywhere there? You get a sweatpants Hopefully on? Hopefully not. I wouldn't like to see him. I There was something that brought him up again. Like, he might be coming back in a, in a way. I don't need that. I imagine he'll be hanging out with the Batwoman who laughs and freaking the new candle maker in the bleed. What happened if he's there like all of a sudden it's in just detective that he's hanging out with Flamingo and Dr. Hurt or some bullshit? You say that. I have to expect him when you know, the Ten-Eyed Man's just hanging out on a gargoyle. The Ten-Eyed Man's just hanging upside down on that gargoyle standing there. Nah, why not? Why not, Eric? Let's do it. But that's the end of this. Oh, God, I bit my tongue. That hurt like hell. Oh, we're going to go off now. We have three more books to go. We're going to go to those. I'm going to go. I need a Band-Aid. Can you put a Band-Aid on your no, tongue, Eric? what's wrong with you? I already taste the blood. man. I already taste the blood. Oh, my God. What am I doing? I don't know what's happening, Eric. It's so, I, I'm I know so, what's I happening. Blame, I blame Simon Spurrier. That's all I blame. Is that okay? Take that, Simon Spurrier. Sure. Simon Spurrier. But we're going to go off. We have three more books to finish up the show. Well, he stares into the mirror, moosing up his hair. Blows kisses to himself, and he really thinks that tear is tear. Well, that's just every shake. Looking for a star screen, or maybe a hot cap. Spends all his money buying all that crap. 
Well, that's just every And here we are for the last section of books, and we have three books, all Eric Shea books, and I'm hoping that Eric Shea can shed some light, maybe a green's light, or maybe a red's light on these books. We'll see. At some point, we will be getting some red light, or red light district, right, Eric? You know what I'm saying? Hey! (laughs) Oh, my. Sex. We we are recording at a different time than we ever have at a, I, I tell you, it always, I don't know. It Everything doesn't seem to you throw off. you up, but it, it throws me off. I see sunlight outside. My heart is warm. What are you doing in the summertime? My intent is pure. I, I sit in a dark room writing poetry. Darkness, my only friend. That's when it all starts. The oldest there. goth in the world. Uh, yes, yes. Old goth me. Uh, yes. Speaking of which, we're going to be starting with the Justice Society of America. And I do like Ruby. Looks like she's kind of a little goth-esque Red Lantern. Red Lanterns kind of tend to go that gothy way, so I like it. And I, I like that cover. Uh, not enough. The Hot Topics Lantern. Not enough piercings. And maybe her wallet doesn't have a chain on it. But we could, we could rectify that later, right? We'll, we'll do She's that gotta later. She's got to go to the store. She's trying to find Daddy. After she finds Daddy, on her way to Hot Topics to get one of those wallet chains. That is true. Maybe we could stop at the Hot Topics, get her all blinged up. That'd be awesome. But we will start with that book, Eric. Give us the credits and we'll get into it. Justice Society of America, number eight, written by Jeff Johns with Arthur Mikkel Janine, Jordi Belair, and Rob Lee. And in this one, we get introduced or reintroduced to the Red Lantern of this era because as we saw in the first issue, Red Lantern, Ruby Sokoff, she was a member of the JSA 20 years from now when Huntress and Power Girl are running things. And as we saw from the previous issue, Huntress, now that she's in our present day and doesn't have a future to look forward to, she's like, look, everybody, all my team, we got to gather them up. I know they're pieces of shit. They're villains right now, but we got to give them a chance 20 years earlier because I think this might be able to work. You know, timing's everything in my mind. And I don't know if it's going to work because after Salem went and set Solomon Grundy on fire in the previous issue, everybody's a little like, you know, maybe we shouldn't be doing this because if things got crazy last time, I don't know. But right now it's like, hey, that Ruby Sokoff, she's on our radar now, the daughter of the Red Lantern, Alan Scott's old enemy. She's out in there and I know we need to bring her in. And Alan's like, the hell we do. We are not doing any of this Red Lantern bullshit because he was an arch enemy of mine. I know he's dead and her looking for this shit. She's a murderer. We need to lock her ass up, not invite her to a team. And they're like, no, we do. And and the thing, it looks great, first off. It oh, looks so really good. good. And this issue wasn't as delayed as some of the others, but you're still dealing with that delay overall and that feeling because it really it feels big. In my mind, the art and the story, though not a ton happens here. You're just kind of, like you said, reintroducing to Ruby the Red Lantern. But the idea of Alan Scott being upset about it with Huntress is trying to, in my mind, maybe she thinks if she can assemble the team, things will work out better for her. And maybe she well, can get the thing. her timeline she back. Believes- that her timeline, like she can't go back to, she's here for a reason, and the reason is to make sure that her team doesn't die in the future from Predagaton. If she can change things now, 20 years before that ever happened, maybe things will work out for them and she won't let them down in the end. Are you with me that somebody should just go to her and say, listen, uh, maybe not put them on a team with you. That, that might save their lives. I mean, it's just maybe. me, but I do like when she says, well, she was on my team. And, and they're like, listen, that's what you said about Solomon Grundy. That didn't go well. And when I'm they just end up- saying the idea, she right now, 
is in the past, right? She's already changed the future of ways by if we don't introduce them to the team, she's not around. I'm guessing a Helena Wayne still might be born and like, you know, end up doing everything she's supposed to be doing. I don't think it's going to work because the future's gone now because Batman knows everything that's going to happen. Batman knows. So that's like, the big problem. I, yeah. I feel like we could, we've already changed things. Maybe just let him be. Obviously, one of these people to be good people. I say let him villains. be. But uh, you don't want them to be going around killing people. So if we could change the world, we could save some lives and some souls. And there always is a line that always gets me that makes me kind of giggle. And I love the idea when they're like, listen, Solomon Grundy, that that done messed up. We, you, you were wrong. And she's like, well, I don't know about that. They're like, oh, my God, you're going to go back on Monday, aren't you? And it made me giggle so much. Yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. she's like, yeah, I am. And, oh, no, no, we're not. She's like, I didn't ask you guys to go with me. But that might be more be dangerous. Team but either, we'll see. Yeah, but in the beginning, we do see. Ruby going and legitimately kills some people, it seems, and be very mad that she thinks her father is alive and trying to find out where the Russian red lads are, where she believes her father to be captured, which is such a weird idea because the one thing that happens in this book that nobody ever comments on is that you have Ruby Sokoff, who seems like she may be, you know, mid 20s at tops in my mind. Let's say she's 25 years old. And Alice Scott's like, look, her father can't be alive because I watched him die in 48 and like this math ain't mathin'. No, I know. And and that's what she should say. In my mind, you're right, because you end up where she's like, well, I'm I'm not 70. <laughs> like, what's going on here? And like, maybe uh, there is something to this. Or maybe like, it's weird, because Alan doesn't go with that play of you are not the Crimson Flame's daughter. Like, that right. would be the different thing. You're just confused. You have the Crimson Flame. I see you have the power. Maybe this has corrupted your mind thinking. That you're almost like we have with the Sinister Sons, with Sinestro's son that we don't think is real. But you end up like, he's going right with the idea. Okay, I understand. You are the daughter of the Crimson. It doesn't make sense time-wise. Yeah. So, Or is it a simple case where it is there? Like the idea that the Starheart actually keeps, you know, Alan Young this whole time. That's why he doesn't look ancient as shit. We can say the same like thing about the Crimson Flame. Up. And maybe even the idea where Jenny Lynn, she had the Starheart powers passed into her through birth, or it gave her, given her powers such like. So I'm guessing that, you know, Ruby Sokoff has the same thing. Is the idea through this power of the Crimson Flame and the Starheart that they are, you know, older than they should be by the look? But the way, the way that Ruby acts, though, she still acts like she's 25 years old in my mind at Tufts. And the funny thing when you do start playing that, oh, they don't age, it happens with the super family and things like that. It's and the Flash you, family. And the Flash family. It's where you then decide where that stops. You know what I mean? Like, well, Superman looks like he's this, but why then is Connor always a Connor's a different story, obviously. But when you go through, like, why would she still only look this, but we're just gonna go with it? And he, Alan, seems to pretty much know that it is. Alan thinks that, you know, Red Lantern died in 48, right? Mm -hmm. I would have yeah. to think that he did not die. He then has some procreated and had Ruby here. And even if she is older than she appears, because it's a lot of time to try to make up for her how young she looks. She's, we were told in this issue that she was grabbed by the Red Labs and did experiments on her. And we have no idea how long she was in there. So her coming out and doing people stuff, that's why she might act the way she does, because it's the first time that she's been around and be able to, like, adapt, you know, mentally and, like, socially. Yeah, I, di I didn't really question the way she acted. I'm like, okay, it's fine. And also the Crimson Flame, who knows the play, but she is pissed. She thinks her father is detained, uh, that she can go get him. And she's pissed at what they did to her. So she has a lot of reasons to be pissed off. The problem, though, is, like Alan says, she's a murderer. She's yeah. murdered a lot of people. And 
you end up where Huntress is trying to kind of push that aside of like, you know, I, I was waiting for the, yeah, well, so did Damian Wayne, and so <laughs> did Cass, and we always go with that, but you end up where she's like, well, don't you think people should get second chances? I think Alan at one point should say, we're talking 30 second chances. He even says when he does find her, like, I know the people that you killed, but I bet if I looked into it just slightly, there's probably more of a trail of bodies as well. well let's just say to ourselves, for JSA's sake, they were all bad people and they had it coming. <laughs> she says that. And I do like as you're going in between, you see her you're killing you know, Russians and soldiers and looks great. I mean, some of this art is really cool. And she is just a cold ass bee as she goes through and it's pinging off things. Her attacks. Oh, she's, just, she's just, she's walking. making a bullet flame construct that she's just, you know, shooting around like Yondu in the guardians of the galaxy. That's movie, what it reminded me of. Yeah. And it's funny, like at a point she will end up like, Hey, this is the bullet and I'm the gun. But then at point she's just walking bang, bang, through baby. a hallway and it's just <laughs> going nuts and killing everybody. And it's really badass. Uh, but when you do that, and again, you have Alan who's going to go look into this. And it's a really cool way to show this as you have a lot of red, obviously, because of Ruby. She goes into what looks like an elevator, kind of gets out. And then all of a sudden you get that green hue that is yeah. really, really cool. And there's Alan. Oh, the color's just says, popping this. Oh, it's great. And especially we read digitally and I read on my tablet. It was really, really good. And so you even have that back and forth between the reds and the greens as they go because alan says christmas you're done yeah that's right like you're done now this it's as far as this goes and they do end up he attacks her he ends up hitting her but then he starts to talk and the only thing about the play like you said like does alan think this or that to me maybe at a point he kind of recognizes, oh, you do look like him a bit, but it, it goes you know, quick because with her she being attacks. all red like Jenny Lynn's all green, you know, it's kind of crazy. She ends up attacking so quick, but he she says, You're lying. He says, I know what you think, but your father isn't being held. He's dead. I know See, he's dead. See, the weirdest dead. part about Jenny uh, Ruby Sokoff as well is the idea where Jenny Lynn inherited the powers, Jade, and she is just green and can like harness all the powers like a Green Lantern can, but like just through her, like almost like you know John Stewart does now without a ring until now he has a ring. But Ruby Sokoff, she has a ring, and I don't understand why. Yeah, it's just I, I don't know. We'll have to see. Maybe it'll be you know discussed. But she ends up attacking with a construct. Of the, you know, the Crimson Flame Vladimir, he says here And it's kind of a, a cool way They're not spoiling things for the next issue The way that it well, plays it's out so here It's so weird too, the idea Because we have the Red Lantern being introduced In Alan Scott, the Green Lantern series Where we're just figuring out this week who he is But like, we don't know too much about it But we also know, and then I watch him die Like, do, do we already know the ending to Like, you know, the Alan Scott, the Green Lantern Because even that seems weird Because it can't be because that would be, be doing everything Red Lantern because he doesn't die till 48 and still like, what, 41 in Alan Scott, the Green Lantern. So we have a lot of time for adventure. So I, I guess I guess we're not really spoiling anything here except for the maybe ending to Red Lantern who we don't fully know yet. But again, say, and this was going to be coming out. It should have come out a while ago. And I like he just says, Vladimir, we'll discuss what that means if you haven't read Alan Scott, Green Lantern in the next issue that we're going to review Johnny? on this. But yeah, so... I like that it doesn't spoil that. It's just, it actually, if we read this back when it should have come out originally, it might have made the twist that we get this week in Alan Scott even bigger because we would have been so. like, oh my God, it has to be. Like, we would have thought that, that's the funny thing. We would have thought that this spoiled something that it 
didn't. It's kind of a neat play, but it's still weird though the idea where we have what we like you know Alan Scott the Green Lantern with the reveal, and I'm getting what I want the idea of like the Red Scare with the Soviet Red Lantern against the American Green Lantern, but it still feels so early on for the Soviets to be against America or just have an agent like that in 1941. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're going to be allies for quite some years, a couple of years before you get into the, yeah, you're fighting in the war and stuff like that. But everybody had their own reasons for things. But yeah, you end up with this going on. And again, Alan ends up fighting off this construct and then says, I'm telling you, your father's dead. Your father is dead. And then you go and there's, there's a funny thing that when you go off then, and you have Helena keeps talking about things like, well, we got to recruit this person and that person. She still hasn't acclimated herself to the timeline and who might be of what age. Because she's like, oh, we need, hey, we, we need to get, get the Kyle list. You know, it's Kyle Knight. He is five years old. Freaking, his father has retired. You cannot recruit Kyle Knight at this point in time. And it is funny, though, because they bring up the idea of the Harley Quinn, who this entire time I've been calling, like they say, the son of the original Harley Quinn, Molly Maine. And Alan Scott was married to Molly Maine for a good while after Rose Canton, after Jade and like uh, Todd were born. But like, I really want somebody to bring up the idea this could be Alan Scott's son as well. I don't think we're actually going to go that route, but I was excited when he was first introduced in JLA, uh, JSA number one. Like, holy shit, is this going to be another kid of Alan Scott that he didn't know about this whole time? And it doesn't seem like it's going to go that route, though. I mean, so many people are thinking that what's happened in the Alan Scott Green Lantern book, for some reason, they're thinking it's going to erase the kids, but they're already introduced in this timeline, so they don't. And it's already been even where Alan went to them. It's just the idea. People get upset without reading a lot of the books. So with that, though, if you ended up adding another, (laughs) he's so funny. It's like, not only is he not going to lose, you know, Obsidian Jade, he's actually going to get a Harlequin son as well. But I like where, yeah, I don't think you would. Maybe. But even if we did, I just think it's kind of a funny deal. But what I really think is funny. And I like Huntress in this. She's trying to adjust. She's trying to do what she thinks she needs to She's do. She's a little when- too overbearing in my mind for the JSA just to let her rough, run roughshod through the freaking headquarters and say, this is how we're going to do shit because I, I'm the JSA. The way that she ends up, she's like, we got to get Kyle Knight. So that's when Stargirl's like, Kyle Knight, he's five years old. This seems like the way that Jeff Johns writes this, it seems like this sort of thing keeps popping up. So she gets angry. She's like, Whatever, then we'll get Gentleman Ghost then. Like, she's all upset, like, yeah, whatever, we'll get that. And then they just start talking a little bit about Gentleman Ghost, if you can kill a ghost and whatnot. And that's where she says, I haven't given up on Grundy yet. I just imagine, like, you know, even the idea of Gentleman Ghost, it might be it might be a play later on, let's say 20 years down the line, where Gentleman Ghost can become reformed and be a part of the future JSA. He is a gentleman. But right now, we still have a lot of members on this team that he fucking hates from the past because he was the arch nemesis of the JSA. So I don't oh, yeah. think we're going to get Gentleman Ghost right now. It is funny because, again, we're playing that idea that maybe later they, they redeem themselves. But yeah. in this point, they're not going to be down. But like Solomon Grundy, it, it might it might be impossible to convince them of this. But doing that might put that little seed that helps later. But still, what Helena says, I, I have to do. I think I'm stuck in this time period because of this. I got to make sure they're all OK. Alice is like an only leap if I save their lives. Exactly. So even if not, you can get a crazy team again. I, I actually ran into a couple of people this week that said that they didn't like that future JSA. I'm like, really? Because it's just so wacky that it's we kind like, of like cool. that old deal. Yeah. Uh, but then they're just going, they're like have a Rolodex out. And they're like, okay, who's next? Who else can we get? Well, what about Michael Bain, son of the original the Harlequin. Harlequin? 
he's on your list. I like she has a list. Uh, and they're like, okay, and they're going to try to maybe figure that out as well, which is interesting. And like you said, you brought up some more interesting things about the play between Alan Scott. And everything seems to be based on driving Alan Scott nuts, it seems, at this point. Like Seriously. He, he ends up so upset. But here's another kid, and here's the daughter of your arch nemesis who also might still be alive. Yeah. And so you you take a weird twist here because then we go back to – and Alan Scott says, come on, have a drink with me. And they go to have a drink, and he wants to discuss things. This all, again, because of this week, this all makes a little more sense when you get through this and then you read the Alan Scott Green Lantern, even to the point where he's being a little nicer. He's talking about the idea of uh, we're going to have to take you in. She says, but then it, it almost plays out if you're you know, not aware of this, if you know Black Widow even or anything like that. They're going to take me back to you know the red lab essentially the red room essentially in the red room and it's basically that they're going to take me back and he can't let that happen either oh damn it helena okay and he says like listen you know your father's dead and she says i'm only after justice for my father and myself and then alan alan this is again this actually means more because of this week's alan scott green lantern he says your father wouldn't have wanted you to and she's like what the hell do you know about my dad he was your enemy. And then Alan wants to tell her more and then says, he was. And then she says, I sense another lie because there is more to it. And I like that play, even if this was months ago when it was supposed to come out. You're not revealing anything, but you're giving that little deal of like, what was that and all about? It might about? actually play better now because I don't think I would have actually remembered this scene like corresponding with that either. I'm telling exactly. you, I would have too. So it actually, it works out really well the way that this ties into, because again, I mean, I'm beating around the bush. You said it. The Crimson Flame is Johnny Ladd, who was Alan's lover, who ended up getting killed when all this By started. the Crimson so, Flame. Can we just call him Red Lantern and the entity is the Crimson I'd Flame? Like to. I'd that? like to. I'd like to say that. We'll do that. So he's sitting at a table with the daughter of what was his gay lover who ended up getting killed right before him that ended up then becoming the Red Lantern. There's a lot of stuff that Alan has to unpack right now. And I think that it plays out well on the page. And wait till Molly Maine's son shows up. Harley Quinn. And, and, and again, that's also gives you that idea of why he didn't just blast the hell out of her. This is, you know, that's the daughter of one of his. It's, it's crazy for him. And he's trying to figure it out himself while she's trying to figure it out. And yeah, I should say that then just love her. But. You know, he wants to tell her. You can tell he wants to say, listen, me and your dad were a little closer than you think. Yeah, we're, we were enemies then, but that's the play. And maybe it's also where he would like to know, like, how much do you know your dad? Did you ever talk to him? Because we don't know. We don't know how this all went. And I think, uh, you ever mentioned me? You ever talked? Now, she knows enemy. Enemy. So maybe that upsets him. Maybe he's even thinking like, oh, okay, he never really gave her the truth. All right. So. And maybe he wouldn't, the way that it plays out. Or maybe he wasn't around at that and point. Maybe they met, never just, met. He doesn't have newspaper headlines. Red Lantern versus Green Lantern. Yeah, that's all she'd know. Or propaganda from the the red like labs that she was stuck in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and again, if you're going to go full out and try to rile her up in the red labs, you're, you're probably going to have a picture of the Green Lantern like, beating the hell out of their dad. Like, this is what you want to get. So I like it. I, I think that that's really well done. And it actually props up a bit of what we get this week 
in the Alice Scott Green Lantern. It's crazier because once they decide to go back to the JSA, if we don't have enough to worry about at this point in time, Jeff John's like, all right, time to introduce the Golden Age Legionnaire. And I'm like, He's he's following Ruby Sokoff right now. He he's pissed off that Alan got to her before he did. He's talking to somebody in his Legion ring. But we also in the previous issue had Doctor Fate taken by the Legion of Substitute Heroes going on. I'm like, mm-hmm. there's we're at issue number eight. There's so much going on in there's this book. So much. There's so, there's so many cool things that I want to deal with, but I can't say at this point in time the Golden Age Legionnaire is somebody I want to deal with. Do you like when they zip off and you have the red and the green? You know, oh, trails great. looks awesome. But you know what doesn't look great? The Golden Age Legionnaire in his black suit, gold <laughs> belt, and his freaking leather daddy mask. You don't like mask. that guy? Oh, look at him. He's like, hey, everybody. It's me, the Legionnaire. I love He looks awful. Most people would have ended up like, oh, who is that? Like, hey, Dr. Doom, what up? That's I love, I love that he says goodbye, Legionnaire. <laughs> I'm like, you did it. You did it. So with all that, this is what we're saying, too. We're on issue eight. 8 of 12. Jeff Johns is leaving. He is now exclusive to his own ghost machine. We don't even know that this whole JSA stuff will continue. This seems to be setting up some really big stuff that can continue. Nobody knows if it will. I said at one point, maybe a Venditti can take over a main book. Maybe you can jump right. back and forth between Venditti, Jeremy Adams. And if, if this stuff continues, that also allows the Jay Garrett to like, I want this stuff to continue. Well, this is where we're going to get the lost children stuff that I care about. Not even that, but the 13 missing people that the uh, the Time Masters were keeping previously. And so you're talking Legionnaire. We're also going to now introduce Harlequin. So, like, all these things seem really cool. I'm into it. I think it's really well done. But the delays have killed it up until this point. Not killed it, but they've, you know, upset the apple cart a bit. Agreed. But really, when you're reading this and you get another, oh, Legionnaire, it, in the back of your mind, you have to be thinking, is this going to mean anything? Because it might just end in, in four issues. And I don't want to be like at a point, oh my God, this is so awesome. So many cool. Co- oh, it's over. It's not going to be anything. I now. don't need and, his ass shazamming me like he did previously with Jeff Johns yeah. and his other Shazam run where things were just stacked and stacked and all of a sudden it was over. And I'm like, nothing really felt like it was resolved. That's what I'm really afraid of. Now, you, you have that play, and we talk about a lot of how you rate things and how you review things. This is just, I'm rating this issue, but it does give me that thought of, uh, even so, though, in the issue, we're adding too many characters. We really Agreed. are adding too much. And in this issue, a very kind of like, not slightly, it, it's a quick read, because really, we're only, we're dealing with the Red Lantern, we're dealing with yeah. Ruby, but I really like, cool as hell. I really me like too. what we got so much. We have so many with other things art. to deal with. I know. It's it's really good. It just makes me kind of sad that it, it might not end up meaning anything, but I hope it does. I hope that people still end up with the delays or whatnot, still end up supporting the book because it's, it's a really good book. Because are we going to continue on for the next bunch of issues where we have to investigate whether or not the Red Lantern's dead? Or are we doing stuff with, you know, Helena Wayne where she needs to recruit all of these other heroes as well on top of what the Legion's doing, but like the Legion of Substitute Heroes and the Legionnaire? Because you think that by the end of this maxi, you would have investigated everybody that was on the team with Helena yep. and try to figure out what that means. We're, we don't have a lot of time left. It, we really don't, especially like this issue. Like I love it. I really like it. It, it, it didn't really do much. We got the Red Lantern, but it didn't even resolve that. So now we have to do all these. It's it's going to be tough. But uh, what would you give this? Ultimately, I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. I think this is a really fun issue with great art throughout. And it just, I'm telling you, the only problem I really have is I'm worried that we're doing too much too soon. I can't even say too soon. Just too much maybe at the 11th hour because 
we have stuff going on that I want to see, and I'm just afraid that we're not going to see it. That's my boost. And also, um, Helena Wayne, she gets way too much power in the JSA <laughs> just because she's from the future and the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. It's like, the we daughter of Batman, I think, is what really plays out. We haven't even really, in my mind, settled that too much. It's just like, she said it was, somebody said she's right, and we don't deal with that anymore. She's now running shit. And I actually, this week, I was talking to a couple of people on Twitter. And they were talking about the idea of, man, it sucks that Helena hasn't gone. And We had that play. Remember what? I don't know that, you know, my mom would really want to see me. She's busy. That was Gotham War and crazy stuff. But I think that if you do have Helena go and what happens then at issue 12, if it doesn't continue, then you're kind of left like, well, how do we deal with this? So maybe it's good at this point. I do want her to be part of the Bat family, though, even though we would have two Huntresses at a point. Once, Once it ends up. You know, if we get Vin, whoever it would be, if it does keep going, then I think, okay, we, we're in for the long haul. Let's introduce things. And most people want to see, again, the Damien and Helena meeting up. It was the best issue of the world's finest Huntress Power Girl, but that was a different Huntress. It was a different Huntress. Huntress but it was, but it was still great. Was, it was that great thing, and it would be great again. I know that it would be great they again because it's such a, yeah, it's such a crazy. <laughs> they fought the Wolfman. The Wolfman. <laughs> so. I, I I hope that that does happen. I hope that then there's the people I'm telling you, this ended up being this huge discussion slash argument because then the Helena Bertinelli fans go, what? We don't even get enough of our hunter. And everybody started yelling, but maybe you team up with them. You have the huntresses. Book. During this whole thing, did you just bring it to them? Does she still have that psychic rage that she can test you because of the mouth monster in Detective Comics? Did you just bring that up out of nowhere to derail the whole thing? I actually brought up the tower story because somebody uh-huh. was saying they're huge and they have the hell. Obviously, they're big fans. They have a Helena Bertinelli banner on their Twitter account. But we haven't had Helen in a book in three years. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. That's what drives me nuts. Sometimes. I, it drives me nuts. But I'm a, I'm an eight eight for this. I have to get my score. By the, but that's what happens when you end up there. Like, I read everything. But, but, and then you end up like, well, they were in the book last week. Oh, I haven't read any DC in five years. Oh, uh-huh, cool. yeah. All right, cool. so what, why are you here? When you complain, you complain. And it wasn't really. It was. It was actually a nice discussion. It wasn't. It was more of people just saying, "Hey, I it want, was nice. I want Helena Wayne." <laughs> it, it did get a little testy when the other, testy. <laughs> the other hundred <laughs> testies. Eric, speaking of testies, let's go to the next book. <laughs> what are we talking about next? Alan Scott, The Green Lantern, number three, written by Tim Sheridan with art by Cian Torme, Matt Herms, Chris Sotomayor, and Lucas Catoni. And in this issue, we continue Alan Scott's investigation into who is killing off the people and making it look like something from his past. Because in this issue, when he's trying to, you know, get a little hookup, he realized that a guy that he really enjoys sharing time with has gone missing. And not only missing, but he's turned up dead. And he's wearing boots that were like from the army, even though he never served. So it's just pointing things towards what was going on. Stolen also, like, valor. The, also the idea where we had the guy from the bank who was drowned. So it's all pointing back to the same thing because this guy was drowned as well. So it's like, oh, my God, Alan Scott, somebody is targeting you and they're making it personal. Yeah. And spending time with, you know, we're not going to get full into some things, but it's Alan's hooking up with some guys. They have to do it on the sly because of the time. And these guys are turning up dead. And Alan doesn't understand that. And that's where the personal thing. And by the end of this issue, he starts to put some pieces together that he doesn't really want to put together. So when you go now. Am I wrong saying that it, this book, if you haven't been reading the first couple issues because of this, that, or the other thing, I don't think there's ever going to be a jumping on point for people who are just going to hate it because they think it's a retcon 
and they're not down with the retcon. Oh, if, if, if they don't want Alan Scott to be gay, they're not going to enjoy yeah, this Yeah, they're book. not going to enjoy this or, or read it. And if you come into this, and, and really, if that's your, your gripe about the book, you might not want to read it then. Because it's no. going to center a lot on that. It's really going to do, and in my mind, and me and you were talking beforehand, and it's more of a story about uh, a guy. Yeah, he happens to be a superhero. It's more about a guy who has to hide his sexual identity in the times, and it's catching up to him. And it plays off the secret identity of, you know, superheroes with the secret identity of a closeted gay man. So you're having all those stunt things done. The only thing that I have personally is that I just need more Green I said from the beginning, I don't know a ton about Alan Scott Green Lantern, and I don't think that's the book that Tim Sheridan wants to write. And that's the problem. If, if you don't know the Golden Age Green Lantern and even the idea, you can be introduced to this, but so far what Tim Sheridan's doing, he's using aspects of that original story and concepts of the character but changing things, so I don't even know by the end with what he's currently doing, if anything will have any meaning to what they did before with the idea of the prophecy where the star heart came down and it'll first bring death and then it'll bring life and then with Alan, it'll bring power. Because even at the point where it brings life, it seems like it gave power at the same time during the train crash that Alan was in. So it, gave, it saved his life, but also gave him the power of the Green Lantern because they wanted to skip over the guy in Arkham Asylum completely just to lobotomize the mass and have a gruesome goddamn scene for no reason whatsoever. Who on the opposite end, you're introducing the Crimson Flame, the idea of the opposing force of the Starheart, who will become the Red Lantern. Johnny Ladd, who was, you know, the lover of Alan Scott in the, the, I want to say Navy, but I don't know if they're in the Navy, but they were on a boat doing like experimental stuff, trying to harness this power of the Crimson Flame. And jo Johnny Ladd was taken by the, the, uh, the Crimson Flame energy. And it says, first thou shall bring death. And I thought, okay. This is the beginning of not only the, uh, like Alan Scott and Starheart and the Green Lantern power, it's also the beginning of the, the dual prophecy of the Crimson Flame. But in this issue, we discover that Johnny Ladd himself, while he was supposed to be killed, he got death by the Crimson Flame, he got life, and his ass might have just got power. So like the whole idea of the prophecy and how it works throughout the centuries to eventually get to Alan Scott and make it this whole personal kind of thing where he was chosen to be the form of the power to become the Green Lantern. It's now this change. It actually serves no purpose or meaning anymore, and I don't get what they're doing. Well, and that's where, you know, I have to butt in with the idea that I didn't even know the prop. That's how little I really know about Alan Scott Green Lantern. Now, I started reading in the New 52, and there hasn't been a ton of Alan Scott. I did read a little bit of the Earth 2 book, but that's kind of a little different deal. And oh, yeah. then so when you get to this... I was hoping like a, a Sandman. Now, I re we read Venditti's Sandman, and he is giving me a good idea of what the Sandman's all about. I'm not saying that he's won me over and that's my favorite character. He's but a passive it, guy. Like it's to put still people to giving sleep. me the deal. Yeah, I like to sleep. And then in the other one, Jay Garrick, and the, but that's more about a present day, and I'm going with the family aspect that I have. There's that hook in with a lot. Oh, some people reading this, the hook will be that Alan Scott is a closeted homosexual back in the 40s. Yeah. That's not my that hope, should be a, That should be a large part of this, but you can't get rid of what's come before. Because even in this idea, I don't think we've seen a scene in Tim Sheridan's run so far where we see that his ring doesn't affect wood. Well, that's what I'm like, saying. Like, you even had that mention in the Jay Garrick, you know, flashbook by Jeremy Adams. Remember when you ended up having oh, yeah, Dr. Elemental? He's like, yeah, you're... So, I'm looking to get, and at the end of this, this is where we talk about a lot of these miniseries, and we're even going to finish with Cyborg being another one of those. 
where at the end, I'm hoping at, so far, I can't say it's done it where I say, oh, my God, I think this Alan Scott's pretty cool. And I either want to read more from the past, but that might end up being a little wonky. But also, I want more in the future. And right now, I'm just like, well, luckily, right just now, the, guy. the stuff that the stuff that Jeff Johns is writing in the JSA of Alan Scott in the future is some solid stuff. But but we have a thing there. This is still Alan Scott trying to find himself in a world that hates him. It is. I just wish you had more Green Lantern, you know, impact. I agree. I'm, you're saying one of the biggest things, and I just as an aside, I actually got in a discussion with Tim yes. Sheridan on Twitter. I could even see him in my mind. Oh, I was doing the quotes, and we were talking. <laughs> he kind of jumped into a, a thing we were having, and I said that a lot of the newer creators, they seem to want to fight right away. Like, if, if you end up, like, you know, saying, oh, my God, this retcon, you're, he'll attack you. And we weren't even talking about him, but that came up. But the idea, he jumped in, started arguing with me. Then when I asked him questions, he suddenly says, oh, I'm not going to get involved in that straw man argument. I'm like, no, 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 I'm asking you a question. Please explain your book. He wouldn't Please. explain it. And then he started railing into our site. And I said, well, Gabe does the review on the site, but me and Eric talk about it. On the podcast, we have we all have different and opinions. Tim, come Everybody on. Does. That's the thing is, up until this point, we were kind of friends, even though we did not like sh- your Shazam or Teen Titans Academy. We were still friends. It seemed like you understood things. That, like, we're looking at things at a certain angle through like reviews and like you know comic historian aspects that, who love comic books. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just because Gabe, sussy ass Gabe, is going to write a review you don't like about Helen Scott, now we're hated. Now we're hated, and and so and I even said like I have actually you know I, us. I straight up told him in the past, I didn't like your Titans Academy. But then he, we talked about and it. He and, he start, and he said, hey, I kind of got, you know, grabbed by editors. They were doing this. And then I said, OK, I, I appreciate you telling me that. And we actually kind of defended him a little and said, come on, we have to give him a chance. We have to give him another chance. But when you get into this and I said to him, Eric, on the podcast, he does like the book more than I do. And then Tim, like right away, it's like this anger of, oh, you don't like it because of this. And I, I said, no, no, no. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to insult him. Like Obviously. the deal. I just, so he's like, then also I said that some of the other people, some of the other creators, they have blocked us and said stuff about us, even DC themselves saying because we didn't like something that must mean we're that. That must mean we're haters. That must mean even worse. And he claimed that was bullshit. And he's, give us examples. You need to get, I'm like, I'm not going to name names, but I kind of gave, you know, little yeah. examples without names. But then he, I got to the point and said, your book. And he, and oh, you don't like it. I'm like, no, no, no. If you want me to be honest, I don't like it because I think that you, your writing is not good. And that, that the idea that this is a Green Lantern, you're, you're passing that by for people who want to jump in and learn about the Green Lantern, Alan Scott fully not just closeted gay men but the the green i don't know the prophecy and that's a big thing in this book and yeah now the only reason i know it's because of you and uh-huh. you have talked about it but without you i'd still be like what is but it do? seems like he's changing things here and it just it's actually meaning less than it did before for how it's working like i said you had three people who are given death originally like first one given death somebody given life in arkham asylum because they had their like you know mind given back to them which would have had a perfect spot for billy in the previous issue who was lobotomized because he was a cross-dresser possibly homosexual i don't know his background fully 
But if you get he seemed in to his be a mind trans back, man and the, like a, that sort of thing back in the day, if they, you would I have don't given him his mind back. That would have been the perfect opportunity to do the life part. But they just said, no, we're just going to keep him lobotomized. It's a shame for Billy, isn't it? I'm like, that's weird. And it just seems from everything I see now that, all right, we're going to give life back to Alan Scott because of the train crash and also because he happens to be our power as well. I'm like, you're just making it less. And in that, I, I kind of get that feeling he's kind of going, well, things like that. He wants, you know, one of the big villains in the book, it, it's society. It's how yes. they're treating people and how, you know, hateful they are and things like that. So I think he thought if you pull back Billy's deal, that, that lessens it. But it doesn't because that's it. It would have made it so much more profound. And it's that story. And, it would've. and so in this one, and again, Billy could have gotten away point. with Alan at the end. And they could, he could have lived the rest of his life because of the power of the star heart. Yeah, and Billy, even you could have even had him say, listen, thank you so much, but I still have to go back. Like the family was bad. Like they sent him yeah, there. Terrible. But maybe he's just a guy who's like, I need to be with my family. Maybe I can teach them better. And then he leaves and Alan's like, oh, God, he's, he's going to it's going to happen again. But maybe just have something like it's his decision. But when you have this again, my whole play of all these books and we had it with a, a bunch of different characters, whatever changes and and they don't have to be big changes i'm not just talking sexuality but i'm i'm in for good stories and if if a change can give us something new but cool i'm down with it and i'm still waiting for that here i'm still waiting for where you say okay you're doing the change but give me a good story and maybe it's a good story to people there's some people out there that might think it's i see it people think it's just not getting me because i need more of the superhero stuff that i'm here for and maybe it's just not that book but we're here to do it that's the thing is i also need the idea of the drama for we're making alan scott gay in the 40s right that was a new retcon that we did to the character over the last couple years don't say retcon he doesn't like hearing that too I, i don't care it's it's still a retcon he didn't make the retcon yeah, ne- retcon isn't even negative. It's just a change for what people had known. It's changing before. established stuff. Yes, that's all we're doing. And you're adding to it. It's fine. It's still a retcon. But the idea that we're doing this, I am here to see how a, a closeted Alan Scott in the 40s has to deal with who he is and the drama that will bring. But just the way we're doing it here just feels like kind of weird because I don't know where we're going. And you're changing the core background of the power of the Green Lantern, not only just his, you know, sexuality. And so what's, you know, what gives and what's going on? But in this, you end up having Alan. He's going to start him. Now, this is a kind of a neat concept where you have Alan, like you have Jay Garrick there. Hey, we're going to look into this. And obviously, Alan is still he into his lover's death, Tommy. Yeah. And it's kind of the, that play. If you you think about it, it's sad because he's there on a team. He doesn't want to be. I mean, that was already forced on. I didn't love that. Cooper forced him into it. Yeah, I didn't really love it. But you have him there. And I think that he wants to be friend, but it, he's got this secret that he doesn't want anybody to know. And anybody who it doesn't and a have chip to be on his shoulder because of it. Him, it doesn't have to be your sexuality either. It could be anything that goes on. And you at most everybody's been in that situation where you're talking, you're doing some things, and you re- even with friends. And you realize, oh, shit, this is leading to this thing I don't want anybody to know about. And you kind of try to push it the other way. And, oh, I'll do that. other, And that's what happens with Jay. But Jay says, we already got somebody on it. And it's somebody big. And the it's the Spectre. Spectre. And, again, I think that when you go into this, I think that Tim Sheridan. Now, again, this is a guy who thinks that DC 1 million is 1 million years ahead in time. So I never think that he knows that much about anything uh, DC. But. He's got to realize that whatever he has figured out or wants to do, 
that people don't necessarily know that these are more obscure characters than a lot of books that you're going to deal with. So the specter comes in and the specter immediately coming in the reaction. If you know, you're like, Oh shit. He knows like the specter yeah. knows shit. And how is he going to react to this? This is the, the vengeance of God. Oh my God. Is this a sin? And he kind of played, but he, he kind of goes very generic with it. And I think that you could have had some really cool deals with this. Because you have Jim Corrigan and he's acting less Spectre than you've seen the Spectre act in a long time, which is great because it's still early days for Jim Corrigan as the Spectre. He still gets to be Jim Corrigan and affect the way that the Spectre acts. You have a more human Spectre like you would think you had from the golden age of like the JSA. I like that aspect to it. And the idea that the Spectre is telling him pretty much he's giving a goodwill like, you know, hunting moment. Like it's not your fault and God accepts you for who you are and stuff like that. You don't have to carry that. I think the hug is a little too much for the Spectre. I've seen the Spectre rip hearts out from people like barely give somebody a a side glance. This is a calmer, gentler Spectre than you'll have later on, thankfully. That's the thing because people even talked about like in the back of the day. It's like, hey, there's the Spectre. Yeah, don't worry about him. He's not who like he used to be anymore. There's less Jim Corrigan and more just the Spectre. That's the weird thing about it. And. This is where I want to point out, if you're reading this and don't know the Spectre, you're not really going to get any Jim Corrigan. I think that's a misplay as well. Because well, a lot I of this is Jim had Corrigan in my mind, the way he's, he's acting at, through the Spectre. But he's just. But p- if people don't know that, they just think this is the Spectre. And I think that maybe... This was the Spectre. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm saying, like, if you don't... And again, you have been reading comics all your life. The way that Tim Sheridan has been pushing this book is, please, people don't really like superhero books. Come and check this out. You have they're not going to know that Jim Corrigan is the Spectre. They're just going to see the Spectre and think this is just straight up Spectre goes around hugging people. And I think it's a misplay. I would have had it where and in my mind, when Jim Corrigan becomes the Spectre, the Spectre to me is real over the top because he's not really used to Jim Corrigan either. So Jim Corrigan, the nice guy. And I would have went back and forth. Jim Corrigan's like, hey, Elm, what's up? You know, and then the Spectre comes all business, but they kind of, it mixes in without showing you Jim Corrigan. See, it's a weird play, too, because you are introducing this aspect to Alan Scott's life with this new sexuality, like, you know, retconned in, even though we don't like that word. Now, we are giving the Spectre, like, Spectre is giving Alan permission to be who he is. Like, you don't have to worry about this because, uh, at least from a higher, the presence doesn't care about your sexuality, so you don't have to worry about it on that end. We see things through the idea of him becoming a member of the JSA, even though he's been a loner his whole life, that he will find solace in the family and friends that he makes along the way who will accept him in the long run. But it's such a weird thing because you want to do all of this for Alan Scott so he can be okay with who he is by the end of the six-issue mini, but you still need to have the fact that he has to revert back and get married to Rose Kenton and have kids and then even get married to Molly Maine later on. He doesn't, like, to the point where he's not accepting himself later on, so it's a weird play that we're doing right now because you want to have that, but it still doesn't make sense to have him all like, this is who I am and this is who I'm always going to be, even though he's going to revert back at some point. Yeah, it's that's the weird play. It's i got to be a head role man and get married and have or, kids. Or he's like, I think I'm bi. You ain't going to know about like, him. But. Who knows the deal, but yeah, so... When you're going through again, maybe there could have been a play where Jim Corrigan's like, hey, you know, me and the Spectre, we know what's going on, but the Spectre, he's not. So, because I think that this is, it feels like what Tim Sheridan's doing, whether it is or not, is that he's digging into, say, hey, I don't like that Alan Scott's gay. Well, look, God doesn't care, so why would you? And it kind of feels kind of, it almost feels like what they did with Naomi. Hey, Naomi's great. She's on the Justice League. It's fine. I don't know that we necessarily need it, and it just feels off. I wish it was just Jim Corrigan saying, listen, the Spectre will help you. 
I don't know what he thinks about this. And maybe he never even says it, but he kind of seems a little bit, you know, standoffish. But Jim Corgan's, I don't know how I would play it, but it just felt a little bit too much. It felt a little bit too where he's hugging him and saying it's okay. Just didn't feel exactly like I would think at this point the specter would be. But there you go. I'm and actually I think- fine with the softer, gentler specter for the way we see him. And the thing I have a problem with is when they go to investigate, you know, Tommy's death and they're looking at him in the morgue, going to the police station to find the file because Alan doesn't even believe they made a file because he's a gay man. And they're like, but they do find a file that's made up. But all the information was taken. And somehow there's a roundabout way it was taken as a way to frame Alan Scott. I'm like, the way that we got to the idea of framing Alan Scott for this man's death, who just happened to be a, like a, a guy that I cared about and hooked up with over about the peers that I met, it just like it seemed like it was really too far. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to say hey, we're going to finger Alan Scott for this crime right now. And like, oh, but I don't see that. I don't. I just don't see the thread to get us to that point to really point out I Alan think Scott. A, I think a couple things are a little far. Again, it's forced because it's being forced that way. But again, also it's like. Oh man, the files and really all they know about old Tommy Boy is he was. I I thought that they were pretty good at keeping that under wraps. That's why they were doing this stuff and running away and whatnot when the cops would come to crack heads. But then it's just boom, there it is. And oh, they didn't follow in and they didn't follow up on this. It seemed kind of a little forced that way as well. I think it could have been developed a little better. But now we're gonna cre- we're gonna we're gonna track down our leads though through everybody who was a part of Project Crimson with Tommy and Alan and stuff like that. And if we if we can't find anybody there, we're going to find out who knew about it and like higher up in the military to try to weed out the, who the suspects might be. The specter says, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to interview everybody. And I actually even says the amount, including, you know, his lover, Johnny. And he's like, oh, 43. minus one. Right. So yeah. I'm like, he goes through well, 42 all that. minus one. And yeah. again, I will give uh, one prop. I didn't give it earlier with Tim Sheridan. He doesn't tell you what year it is, but he talks about the Joe DiMaggio batting streak. And that's 41. So that that was the kind of I think cool I think play. they said 41 in like the first or second issue. I know, but it's a cool way to to remind you in a way that seemed kind of natural because you end up doibies like hey, that, nothing to me. that Joe DiMaggio <laughs> that hitting streak, though. It's funny Classic when they doibie. end up because in the <laughs> cab that he's doing. You have the Crimson Flame there, and then you even have a newspaper. And at that point, legitimately, the it would have been front page news. Joe DiMaggio's streak was huge news and was always on the front page. It was bigger than I think anybody you know alive now could imagine. But you end up where back to the Spectre. He's like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna interview everybody that was on the boat. And yeah, if that doesn't do it, we're gonna go higher. We're gonna get all these. Um, I think Alan Scott's like, okay, I guess we're going to be done this in 73. Like, you got a lot of people we're tracking down and, and talking to. Holy and moly. And we, we're talking about this, but even the idea of how we're going to investigate it, it doesn't matter by the end. But you do get you do get a more matter. modernized looking Spectre by the end. Because, like, if you do find him, bring him to me. He gets all Spectre about it. And then you see the scary aspect of, the like, the right hand of God here. Here's the weird, the weird play to me. And, again, I'm not a huge Spectre fan. And I haven't read a ton of Spectre, but it's like when Jim Corgan first met, that's when I think that the Spectre's really like over the top. And then he kind of mellows out that Jim Corgan gets a little effect. And then he gets pissed off again later because he gets really, I don't know. I always thought of, he's always over the top that there's, you know, he might learn he some things later. or whatnot through. But in the beginning, uh, it's it's the Spectre. It's Alan, you know, or uh, what Jim Corrigan's his side. Like, I don't think that it's like, oh, well, he doesn't really know what he's doing at this point. And he's uh, I think it's more the idea when he first showed up. He's like, this is it. I'm the Spectre. See, this works I'd- out more for G- for Jim Corrigan right now for what he's doing with Alan with the investigation because Jim Corrigan's a cop. So this all is just everything. And it's like, you know, it's wheelhouse. To me, that 
he should have done that with Jim Corrigan. You should have Jim Corrigan do that so people know there's that combo. I mean, at one point, he's like, yeah, Jim Corrigan, this. And like, what's that, his buddy? Where, where's this buddy of his? I, I'm just saying people wouldn't even know. And it just, I think they mentioned that he's a cop in this. No, oh, I'm not saying a cop. I'm saying that they're okay. one and the same. They're, they're an entity and a host. He doesn't really, they never really points that out. And I think that people are going to be a little confused if they don't know who the Spectre is. And like I said, it's a little lesser than the Spectre than I've ever seen. So when, when you end up having all this go down, yeah, he ends up where Joy B has this fair. Guy has glowing red eyes. Driving you around kinda, town You kind of get the, the idea of what's happening. He doesn't want to talk about Joe DiMaggio. You know he's a Ruski. That actually, communist. there's a funny thing there was, because I always watch this Ken Burns baseball documentary. I watch it like every year, and it's like 12 parts. It's insane. But one of the points, there's a bunch of movies, and one of the things that they did in World War II to kind of see if people were like spies and things that they would bring up baseball. And a lot of oh, times yeah. at this point, it would be Joe DiMaggio. And they'd say, hey, Joe, what do you know? And then if you don't know what's left, they think that you're a uh, deal. And there's a movie. I don't know what movie it was, but this poor guy didn't know baseball. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. They almost kill him. And then his other guys jump in. And then the guy's like, oh, I don't really know baseball, but maybe I should. And they all laugh. (laughs) That's what's funny about it, though. He's talking about Joe DiMaggio. He's beaten half to death, and then they all laughed. Vladimir, as we were told, like, he's not going to care about Joe DiMaggio. He wants to get to Alan. And at one point. Right now, I'm trying to frame my former lover. (laughs) Yeah, at one point, they were even going to, like, pull over. Joby's like, hey, there's my buddy here at the docks. Uh, no, 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 leave Keep him driving. there. Keep <laughs> driving. This is the drive. Whether you are a super-powered, like, you know, Soviet spy who's hell-bent on vengeance, I don't care if that's your case or not. If I'm driving in the back of Dewey's car, I don't have time for him to pull over to talk to <laughs> his fucking buddy. No, I mean, that is, that, it's such a weird play. I don't know why, but it felt like if, like, me and you have been watching some older Seinfeld, it feels like something Kramer would do. Like, he'd just oh, yeah. stop and talk to somebody. He's like, no, no, keep talking. But at this point, He's got the fair again. Oh, man, same fair in one day. Holy crap. And it's Alan Scott's neighborhood. He's going to him. Poor Doivy, you're, you're a simple man. He's like, hey, this is the neighborhood. My buddy, Small oh, my God. after all, huh? This is actually the apartment. Oh, my God, that's actually the room. Like, it's that whole play where, hey, you want me to keep the car running? Keep it running. I'll be out for you. Like, even when he says, I'll be out to deal with you later. <laughs> like, Doivy, get the hell out of there. He means, you know, a buck's a buck. He says, yes, please. I'm not finished with you yet. And I'm I'm guessing it's like, yet. I am not. It's like Drago. If yeah. he dies, he dies. He's like, you got a weird accent there, Pally. What are you, from Queens? Oh, so he's, <laughs> what are you, from the Manhattans? He gets out of the car and, hey, by the way, you're on fire. He gets out. He's got it. So. If, if there is anything that's, you know, subtle or not, the idea that this is the crimson flame, not very subtle. He is now just a burning man going down. Well, he does. He does go. Though. He does go into Alan's apartment and Alan does show up where he like, you know, he recognizes the, the Red Lantern as his former lover, Johnny, even though he's going by Vlad and says some stuff like, you know, says some Russian, my love and knocks him his ass out. But that's where we end things with the Red Lantern standing over. a looks like a knocked out Alan Scott. Yeah, and so in that, you already get where, you know, whatever, John, Johnny may blame Alan because of the prophecy. And look what you made. Or, you know, why did you lie to me? Because he seems or to maybe be he was Russian. winner soldiered up with the power. It's very interesting to see how this develops. And, yeah, it's personal, so that's well set up. But Alan just gets 
you know, slap, like, boom, backhand. He just goes down because I don't think he's ready for this. He wasn't I ready. I do believe we call that a pimp slap. Yes, I was. Uh, and then he ends up standing over him with some junk on display. That red ladder, that crimson flame, holy moly. Look at, pants. Look at them pants. <laughs> he, he's also, I wonder if the six pack there is like the shirt. It's like one of them shirts he takes it off and he's just a blob, but No, I'm just I'm just making flame construct abs that makes people think that I got the abs personally. I do that too. Also if I'm there and he's like Vietnam King Tong, my love, I'd also spin the Classic globe. Russian. That's where I'm gonna go on vacation. Anytime I see a globe, you gotta spin it like Oh no, let me spin it again. I don't wanna go to Quaker Town. Like why did I uh, why did I put my thumb right where we are? To a lot yeah, in life. at the end, what would you give this? Ultimately, I had fun with this issue. I like seeing Spectre in this, especially a more Golden Age-esque Spectre. And it's nice to have him, like, you know, tell, like, Alan about the idea that the presence doesn't care about your sexual way to take that weight off his shoulders because he is just walking around as a loner sad sack. And I do want to see a more Alan that we recognize that, like, you know, later on in the JSA, who is a friend to all. And, but it's just, we get to reveal here, I would just wish there would be more overall and they wouldn't ignore all the original storytelling to the Green Lantern just to move your story along with the new Green Lantern and, I mean, Red Lantern stuff and sexuality. So I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10 because I still have fun. Yeah, I'm a 5.5 and I, I don't hate it. It's just, again, you're saying that. I like oh, the art God, a lot too. Oh, God is fine with you that that's why he's going. The presence, Jim. You already said the pres- presence saying that it's still going to be a conflict for him later when he actually you know gets I, i'm married just hoping things, that so. like you know that becomes a thing where we just don't end alan scott and say he's all better now he doesn't have to worry about how people think about him or like the the guilt that he feels about himself or who he is because we still have a lot of stuff to do after this ends. here's the thing i i may be i may be jaded or whatnot but i i actually think it's just tim sheridan he's trying to get some pats on the back of doing this no, and then people applaud him i i really don't I'm just afraid that this is where we're going to leave the character that doesn't make sense. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't really fit the overall deal. And you actually it pulls back on some of the things that you're trying to do by doing that. It just felt Especially because odd. he's going to be closeted until a couple of years ago, our time. Yeah. Well, at least he knows the presence. And he's like, well, the presence is all fine and dandy. But when I'm getting chased by a mob and they want to beat the shit on me in the middle of the 70s. Uh, Thankfully, I have a Green Lantern ring. The 70s were dirty decade <laughs> nobody likes the 70s so gas shortages and serial killers he's dancing it up right yeah oh no the present he's just running but uh five five for me and the art Don't is pretty now. good yeah really well he's he that's the play too that'd be funny to play the idea of like listen buddy you better go to he's like i am 82 no way you look like you're 28 he's like oh there's a star heart thing and you know i don't care get out and do I have your a great shit. classic surgeon or, or like the play that they have a lot of times is, oh no, no, I'm a superhero and I don't want to get involved in the play. Fuck you, <laughs> get the we damn. We didn't ask for you Green Lantern. Alan Scott got drafted. Yeah, we don't need your nonsense here. Get going. He's like, oh no, I'm in Nam. What will I do? But we're gonna finish off with one last book. Is it about Nam, Eric? I don't think it is. No, but, but it might be about a soul. It might. Is it? What is it, Eric? It is Cyborg number six, written by Morgan Hampton with art by Travis Mercer, Bruno and Abdias, Michael Adelia, and Rob Lee. And you know what, Jim? It's the finale. It is, is the Cyborg finale. going to be able to take off, take on Solus hmm. and that android duplicate mind's body and soul? Is he going to end all of that and also save his digitized father in the process? How are we going to do that, Jim? I'm only worried, and I've been worried from issue one. Me and you have been arguing. What's going to happen to Max? 
What the Max, Eric? What's going to happen with him? I'm like, what? I I, want to say I've been more invested in this book than you have. But when Max showed up, like like the brother of Estelle, I'm like, who the fuck is this kid (laughs) with hearing issues? Oh, I ended up where when this starts up and you get back, I'm like, yep, this is bullshit. And so you had, and And again, again, we're going to talk about brother. I have to assume it's Estelle's brother because they're riding in a cab together. But I don't know if they're related. I don't know. I don't know. Seems to be a relation. a relation, but it just seemed like they're like Max's parents were at his bedside later on. Maybe grandparents, but I I don't know for some reason. Maybe I have to go back. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I don't recall this character being introduced. No. Well, at the end, you get Uncle Phil, you get mm-hmm. Carlton, you get that's all. Like, like I don't know these people, and even in the cyborg says at the end, "Yep, I kind of know how my dad felt." Didn't know this Max from Adam, but I kind of feel I care about this boy. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what happened? And again, this is going to be a play. You were more invested. Don't even pretend you weren't because you I were looking. You were looking for that bigger story, and it seemed I'm that Morgan Hampton might have been talking. Where he's not worried about whether he's more man, or more machine than man, or fighting with his father. That's what I'm looking for in a cyborg book. And you know what? We got both of those things, but maybe. Like every series that we talk about That's with Cyborg, maybe he'll get over it by the end of this now. We can move on with new stories with freaking Victor Stone. I'll tell you the weird play by the end is that this all seems to be set up so that Cyborg can now go off and be cool with the Titans. And I'm like, he was I'm already cool. It. He was already cool with the Titans, though. He didn't Kinda. have the problems with them. It was always when you get a solo book. So what does this do for a solo deal? Because it's funny. You do kind of get rid of some things that always end up coming up but Daddy? i don't think any i don't think anybody has anything else but that so does this just end that but you get even at the end when you get beast boy i'm like okay we got the team titans go play but it, it's kind of odd i wish all the titans were I there wish they, i wish he would have called him salad head at the end just to give a good like you know the new team titans nod you know we've been friends for a long time time here yeah and well that's the point by the end it almost felt like well, you know, we're not really great friends, but now we can be because, I, and I'm like, it felt weird by the end, but really what no, felt it's weird totally is. it's weird because he's going to go off and do, t- he's going to do Titan stuff, but everything, the reason that we're still in Detroit is because Estelle is talking shit and the people of Detroit were going against it because he's always doing Titan shit. Shock, Jock, Estelle, you know, whatever it was, podcast, radio show, that, this is the problem, and I will say that, and give Morgan Hampton some, you know, not props, but some deal, new writer. And it it felt like they were trying to really get a lot of things in this. I mean, you were having me and you argue about whether AI is a soul and if robots this and that. So digitized they, mind. They were doing some things with that that seemed to you know spark us to get in arguments enough. Yeah. But they, it, I think went too big in certain areas. Didn't develop others, and I think that needed a little more editorial guidance of saying, "Listen, okay, that's a cool part, but you got to tell." Because Estelle being a big part of this book, the minute she became a big part, she disappeared. She didn't do anything. I mean, when, hey, I'm going to team up with you because you know what's going on here. I ain't going to call you Booyah Boy anymore. I'm on your side. Okay, get away now. And then we never really saw her. And then you end up where you have a play with Marcus, the guy, and he ends up doing all this stuff. He's stealing info. And then you have, like, nothing ever really played out great overall to get a full picture of each little individual thing you could have had and estelle was you know she was annoying us at the beginning anyway but you could have just had her 
with little narration of doing her, hey, booyah, boy. Hey, look, for the most that part, just once disappeared. We got, once we got her out to lunch and got her on Cyborg's side and she wasn't doing her terrible vidcast anymore, the book did get better in my well, mind. that's the thing. You didn't need her as what she was. She was there to throw shade at Cyborg for not staying in Detroit always with the Titans. And that kind of never played out. And then I think Morgan Hampton, that's the feel at the end when he's like, okay, I'm still friends with you, Beast Boy. And it, it never played out. It never really worked. So maybe that's something that was a misplay. Which is funny. He's like, Cyborg will continue in the Titans. I'm like, yeah, he didn't learn any lessons from this. No, nothing at all. I mean, nothing. And so you have a lot of stuff that you need to cut, maybe tie up in this last issue. But what you end up doing here, what you were trying to do big, now you're just going to go generic. You're just going to have, okay, we have to fight Solace, and you end up having, you know, the whole play with Daddy. Uh, Daddy you know, of the mind right now. Yeah, yeah. and Silas is now Solace, Silas. He's going to go and say, hey, I can get into the mind of Solace. We can pull the plug. But that even was something that seems to go against what was set up throughout this thing that me and you argued about of what does that mean and they kind of try to get to it but it just it has to end so it just kind of well, it's, it's a weird way that we end because we have you know silas the digitized version of himself is able to go from star labs to cyborgs operating system stuff like that so we could talk to his son he's like look i can if you get close if you can get close, and it's great too, because you talk about how cool, you know, like the brain power and like processing power of Cyborg is that you can stop and like think about all these things while you're in motion because of how like strong he is to being the Cyborg. I, I thought it was a cool aspect of showing that you don't really get to see through Cyborg very often. But the idea then, like, if you download me into Solace, I can get rid of his operating software and everything like that, all his memory, I can wipe that. But the problem is, once I'm in there, it's going to wipe me out as well. So I need you to make this choice on. Are you with me? I can do this, but I need you to be okay with the idea. I never gave you a choice to make you Cyborg. I'm okay with dying for this matter. I need you to be okay with it, too. And, like, Cyborg's like, this is not the best time Cyborg to talk about this shit, Cyborg picks it Dad. up, too, and he says, listen, this is bullshit, too. You, you make yeah. decisions for me before. Now you're making me decide if you're do this alive now. or dead. Um, and then All of a sudden, I got to pull the plug, and it's the freaking 11th hour of this fight. The world's about to be taken over by, like, you know, Solus androids. Uh, I don't need you bringing me this shit right now. At at the one point, did you just think that we were going to get like a Firestorm-esque deal where you can have Silas of the mind in Cyborg? Because at one point, they kind of fused together using the Mega Man gun. That was cool of the mind, yeah. And But then it didn't really play out. I thought it was going to play out a little well, different. It's, it's such a weird idea because we download Cyborg's consciousness and Silas's consciousness into the Android, like, you know, operating system of Yeah, so system why doesn't this, that affect Cyborg? Exactly, and that's what I'm saying, like, okay, look, we know that Silas is going to be deleted when he do uh, does the plan that he's going to do to delete Silas himself, and I'm like, but doesn't that mean that Cyborg's still stuck in there at this point? But he's able to pull himself out no problem, I don't know. I actually thought that a better plan, I do like, it, it made me laugh, because I didn't realize what happened at first, so they're there, I'm like, the fuck did Cyborg get that lab coat? Oh, well, they combined. I'm like, okay. The amalgam of it. I thought it was so cool, the transition of that. To me, I thought the better play might have been if I, if I was the editor, Eric. And you, I, we always talk about you always wanted to be a writer. I actually would have loved to be a comic book editor. But what I would have said is the only way to destroy Solus is to actually bring him into Cyborg. And Cyborg would then end up having Silas. And, but the his system would treat it as a virus. So if you do that, it's also going to kill daddy. So what do we do? How can we do this? And you just because it doesn't make sense at the end, that cyborg just zips out. 
and then you could have had a play where no, maybe that, at that the end. That would be a, probably a better ending for that because it keeps Cyborg from like anybody asking questions like why Cyborg okay from all this. And it, like the, the, a lot of the issue when you do have the fight between Cyborg and Solstice of the Mind, like even like not even of the mind, but in like everyday things like, hey, look, Solace. You don't got to be this. You don't got to kill Marcus, your you know, physical double right now. I know he's an evil piece of shit. You don't need to kill him. You could be a better person. You can make a choice like I did. No. Look, you can make a choice like I did. You don't got to be this. No, I made my choice. So it's just constantly going back and forth between Cyborg saying, we can do things a better way. So I say, the hell we can. <laughs> like, so, like, and eventually it's like, look, we're going to go in the mind. We're gonna, still going to have the same conversation again. You're going to say no one more time and say, we're going to kill your ass then. And then we're going to kill, but that also kills daddy, Silas, but then Cyborg doesn't. It's very odd. Which makes sense to a degree. Like, I will complain about the idea that we're spending the whole fight having the same conversation. But when we are going towards the end of this whole thing, I can see Cyber continuing on because he really doesn't want to stop because he knows it means the, his death, or the second death of his father, essentially. So he still might want to try to reach him. Like, please, don't make me do this shit. I'm going to lose more. Well, and, and so all that's going on. You're trying to. You're trying to tie some things up. But then in the middle of this, to make it even more personal. You just have an Uber that's driving in the uh, just this conversation. It's Estelle with Max, young Max. And you have this play and Max either is listening to music or might have a hearing aid. I don't know. And it even looks like. But the idea that he jumps out, it's not that he just can't hear. He's just not listening because he shouldn't jump out of this Uber. But no, he wants to see a superhero battle. Well, you end up where they're going. And again, this Max like. We don't know him, but the Silver's like, "Oh man, I'm supposed I'm to go sure this way." I'm sure he showed up in this book previously. I just don't recall his ass at all. I don't remember, and if he did, he didn't much because Cyborg pointing out that I don't even know him really does show that maybe this was something that was supposed to be developed and wasn't. But you have Estelle going, and uh, that play of. Hey, where are you going, Uber driver? We're supposed to go downtown. No, no, there's a superhero fight. We got to go this way. What are you doing, town? Yes, I am. And then Max just jumps up and starts running. Like, Max, get back here. And oh, man, booyah, and then gets hit. I mean, even one guy's like, hey, don't go there. And it gets hit. And, and I'm like, oh, Max, we hardly knew ye. And then you get the fight in the mind. But then at the end, it's, oh, my God, is Max going to be okay? And that's all anybody's reporting on. Is that this yeah. Max was in the middle of it, and oh my god, like this dumb boy jumped into a battle right here. He got his ass hurt. Now we all got to hate on Cyborg and tell the kids better. If this wasn't a mini, or this was done earlier, or whatever the play may be, you would have that kind of conflict. If Max is a younger brother, whatever, but Estelle was against Cyborg, but Max liked him, and then oh my god, look. You being here caused my Max to almost get killed. Like, you could have done this, but now it's just he comes in and is like, man, I know how my father feels now, even though I didn't know this kid. Oh, my God, I hope he wakes up. He woke up. Oh, Max, he's a he's Thankfully, nobody in the family, including Estelle, blames Cyborg for Max's, you know, injuries. Except Uncle Phil back there. Uncle Phil's pissed. He really does look like Uncle Phil when I look at him. A bit. Uh, yeah, and he's like, oh, my God. And everybody's like, Max, Max. I'm like, why did they let Cyborg into the room? Usually you have to be family. But he's there. Oh, my God, baby, you're alive. Yeah, you stop, And Cyborg. that's the thing. You do. It does feel like a uh, like a younger brother because yeah. that those should be like, that's my boy, baby. Yeah. And then he goes, booyah. And the dad's like, stop with that shit. That's what got you hurt. 
Yes, man. Getting you in this situation in the first place, you idiot. And then at but the end, you're going to wrap up. And you do have all the Titans. I said that I'd like, but they're just doing clean, clean up, up in Detroit. Yeah. Clean up. Yeah. They could, they could be. You also have Cyborg in therapy who's trying to get over everything that he's dealt with in the past with all his hangups. Hopefully, by the end, what he has a breakthrough here where we can maybe get Cyborg acting differently than any writer ever wants to write him any Cyborg solo book. Move past all his issues and finally have some kind of new Victor Stone who has a new lease on life. But I will tell you at the end, when he has his breakthrough and he goes to the cemetery to look at his father's grave and Beast Boy's there, and for some reason, well, he's having a nice little conversation about moving on with, you know, with Beast Boy. There's Silas Stone's grave, father and husband. But for some reason, Victor has to burn with his laser eye, beloved. About, and all I could think of is you are his only remaining family. You ordered this headstone. Why didn't you order beloved on before that? Why do you have to deface it after the fact? Eric, remember. The, uh, I'll problem. tell you why. It, it's ever. so ridiculous. It's because if you remember from the beginning. Remember that eulogy he gave? He's like, my father was a piece of shit. I'm surprised he even put father on it. This is supposed to be the so, bookend of be- he learned. So beloved, beloved wasn't point like, you know, I didn't say beloved until I had my digital AI father who talked to me in the mind. That's what it is. Robot dad ended up at beloved. You, he's beloved now, but even when you're doing this whole thing, don't be a jerk. Just fucking get a goddamn nice headstone, Vic. I mean, seriously, get a new headstone. You, you got what looks like a combination of swag that goes Target slash Miami Dolphins. Stop and buying that shit that whole and thing. do that. If you were worried about, too, who's going to run Star Labs now that Silas is gone, it looks like Dr. Sarah Charles got herself a promotion where she's now the new director. So that's one panel there for that for some reason. But you they have that, that as thrown in. a continuity. But I'm sure with all the tireless work that Vic, uh, Silas had done for Star Labs, they might throw in for a new headstone. You don't have to deface it with your laser eye. Yeah, but remember, he wasn't a beloved father until he was AI daddy. Also, I'm looking and I'm like, okay, they're cleaning up Detroit. <laughs> that's going to take a while, Eric. I, I, that's just me. But this is why they Stop never – they're cleaning – they're trying to clean up Detroit. Next up is Cleveland. They're trying to clean this shit up. This is why – they never get shit done. They never figured out Brother Eternity was bad because they were busy trying to clean up Detroit. Ah, nonsense. But yeah, also when Cyborg is crying, I giggled to myself. I'm like, watch out, you're going to rust. It was just me. I wanted her to say it. The, it was the, just you. I wanted, I, I wanted the therapist to give him like the, the Tin Man. Such a nice <laughs> moment. You're like, you want to try to crack jokes. I needed her to give the Tin Man a oil gym. can. Oh, yeah, breaks are all right. I, I also love just to point out that at the end, they're like, hey, did we get everything fixed? And it's like, nah, some assholes still wanted their digitized information out there. All right. People are weird. But they, that was just to give everybody their own choice. That's me. I'm like, it's a weird idea. We gave people a choice. Some wanted their data. We deleted the rest. I'm like, when you say some one of their data, do you mean that the digitized version of themselves were okay with their physical they, I, Jimmy beings going out around. there? Like to like to be essentially be a, a digital slave at that point. Like they were cool with this. Well, that's the problem. You're really setting that up, and at the end, it really feels like they just got a hold of the humans and said, "Do you want us to delete your data?" Nah, keep that shit working. The way they set it up, like you're really pushing where me and you argued. Like you're pushing that that's now murder, and that it's that. But yeah, at the end, it's just this. You know, get it over. I think that like a you, Eric Shea. You have that all over the world, not just Asia, Eric. But you end up where all this going down. They sent me and you like a because I'm I'm assuming we're either going to get an email 
or like a letter that, you know, because me and you aren't looking at that shit. So our AI is still out there. We never responded. And it's going to be out there to kill us. It's going to take us down. Or maybe will live forever also when you end up solace was just yelling about my and marcus really is like a kind of a okay we we kind of needed you for the story but mm, you get arrested <laughs> like not much with that like you said there's a lot of wrap up and then just boom we're done uh or booyah oh, Wilcox, he turned himself in for all his crimes all right yeah. cool yeah that- <laughs> but at the point when you have solace like you kind of needed that moment of yeah he says at one point kill me just a, but you needed more of a, a feely feels moment the way you were setting things up. And you never got it. What you're it. telling then, me is you need to show these digitized people actually had soul. But you we never more did. At the end, them. they just murdered them. They were just, but just dead. Y- you at least got it from Silas because as Beast Boy asked uh, Cyborg here, so was that AI really your dad? Is it a copy of Brainwaves really alive? And he says, I think therefore I am. And, and you know then what? Beast That's Boy, enough for me. me. And then he goes, Touche, he says. Uh, if I'm Beast Boy, I know I was making the joke with the idea where Beast Boy's like, hey, was your daddy really alive? The I, I think therefore I am. OK, I'm not talking about you. I want to know about your dad. He's just like, mm, oh, it's, it's, it's a Beast non-answer. <laughs> Beast Boy's like, all right, I'm going to go back to looking like I guess he might have been a Wolverine in that or a skunk. It looks like a Wolverine, maybe. Right. <laughs> if you go and see him when they're cleaning up, he's some I, I don't know why he is that, but it looks like a Wolverine Badger? to me. Maybe a badger. You never see a wolverine? I think he's there popping the claws, right? Hot claws, maybe? Fighting the predator. I've seen that wolverine. He don't look like Logan to me, but whatever. He, he just figured out that the predator's coming to the urban jungle? Oh, my goodness gracious. Look, with everybody doing their thing, Donna Troy using her Amazonian strength to lift up all this concrete, Cyborg raising up these gigantic I-beams, Flash using his power to freaking shovel all this stuff, Raven using her power to move all these boulders with the mind. Nightwing is an odd man out here, but he's just like surveying right now with his hand up to his eye blocking the sun. But what the fuck is Beast Boy doing as a badger? Beast Boy's a badger slash Wolverine. Is he burrowing? Nightwing still thinks he's a fucking pirate. He looks like he's on a ship <laughs> looking out into Yarr. the horizon. Yeah, like, where is, where's the pirate city I've heard of so much, ye? And Starfire, she's using some super strength, too. I didn't want to leave her out. Yeah, I, I don't know what. I, maybe you could say that he is looking for survivors. It's funny because I'm going through this. I really just wanted to talk shit on Beast Boy. As I'm looking here, I'm like, oh, fuck, what's Nightwing doing? He thinks he's a pirate. <laughs> he thinks he's on a ship. He's the leader. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm he's guessing Beast he Boy. Hands Beast Boy's there, and he's like, I'm just kind of looking Supervisor. for things. Maybe he's like digging to see if there's Maybe dead people. For people. Maybe he yeah. can sniff for that. I, I, Nightwing's the worst. He's and legitimately, what it looks like is he's making it worse on Donna because he's standing on the concrete. She's trying to get rid of. What well, is help. he doing? Little help. He's like, Yar, on see yonder. But what would you give this? I would give this a six out of ten. It's not a perfect ending, but you know what? It's decent for what the Cyborg, the Cyborg series brought so far. And I think it's an okay co- a conclusion to the point where I can really hope going forward that we're done with all the baggage that Vic Stone has had all this time. Maybe. It's and I like just... the art a lot, too. Actually, the art seems better than it has been. Yeah, it actually looks pretty good in this issue at points because uh, it's a different, it's Travis yeah, see, Mercer. And yeah, you you have some different uh, deal with it because I. Th- oh no, I'm sorry. CM was in the in Alan Scott book. Yeah, this is Travis Mercer. This we had a different artist before, I believe. 
Yeah. I know, and I'm thinking it's, it's almost on the tip of my tongue, too, and yeah, I can't think of who it is. Yeah, it is, too, and I, I wish I could. For some reason, I wanted to say Tom Riley, but I don't think it's Tom Riley. I'll say Riley. Max Rayner, but I don't think no, that's right. Max Rayner I like as well. It's, we'll, we'll see you later. Yeah. Hit the, yeah. Where's Jess to edit that out? But overall, for me, I'm, I'm a I'm a 5.5, and the big play here is it's another one of these miniseries that does anybody understand the pacing of a six-issue series? Tom Rainey. Is that what I said? I said okay, so well, you end up where I, I said Tom the Rainer no, bit. I said Tom Riley, and it's Tom uh-huh. Rainey. I was close, but you end up all this. It's like again, the pacing was off. You didn't introduce things that became something at the end, and what gives? And this seems Maybe to be they more did. They have editorial. It, that's the problem, though. Here we are reading and reviewing it. We have to remember this. It wasn't that memorable for at least me and you. And you have a better memory than me. And you're not remembering it as well. That just shows me that it wasn't well set up, even if he was there at some point. Because I'm sure that I would have made the inappropriate comment of he's either listening to music or he doesn't. He's he's, deaf. I would have said it. And I didn't say that before because we weren't canceled yet. Now we are, so we know he's new. Right? That's how I play it. That's how I go. And I'm looking to. I can believe it. You have Marquise Draper as the editor here, you know, whatever that meant, but needed to have a little more guidance, and maybe the guidance isn't there. This is a new writer, I get it. And the dialogue was never awful, The you know, but it's just too many things thrown in and then trying to get out in a way that ended up being generic. But we got a kick out of the Titans showing up. I don't think that was supposed to be as funny as it was, but I had a fun time <laughs> with it. But that uh, did I say a score? Did I say? I'm going to go 5.5. I think I might have 5.5 for me, but it it was harmless by the end. I enjoyed talking about the idea of AI, if it's a soul or not. I still think that just allows you to dance good, but what do I know, Eric? But what is your your book of the week? My book of the week is Justice Society of America number eight. Mine, I believe, Eric, is uh, that and Action Comics 2023 annual number one. I think I might have had a tie with those, but I'm not sure. Let's just say we did. Let's just pretend, know. Eric, because I do think I did like the JSA a little more now that we think about it. It's weird. I forgot all about that. So we'll go with that, Eric. Okay. There, there you go. I was going to use it as a way to push people over to the Patreon, but that's fine. We that did thing actually. We just talked about. You forgot all about it. Yeah, just a second ago, we did actually like the Action Comics Annual. We just thought it was a little rushed, and we wish that Philip Kennedy Johnson had a little more room to end his story. That's a shame. And if you want to listen to us talk about that in Power Girl, that's over at the Patreon right now. You go to Patreon.com/slash/WeirdScience, and if you really want to, you know, check things out before you put your hard-earned cash under, as Eric calls it, down, you can have Sometimes a seven-day free trial. You can listen to a ton of stuff and see if it's all worth it. I hope that you would decide that it was. But here are the books that we're going to talk about next week. And speaking of the Patreon, two of these books will be on our Patreon-only spotlight show. Two books picked by the badasses, the Get Fresh crew. We have some big books next week, maybe. We have Batman number 141. It's a big book. It is a big book, but it's weird. I like I want to say that I'm looking forward to it, but I really feel like dead inside with it right now. I need something to grab me again after that whole Gotham War, the well, maybe Robot stuff, Zernar the robot deal, and the Joker getting his back broke. 
I just I don't know. I need to get that spark, and it might do it. I hope that well, it isn't does. The next I hope story that this is Joker Year One. Well, we're gonna have Joker Year One coming up. See, I need to catch on to this before that happens because I'm not looking forward to that. But maybe that'll be good. Who maybe. knows, Eric? Birds of Prey number five. I need that to be good. That's for sure. Yeah, it's like I really like every time I sit down to read it. I think, all right, like this is gonna be cool. And then I remember, I'm like, oh, it's not that cool, but I, I think it can be. I, I, it's one of those books. There's no fan dead, Eric. And I've also not written it off. I just keep thinking that it's just not gotten its footing. But what's that monster on the island called? Mega Guarius? It sounds like some kind of like, you know, Godzilla monster to me, but it's not Mega Guarius because that's what a Godzilla monster yeah, is. Yeah, I forget what that damn thing was called that swooped in and grabbed the staff. Yeah, barred his deal. It's very odd. The we, didn't even, we didn't even know that that was the big thing. No. I, I heard the Rod got the employee of the month. I thought the thing is they were playing up there like, you know, Themyscira had this weird spiritual protector that made sure the weapons of mass destruction like that couldn't be on the island. That's what we thought. And then at the end, I thought it was like a coat check thing. They'd be like, hey, ghostly monster miss. Give me back my weapon. It's like, okay, here you go. Here's your tag. Here's, Here's your receipt. No, that was not the case. But we'll see. Like I said, it, it has that. I have a feeling like deep down inside that it could really be a cool book. Like and it's I, cool it's that Sin's waiting. back, but I don't know if people know Sin enough to be that selling point for it. Everybody in the DCU, at least these kids, everybody loves Sin. What? You're talking about Sin? I will fight all the Amazons and Themyscira for that gal. It's so weird. Uh, but coming up, and maybe it's kind of the play that they need to get something better going on, it seems as if Harley's going to leave the book and you're going to get Barbara Gordon, which I did have somebody tell me on the YouTube channel that they will not read a Birds of Prey book if Barbara isn't in it. So That's weird, but okay. People have their ideas and whatnot. So you want a book called Batgirl and Her Bitches? Yeah, I don't know if he'd want that, but I'm all for it, Eric. I want (laughs) to see that book. (laughs) I'd read that one. Blue Beetle number five. That better get good, too. J-Man's cheering, but I... uh, yeah, yeah, that book is, uh, I think it's a mess. It, it's Sorry. not really about Blue Beetle that much. At all. We end up throwing in a lot of crazy stuff. You, you I'm just going to kill him, man. <laughs> you ended up doing weird things to get to a place to then have to weird it up more to get back to what it should have been originally. <laughs> like, there's, it's a mess, but I don't think anybody's reading it. Uh, no, not many people review it. So, Fire and Ice, welcome to Smallville number five. God damn it. This is it's so funny because me and Simon did the first two issues, I believe, when you were on your hiatus. And uh-huh. I actually liked it enough. And I thought that it was kind of a clever play. And I know that people are just shaking their head, but you thought it was going to be like one thing. And it actually made fun of that in a way. I read the first issue and said, oh, this is a blue and gold, but lesser. It is. But again, we we read that. It. it Feels like, and what me and Simon even said at the point, it it feels like it should have been. Gold wasn't even that good. I know what you'll call it. There should it should be in its own little imprint. I know you'll say, "Oh, what the bullshit imprint?" (laughs) 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 But it it should have been the. I don't know what you would call it. You know the bullshit. I got you. Let's have some fun imprint. Something like that. Funny books. you, You kind of get the characters. Take them out of the continuity and just have some random adventures. Uh, I call it them, the DCYOU. At one point, it seemed like that's what the Power Girl book was, but it's it's starting to try to make sense. But yeah. Fire and Ice is a weird one. It's a real weird one. But another issue to go afterwards. Yeah. 
Yeah, I told you the one play is that uh, a lot because we have a lot of books. We had a lot of this week, and I said some of these minis that we don't really love are ending, and right away, yeah, everybody thinks I'm the misery guy. I, I say the hysteric. Oh, the yep, just to be replaced by more bullshit. <laughs> like, all right. Maybe. Look, we'll see. these minis have not been the thing that really elevates any character at DC Comics right now. How about how about this? Because they, they're doing something like this. This is just wackier. How about you get a imprint that are just these minis and then so print them, them and then print them in trades the size of manga so they're mini as well. How about that? The mini imprint. Because they are going to release some trades in manga format. So they're already going to do that so that they think they're going to sell better. But really, I think it's what's in between the Quality. covers, but still. Uh, but they can be shelved better at, say, the bookstore and stuff like yeah. that. But it probably drive anybody nuts who's actually already collecting trades for years. But maybe that's the play. You have a DCYOU feel, but they're just mini. So you have those on the side. We don't have to deal with them. And then voila, and they're mini. Minier. Ooh, wait, I think it would work. Uh, speaking of minis, but not because the next one's a maxi. Then right. you re- like oversized. These things are like they come in fifteen foot by fifteen foot tomes. I'm not buying that. Awesome. It's like something that you would expect to be in the Fortress of Solitude, where Superman is writing with his heat vision on that. Remember when he does that in a stupid diary of steel? So ridiculous. <laughs> Like, Dear diary, and he's doing it with his heat vision nonsense. Today, I got a, a little bit going on in the pants. That was so what weird. What does that issue. even mean? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Neil before Zod, number one. I look forward to it. I knew you were going to. All right. And we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm wondering. I have a song for it. I, do I enjoy that, Zod. I do know that Zod. Do you like Zod or Grod? Zod. Uh, do you like Zod, Grod, or my bod? Zod. Okay, do you like Zod, Grod, my bot, or Jason Todd? I like Zod and Jason Todd. Okay, do you like Zod, Grod, my bot, Jason Todd, or Bardas Rod? Whatever's not (laughs) you want to fucking ape. You you don't like my bot? No, nobody likes your bot. That is true. (laughs) I I gotta gotta, gotta ask Todd. You got some things to work out. Uh, Now you you got me upset. And luckily, because I think I've run out of rhymes. Uh, but Neil before Zod number one comes out. I'm looking forward to it just to prove to you it sucks. Why? What is wrong with you? That that prelude did not get me. So what I am looking forward to is see if it can grab me right away, like what's going on in the pants, Eric. Neil before Zod. You know what he's kneeling for? Number one, right? Poison Ivy number eighteen. I don't know what any of those things mean. <laughs> Poison Ivy number eighteen, Eric. That's one and eight. You know what that adds up to? Fun. All right. That book is Look, so we, weird. We, it's so weird. We got weird. a cool team of Solomon Grundy, Killer Crocker, Poison Ivy taking on freaking Lamia zombies. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's just that book is all over the place. It's it's not consistent. People like it. It just doesn't feel very consistent. And I never know what we're going to get. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. Facts of life. Shazam Tell number me when you seven. Like Tell me when you like it. Um, I do actually like retrospectively said that the first arc was a little bit better, though. Even that me and you argued, I had to edit so much the last time we me and you were going through this idea of being confused of when things changed. And we, I think it's that. I think oh, it's yeah, there, I, think it's, I forgot if it was a six issue mini or an eight issue mini for whatever the main story was. That's what I thought was going to be good until the end. 
Yeah, uh, Shazam with an exclamation point number seven. I look forward uh, to it. It is going to be Dinosaur Invasion. We saw them coming to Earth, so we'll see how uh, that goes. I, I, <laughs> I look forward to it. It's a fun book, even it's if Shazam. you don't like that. It's at least it's heroes. fun. Yeah, yeah, so. Uh, we also have Titans Beast World Tour Atlantis number one. And I told you before there. we started recording, I'm I'm looking forward to that because we haven't seen much of Atlantis. So I am looking forward to see what is going on with that. If people were wondering, Megan Fitzmartinson and Grace and Frank Thierry are writing stories in that. So we'll see. The thing is, we're looking at this beforehand and we saw we had a like a Black Mana story. We have a Mara and Jackson Hyde story. And we have a Tempest Garth story. I'm like, was there an Aquaman story yeah, in that's, the Atlantis? Mm, that might be a problem. <laughs> that's what I want to see. Or just an Andy story, an Aquaman Andy. You know, they're on a picnic. Know. Right? They got starfish. They're eating jellyfish. We, we were talking about it. There were three writers that we pointed out and three stories that like were going to be in that book. But where's the they Aquaman don't. story? Yeah, I don't know. Are they going to have peanut butter and jellyfish sandwiches there? Is no. they handling? Well, you didn't know he was out in his car and he blew a seal, but I don't want to get into his personal life. Uh, All right, everybody. Those are the jokes. Uh, two of those books will be on the spotlight. I believe it'll be Neil before Zod, number God, one. show's over. Titans, Beast World, Tour, Atlantis, number one. I don't know what happened between sections. I got all, Maybe it's just like I'm like, oh, right. We're almost done, and now I get to edit this shit for four hours. It's a fun time, Eric, but yeah, the whole play here, uh, I hope people who had some fun with everything we talked about and remember i i don't point this out enough first off eric's a great guy that's number that's one right number two is that if you listen to us and we don't agree with the books that you like or don't like it doesn't mean anything it's our opinions that's the fun part of it yeah. at one point because of this fight going on in comics we did end up having people like I hate you guys. You're too, like, it, it's back and forth. Like one person thinks we're too positive. Then the other, nobody's too positive or too negative. It's your opinion. So well, not only just that, enjoy but if you're, if you're willing to talk about it, a writer or an artist or something like that, that they don't agree with, you're talking about that book. Well, I don't want to be a part of this. Or, Hey, you're not talking about that book enough. Well, I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. yeah it's, it, you can't win, but we try to have fun. That's basically our deal. It's me and Eric getting together and talking. It's our some life. Fun. Just being goofy. And yeah, I do like when people say like, you know, hey, thanks for reading some of these books and talking about them that I wouldn't get. Or some people can't even afford it. So if you want to just yeah, use it for that, rough. it's cool. We try to go through it, but we try to have our reasons for not liking or liking Obviously. things. But maybe they don't agree, Eric, with you. Or Vendettas. They agree with me. Yeah, it's, it's, I haven't heard that said in a while because all those asshole writers are done because they stink. I'm telling you, the, the idea of you say Vendetta, I'm like, you haven't brought that up because the people that I end up getting riled up about, they ain't on a book anymore because Ram they v. stunk. Yeah, I don't have a vendetta against Ram V. I actually liked his Catwoman enough, and I, out of nowhere, I liked the Intermezzo when it started. I thought it was kind of a cool play. It kind of got a little wet. <laughs> you know, maybe, but yeah. Man, what you're saying is, you know, Matthew Rosenberg is the deal, but he he's not on anything For that now. we deal with right now. Oh, he'll he'll be back on something. No, I'm saying it's him, but like for now, I'm sure there's going to be somebody else down the line. Yeah, and um, what I do is each day I wake up and I'm like, who am I going to start hating now? And the weird thing is, as I'm doing this, I'm pretending I'm doing like morning stretch. Oh, yeah, I see. I can totally see it. <laughs> I'm telling you, I have the one arm going back. I'm like, who is it that I'm going to hate now? I got to get in this. Maybe it's going to be a size spurrier because I don't like him, but I don't think that could be a vendetta when it's worldwide. The universal deal is not that. 
though I hope that gets better. I have a question for you. And I know Ruben's going to ask us, and this will be the last bit for the show. Are we going to do his Hellblazer book, Cypher, when it comes out, the miniseries Hellblazer book? Because Maybe. I don't. Well, if we're going to, we're going to have to read the first part of it that got canceled a couple of years ago because this just continues oh, no, right absolutely now. Absolutely not. That's some horse shit. That's like us going back to freaking review that book that like based on the hill from something that came out twenty years ago. And it's the secret. That's of the that. other one. I was going to ask you: Are we going to review that? No. Because we did. We did the that issues so in, in the Red so Hood bad. that did that. It was so bad. I that I'm glad you brought because those were the two that I saw are coming up, and I'm like, I don't know. I think Eric's going to make us do that Hills book, but I don't want to. I think I forced this into it the first time. I'm like, oh, we're going to go back. We're going to read this. And we're going to do it because it's interesting because it's like I'm coming out from after 20 years of a sequel. That sounds kind of cool. It wasn't cool, and I've regretted it ever since. You didn't force this into it, Eric. It was a continuation of the, the Jason. Te- Remember when it was Jason Todd, Red Hood, and the Outlaws? Then it was oh, yeah, just the right. Outlaws. Then it was Red Hood, and it kept ch- And it was part of that is why we continued. That's that right. was That was bad. That was not. And it just can. When I was reading no, the no solicit. I'll tell you, I got afraid of the Batgirls because it took place in the hell. Remember, there was like all those side characters that weren't Red Hood, but they had like, you know, there's Snooky Duke and there's this. And we're like, what the fuck? I saw the solicit. Even that guy who loves his shoes. And I'm telling you, the solicits mentioned all those guys and gals. I'm like, yeah, we're not involved in that. That was bullshit. So people people can hate on that all they want on their own. But yeah, I was going to ask you about that as well. So I'm glad we cleared that up for everybody. But thanks, everybody. Yeah, that's the deal. So thanks, everybody. We have the Zod. But again, check out our Patreon if you want to help us out and maybe listen to more shows. Especially if you want to hear Jim's new Neil before Zod song, because I know he really wants you to hear it. And he's afraid that if it goes on the Patreon spotlight, everybody's not going to get to hear it. Nobody's going to hear it, Eric. They're not going to hear it. So what do we say at the end of the podcast? Everybody have a great week. Week. Keep it weird. Weird. And we'll see you in seven. See you in seven. Why?